Breeders' Cup Saturday preview show part two. Yep, part two. We have so much content just for Saturday that we had to split it into two different shows. We are back here and we're going to pick up at race number nine on the Saturday Breeders' Cup card over at Del Mar. So we'll get to the Sarge. Ooh, Nick Hines helps us out and we go horse by horse in the ninth race, the Breeders' Cup Mile. Sarge was really ready to rock and roll. We talked about uh, in depth the each runner in the field spent close to an hour breaking down that Breeders' Cup Mile. But before we get into that, let's tell you what's going on on the, the rest of this episode. After the Breeders' Cup Mile with Sarge, we will discuss the Breeders' Cup Distaff with Emily Gollickson. Same thing, horse-by-horse horse discussion. We get into race number 11. That's going to be Ed DeRosa joining us to talk about the Breeders' Cup Turf. We get into race number 12, the Breeders' Cup Classic on Saturday. Chris Larmy helps us with a horse-by-horse horse discussion. And Emily Gollickson, the classic, wanted to give you even more for the big one for the main event. So we give you two different interviews, two different people, both go horse by horse all the way through. We finish up this episode Saturday, Best Bets with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. Each of my good friends share three of their best plays on the Saturday Breeders' Cup card. We have a ton for you. So if you just are catching this episode, that means you you probably listened to the first portion in the Saturday preview show. If you didn't, we have races 1 through 8 on a prior episode. You can just go back and look anywhere you get your podcast, you'll find that SoundCloud I posted on uh, is is sort of our home base and I usually post the link from there, but most of our listeners come from iTunes, Google Podcasts and all sorts of other different uh podcast uh platforms. So there are, there's a full preview show for Saturday, races one through eight, where we go very similar. And there's a full preview show for Friday. If you're just catching this episode and you didn't even know we had Friday and uh, another Saturday show, we do. So just as much content as we can get to help you out. I love having all these different guests sharing all these different opinions. You get to see how so many different people handicap and play the races, and it is just a blast. So uh, hope you enjoy part two of the Breeders' Cup Saturday preview show presented by BetterThan.Vegas. Go uh, check out that website. Make it a uh, one of your bookmarks, favorite that thing. It will help you become a better better. It's a website where people go and post their videos. They share all of the games and and plays and props and things that they're going to be wagering on so that way you can look and, and see what everyone's playing you can kind of start to uh, you know build your uh, your toolbox you can start to pick up different angles and start to learn from other really sharp handicappers and gamblers 100% free for you to watch all the videos and watch all the content and you can actually subscribe create an account which is free and if you start posting your own videos, your own selections, they're all going to be tabulated. And at the end of the month, whoever has the, the highest total gets $1,000. It doesn't cost you anything to enter. It's totally free. You want to build your following a little bit. You want to have the opportunity to share some of your knowledge with other folks. Check out BetterThan.Vegas. Their Twitter handle is at BTVBets. And every single day, they have what's called the public prop where they give away they give away a wager and if that wager hits you keep the money. 
So they'll post, uh, hey, this is going to be tonight's game. Tonight's wager is going to be in the Thursday night football game. And we're going to be, if, if this team wins, you get 200 bucks. All you have to do is help us share this tweet, like, retweet, and follow. That's it. And then every night, one of them, one of you will be picked. And it's a newer site, and it's a newer Twitter account. There aren't millions of people following, so you're not going to be competing against millions or hundreds of thousands of others. You'll have a legitimate chance to win money each and every night just by helping post and retweet and, and following along. At BTV Bets, flip those notifications on because you'll uh, you'll get alerted every single day when that public prop goes. And while you're over there on Twitter, give me a follow too. At it's me, Gino B. That would be a uh, very kind. We are going to jump into Breeders' Cup Mile race number nine, but we always have to let you know how we handicap the races, how we prepare for the races, where do we go before we want to uh, start, you know, making our wagers. We have to get all prepared. We have to get all researched. We have to get all set up at drf.com. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. 
While you follow along with our race-by-race handicapping, you're going to want to head to drf.com first, and you can get your Breeders' Cup package for this weekend. A couple of the options they have for you. The Timeform US package, $39.95. You get the exclusive Timeform US pace projectors and speed figures. You get final PPs for Friday and for Saturday, Breeders' Cup two-day betting strategies, and the Player's Guide from DRF and Timeform US. You can go the Players Package, where you get the Breeders' Cup Essentials, like the Final Pass Performances for Friday and Saturday, the Two-Day Betting Guide, and the Players' Guide from DRF and from Timeform US. Or you get the VIP, where you get the Final PPs for Friday and Saturday, you get the Two-Day Betting Strategies, you get the Players' Guide, the DRF and uh, Timeform US Players' Guides, and you get the two-day clocker reports, which are now up. That one is $62.99. Head to drf.com, and you got to be prepped. You got to be ready. I've got the VIP package myself, and I am locked and loaded, as you've probably heard in some of the others. We sometimes will go uh, even even too deep, but it's never too deep because people sometimes you'll say, like, over-handicap or you do too much. I think it's it's a little bit different when, you, you know, you want to be in a position to obviously – uh, talk about the races and discuss them I want to know as much about every single horse To have a discussion with everyone And to be able to share that information with you And for me I personally when I'm going to invest my money I want to have as much information as possible I don't think there's a way That you can overdo it So the more races I watch on a particular horse The more charts I look at The more things I look up I get an idea a little bit better of who that horse is And I think that helps me form an opinion in that particular race and just moving forward in my my overall kind of just knowledge of horse racing. So let's jump in to the Breeders' Cup mile with the Sarge, Nick Hines. Oorah! We are getting ready for the uh, the Breeders' Cup mile and, and the Sarge is on with me here. And uh, I promise you folks, this isn't going to be one of those wrestling matches with like uh, where we get the chainsaw out. No chainsaw, Charlie. Oh. Terry Funk stuff here for the Sarge. We're wrestling fans, but we're going to be talking racing. I have a I have a, a long running feud with some of the gardeners out front, Sarge, because they just never really give me their schedules for me to record around. So some of the times I got to battle right through them as uh, we welcome the sergeant to that's what G said for the first time. He's been with me on the Mike Abadir show before, but he's joining us here for the first time on a big, big weekend. Sarge, you're a sports fan. And what's nice is that every sport gets their moment or their couple of moments throughout the year where everybody's watching, everybody's focusing. That's what's coming up for us horse racing fans this weekend. And it's a it's a pleasure to be here with you, Gino. And obviously, we, you know, we're blessed to uh, kind of get ourselves back into kind of a normal swing as pertains to horse racing. And you know, the the fans and the gamblers obviously is is what makes the wheel turn. And I I think the fact that uh, you know we find ourselves uh, staring down the barrel of Del Mar, uh, an unbelievable uh, nostalgic uh, setting. For a Breeders' Cup championship and, you know, with the success that they had uh, with the inaugural running here, it's great to see them back uh, on the left coast. Weather should be great. And uh, there's just there's that buzz that we get that great Breeders' Cup buzz when really the week of when you start getting everybody paying attention for the workouts, when you start getting everybody, um, you know, talking about who they like and everyone's got an opinion and. 
It's great, as you mentioned, being in Southern California, where uh, you and I have been um, and have you know done a lot of our work in racing. It's great that TVG is going to get the opportunity to have a big presence with the Breeders' Cup because it's like anything, right? In any sport, like some years the Super Bowl is covered by Fox, and then the the network shift. So some years it's it's been. TVG and then other years it's not as much Of a presence for for us who have been So heavily involved in TVG I always like to get to See when my friends and uh, the people that we've Worked with get to really get over there And, and sink their teeth in and Del Mar's Kind of always been that home away for home for TVG too it certainly has And uh, you know again I, I was Fortunate to have worked on the uh, the Breeders Cup Broadcast uh, when it was at Monmouth Park back in uh, 2007 and that was uh, my final year of training and went on to, uh, you know, work as a, a racing manager with Southern Equine and obviously doing the, the bloodstock work now and still obviously being affiliated with TVG. You know, it, the energy uh, is obviously there, as you know, but, uh, you know, this is a time and a place where we can showcase the sport to the, to the highest level. And, uh, you know, whether it be you, me, and, and those that uh, represent this uh, wonderful sport of Kings, it's our job to to represent, and uh, I salute you for the work and the tireless efforts that you put in uh, in this uh, unbelievable game. I'll right back at you. That's why we've always got along from day one. Passionate, and we're going to work hard. We're going to do everything we can to help the folks out there make a buck in, in one way or the other. And our focus uh, today is going to be in this Breeders' Cup mile. What is great about this particular race, too, there are, are you know, I, I get – in my head, the idea of what the Breeders' Cup was created for. And I think it was races like this, races like we're going to get this year in the Distaff and in the Classic, where, you know, we get these combinations of, in this particular race, what's great is it's a, a turf race. So in these turf races, we want it to be this international event. And it, it does feel that way this year. We get some really strong imports and we have a strong U.S. contingent too. It's not always that that way. Some years, the U.S. based group may not be as strong And we may see that in some of the other races And divisions throughout this weekend But in this particular race We have some legitimate Legitimate contenders and milers here That have been based in the U.S. And we have some really nice horses That are going to be shipping in It's that perfect combination I think Of why the Breeders' Cup was created And what they wanted when they created this championship Day and now weekend no, absolutely. And I think you you look at the fact that we have find ourselves with a 14 horse field here. You know, what's interesting is that you do have uh, several that are whether Southern Hemisphere bred or perhaps European. You'll have five that are invading uh, from across the water, including uh, Vin de Gard, uh, the Japanese uh, son of Deep Impact, who is, uh, you know, he's assembled quite a resume. Although, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, his recent form, it's a bit sporadic, but uh, for what it is worth, I, I think the the American contingent certainly has uh, a big face and an opportunity in this mm-hmm. race, namely Mo Forza, who's yeah. essentially unbeaten over the Del Mar Turf course. But Space Blues, that horse dispatched as your three to one uh, morning line favorite for Charlie Appleby, who has just uh, had amazing results here on U.S. soil. I mean, you take a look at the statistics that he's been able to put together. <laughs> it doesn't look um, real. You have to check it a few times right. when you see the numbers, right? You're like, what? Is that a typo? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he's six for 14 in North America just this year. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the first time in, in North America, he's winning five from his last 10 and in 43% in turf races. So, yeah, he, he certainly holds the, the keys uh, with a horse like, uh, you know, the horse that we mentioned there in Space Blues. But the reality is, it's as we find with these Breeders Cup miles, they're wide open races, and you know, don't ever discount the uh, the Philly mares. Uh, 
they've had tremendous success for, since the inaugural running when Royal Heroin won uh, under Fernando Toro for Hall of Famer, legendary uh, John Gosden. You mentioned uh, Space Blues, the uh, the Applebee trainee does have a win at a mile and 70 earlier on. You see some of the races at more recently at seven furlongs, but this is a horse who you you watch some of his races. He, he was mid-pack in his last start. He was kind of mid-pack towards the rear, and he just has these incredibly huge strides, just so visually impressive. You can go back and look at a lot of those international races if you want on TVG, which is nice. You can just you know type in the horse's name or you can search by the date and find uh, the replays for a lot of these horses. And uh, he he does feel like he's a very, very classy horse. And he's, to me, like the one that they'll all probably have to beat and in that top, top tier of horses in here. Yeah, when you're 10 for 18 and, you know, <laughs> they, they obviously locked this horse down back in April and May of 2019 and, and understood that the, the curious question here, is this horse more of a straight, just one turn type individual? Yep. I mean, yep. you consider the fact that when the career began for uh, Space Blues, it began at a mile and 70 yards, ironic as that sounds at Nottingham, but they essentially stretch him out to a mile and a quarter, but that's going to be the bigger question. You know, mm-hmm. he does have a world and uh, quite a, a turn of foot. He's electric. And uh, the bigger question is, can he get the, the two turns and display that turn of foot in doing so? But, you know, for the fact that the Charlie Appleby has been able to do and accomplish what he has, uh, William Buick, uh, you look at, you know, the success that he's had in Breeders' Cup races uh, through the years, Interesting to note that uh, this is not a race that uh, William Buick has won. So it would be a nice uh, feather in his cap if he were to indeed get there. Sheep proponent-wise, um, certainly has an edge um, from a Ragazin perspective when you look at those sevens that are staring you. But time form ratings, it's obvious that this is the horse to beat. Mm-hmm. I guess the biggest question, Gino, is this the horse to bet? Exactly, at the price. What kind of price are you willing to take with a horse that does, like you said, you, you, there are some question marks with this one. Is this the exact best trip, best style with the American racing, the way the American races are run sometimes with the kind of pace that we may see? Is it going to play out the best for a horse that may be two to one? You know, right. that, and and that and where where you have some other intriguing runners, the, the other Charles Appleby horse from the inside. We can kind of go inside out a little bit. Master of the Seas, who is a multiple group stakes winner, did have some legitimate trouble last time out. Was towards the back after a slow start. Um, not in the same type of form as the other Appleby runner, but this one does feel like a, a more true miler and and from a distance standpoint probably a little better suited but I don't know if he's quite as good or if his A game we haven't seen anything quite at the at the top level of what he can do compared to someone like Space Blues. Well, he is a 3-year-old taking on elders and you know you look at the success rate of 3-year-olds we had that shocker last year with Order of mm-hmm. Australia who unfortunately couldn't come back uh, to defend uh, this year but uh, Caraconte uh, back in 2014 and course, Gold Lakova, who racked off three straight victories, War Chant. So three-year-olds have had some success in this race, but when you look at the overall gist of the number, right, when you talk Ragazin, and not to mention the fact that this horse, uh, you know, had a regressive uh, time form rating last out, you know, as much as we often talk about the other of a particular trainer, in this case being Charlie Appleby, I, I have my aversions to master the seas. Probably a horse that I would best relegate underneath. I yep. do not like this horse uh, anywhere near the wind end. 
Me too. Um, Smooth like straight right next door is just a really, really honest, tough horse. You know what you're going to get from this guy. He's going to be in the early you know, complexion of the race. He's going to be forwardly placed. I, I like it better when they sort of let him loose a little bit. But the, the unfortunately, in this particular race, with um, other speed signed on with a horse like Blowout, he's probably not going to get that kind of lone f trip. He can sit fine just off the pace, and he's done it, and that's that's what he wants to do. He wants to sort of use his tactical advantage to try to get the jump on some of those deeper closers and hope that he can really, you know, trip out and and, and get that head start on them. He, you know, Rispoli has been just incredible, risen to the top of the ranks over the last couple of years in what he's done out here on the turf. And even when this guy loses, it's not by much. I last even last time out. He looked like he got that separation for a minute. He he looked like late in the stretch he was going to be able to get the job done. But then Mo Forza is just he comes it's with such effortless strides and just goes right by. Um, it, it's tough to knock this horse, but I with the presence of blowout in here, like if blowout weren't in here, I would upgrade him quite a bit from a pace perspective. But I, I'm a little bit worried now that they may or blowout's going to ensure an honest pace. Well, there's no doubt. And I, I think that, you know, blowout is legitimate contender, which we'll get to in a moment. But the one thing that if we revert back to the, the summertime meeting, uh, mainly in sprints, but uh, the inner posts on turf seem to have had some dominance there. In fact, in the sprint races, they're winning at 23% uh, combined, 1-2. In post position number two, at a mile or over, 17%, which is the highest uh, percentage. So, what does that mean in the grand scheme? Well, this is the Breeders' Cup World Championships, and horses are likely to be coming at smooth, like straight from all directions. But I will say this, uh, playing uh, your verticals here, uh, he's going to be a player in, in, in the second, third, and fourth spot, no doubt, based mm-hmm. on the fact that, uh, look, even if blowout blasts to the lead, I think smooth, like straight can stalk. He yeah. may just give him the slip and, and, and give him a scare at mm-hmm. uh, what could be an overlaid price. He's never been out of the exact at Del Mar. He's seven for 18. Uh, do his numbers stack up? You know, I guess that's the biggest question as far as from this vantage point. His effort two back when he earned a seven and a quarter was a, a co-top. Um, back ran a six and three quarters uh, as a three-year-old. I think this horse is legitimate, and I would definitely include him playing exotics here. Yeah, he's really honest. He's got the – and what's nice, didn't have to travel, got the local. He knows Del Mar. He knows this turf course. He's a genuine, genuine miler. Like a mile and an eighth is a little past what he wants to do. And he just feels like the mile is perfect for him. And we know what we're going to get. Like you said, you let blowout go. You sit a length or two behind. And you just try to get the jump and, and come after him early. And, and hope you can you know get a length or two advantage on everybody else. Maybe some of the horses behind you get stuck in a little traffic. Maybe some of the Euros don't take to the course or the ground as much uh, all that well. You... He is consistent, and you're absolutely right. If he is in that eight to one plus range, he's a must use in exactas tries and supers because they're going to have to pass. A lot of these horses are going to have to pass him. Agreed. Yep. We uh, we to- uh, spoke about Space Blues. Another one of the uh, U.S. based runners is the number four, Raging Bull, who comes off the third place effort in the Woodbine Mile. Raging Bull is a grade one winner Won the makers mark mile earlier this year At Keeneland and came back and finished uh, Second as a heavy favorite in the poker After that he He is capable of jumping up With a big one we've seen him in the grade one shoemaker Mile in southern california before he's Actually won over this turf course before at Del Mar um, showing up with a, a Really good effort 
And he was chasing a lone speed winner last time out So the race shape was against him A top-notch connections here Obviously with Chad Brown and Irad Ortiz Jr. aboard So I don't really have many knocks on him as a horse He actually may get a pretty good setup in here I think I just like a few others better But the, the price should be very fair well, when you're getting a Chad Brown, uh, you know, a 15 to 1 morning line, the horse is earned 1.6 million. Uh, again, it, it's Breeders' Cup time. Uh, yep. You look at his effort, three back, you know, the four star Dave, I don't know what the, the mitigating situation was there mm-hmm. in a sense that he had opportunity. He went off even money, was coming off the needed race in the grade three poker. Perhaps he ran too hard uh, back in, in June, but he had plenty of recovery time. Um, difficult for me to kind of wrap my brain around Raging Bull, but yeah. I do think that uh, he's going to be heard from late. I'm just not convinced that uh, it's going to be enough. But hey, I respect a horse been the exact 11 of 21, and the fact that it's Chad Brown, uh, I think, speaks volumes for this horse. And I think you're going to get every bit of that uh, 15 to 1 price. I- Chad Brown winning this race two years ago with Uni, the filly for uh, Khalid Abdullah and Joel Rosario uh, and the Irons. But He's going to have to work a trip, and for me, he's likely a horse I'm going to relegate way underneath here, uh, third at best. Fourth I agree. I agree because if I'm just projecting it in my head with him launching from way out of it, he's going to need things to go well for him and not run into some traffic, and then he's going to be looking eyeball to eyeball with some other really, really nice horses that have a good late turn of foot. I just don't know if he's going to close with them better than them in that situation. He doesn't seem like he can. Get the jump on some of that. He's just like a deep closer who I like some of the deep closers a little bit better. You know, agreed. Agreed. Uh, we get to the uh, Japanese runner, uh, Vin de Gard, and it's very cool to see a lot of the Japanese influence this year. We're getting a couple more horses, and the key is one of our uh, our, our colleagues that we worked with also who helped me out with the Philly and Mare Turf, John Moosis, when we discussed. He mentioned how you know sometimes you'll get a horse or two, but usually they're not. Really some of the better horses From Japan that are excellent and top Tier this is a horse who you mentioned is Is accomplished but maybe not As much as of late and the one that we see In the Philly and Mir turf is very Accomplished and a really really Live contender so it is Love seeing the the Added international flair and with the uh, The hopes for continuing to get more And more money in the pools and continuing to Expand the Breeders' Cup uh, The more uh, horses that ship in from from All over the place it does make it feel like That truly big world Championships event even when You get horses showing up like this that maybe This one can't win in this particular Spot I, I always love when they When they show up it's it's good for racing Overall I think it's it's good for the Breeders' Cup Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think you can appreciate the fact that it's likely that uh, Vindegard is is much better suited to the the one mile added the fact that, uh, you know, those uh, left turn races, uh, you know, we go back to the race at Tokyo and the Fuji Stakes in October 2020. My biggest concern, again, is is the lack of, of real recency. I mean, you have that race on October 10th, uh, the uh, Mainchini Okan at Tokyo uh, when going off uh, to the likes of the Snowmaster, just simply never lifted a hoof that particular day. So maybe needed a race. And uh, for me, this would be uh, kind of borderline shocker if this yeah. horse were to step up. But loves only you, of course, in the Breeders' Cup uh, Philly Mare Turf. I mean, she's she's the one. And she's been dispatched in four to one and rightfully so. For me, uh, I'm going to uh, draw a line through this horse with no disrespect to a, a son of deep impact 
who's put together a $2.2 million bankroll. Very much agree. It just doesn't seem like it's the time right now for uh, for this one. As we move along and we get to a, a couple all in a row of really, really nice U.S. To U.S. based horses right now, horses that are just in great form that have had some big wins this year. We start with the number six, Mo Forza, and Sargent. It's almost impossible to knock what this horse has done. It's kind of funny when you look back through his form early on, and he's a horse who took a little bit to to kind of figure things out, and then once they figured him out, one of the better conditioners at getting them to. To know, like getting them right once they, you know, they have that that niche, whether it's a, a turf miler, a sprinter, whatever they figure it out. Miller does such a great job at uh, keeping them good, keeping them consistent for a long time. And once this guy broke his maiden, he has just rattled off win after win after win. Last year, his 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 year was very similar. He came off of a, a long layoff. He came back in August. He won the Del Mar Mile. He won the City of Hope Mile, and he was. Heading into the Breeders' Cup as a horse that would have been a, a pretty live runner and a, a super talented horse whose numbers and figures are all really good. And then, unfortunately, he didn't make the, the Breeders' Cup. An issue knocked him out. He didn't run again until August this year. Came back. Same thing. Wins in August. Wins in October. The two preps to set him up. He's never really has to exert himself all that much. He's not as deep of a closer as some of the, the really deep closers and Pratt knows him so well He knows this course There are a lot of things to like about this horse Third off the bench Just a lot of angles even with him Well I, I think what, what fits the best here Is the fact that uh, Tribute to the late great uh, Barry Abrams of course Who campaigned the mare And uh, such uh, an influence on this particular horse And ties to a Mo Forza And uh, in a partnership with Barty Farm The OG boss Look, they won four straight races with Mo Forza, as you alluded to the fact that this horse had been out from October of 2020 until August of this year. You know, you look at that third line, that third start back off the bench, and immediately your mind says, generally a horse is best. I'll tell you, when you look at the return number, he earned a six and a quarter. He paired fours and a quarter last year. So on sheets, the idea is perhaps maybe he's not as quite as fast as he was as a four-year-old. But when you look at the jest of the number here, he has, I think, every opportunity to, to find an ideal trip. I think when you look at the City of Hope Mile, you see the likes of Smooth Like Straight hit the road. Mo Forza needed every ounce of that stretch to get there. But there's no doubt that Flavian Pratt, in my mind, on U.S. soil, he's the top turf rider. He's going to have this horse in a, in a prime position over a surface that he absolutely adores. He's three for six here locally. Of the local horses, uh, the two days in running, I think Mo Forza is a horse that stands near the top of the list as far as uh, carrying the, the California flag. I really like this horse, and uh, I think he's going to get a perfect setup. And Peter Miller, no stranger to winning uh, Breeders' Cup races, and although primarily being at one turn, I think this horse is uh, he's going to have a say in the eventual outcome, and I expect his number to swing back in that direction of a six and a half, and that may be just very good enough to win this race. Mo Forza is going to be on a lot of my exotics too He's in that top top tier for me Sarge And he's lined up next to a couple other horses uh, in the That have run really really well as of late In some big prep races First we uh, we mentioned In Love uh, Lobo just done an incredible job with this one now They 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 figured him out, you know, right right after the Wise Dan, you know, they they just they started to figure this one out, and a shard 
Maybe it was the combination of pilot Sometimes and, and you put them all together And that's what it is He has fit this one like an absolute glove The ride that he put on In the turf mile at Keeneland last time out You could just It's, it's a ride that a jockey gives when they just know a horse so well He sat so patiently inside He never panicked He didn't you know, try to move into a spot that wasn't there He didn't try to angle off the rail early And, and then end up getting caught wide He just, he knew he knows the type of horse he was on He knows the horse can move when And respond when he asks And you know, this might be a tough task For In Love But this is the sort of now Kind of peaking, very hot horse Who you know, one really nice winning those races at Kentucky. That is a very difficult turf course to win over. And those races were offering a ton of money this year with bumped up purses. So those non-graded stakes races like the TVG that were three hundred thousand and five hundred thousand and seven hundred thousand dollar races, those are just as good as you know, grade one, grade two races. This isn't I don't have many knocks on him in particular. It's just this is going to be the toughest field that he's ever faced by far. We don't exactly know how strong the group that he beat in the turf mile was last time out, but hey, they keep checking the boxes, and this is a—they deserve to be in this in this field and deserve to probably be in the ten to one ish range. Well, you know, coming out of that uh, the grade one there, the, the Keeneland turf, the one thing you have to consider: the Order of Australia went into that race as your even money favorite. I remember looking at the sheets, and I told myself that uh, you know this isn't. Uh, the everyday grade one that you would see. I, I thought it was maybe a cut below, um, but visually, yep. it, it really came down to in love did exactly what, you know, a good horse would do. Uh, didn't necessarily find the fast pace as that one had done at Kentucky Downs. I mean, they rolled early on at Kentucky and had some fast internal splits. They went 22 and three, 22 and four, yet in love was able to kind of, you know, accelerate, Back up and then re-engage and go on to an easy win. Definitely agree with you in a sense that uh, this is a different ilk of a grade one, but I always appreciate a horse that's uh, rattled off three straight wins over three different services and for all intents and purposes is coming into the race as sharp as anyone. From a numbers perspective, yeah, paired sevens. This horse uh, is able to continue that progression and say runs of five or a six, then you're going to hear from this horse late. But uh, for me, you look at that race at Kentucky Downs, the turf was listed firm. You look at the race at Arlington Park was listed yielding. That turf course at Kentucky Downs, two back, it had more give than what meets the eye. It was a good turf at uh, Keeneland with some precipitation. I'm not convinced that In Love will take to the uh, Del Mar turf course as well as he had done over those other three. But take nothing away from his record. He's won three and six this year. He's won 666,000. Take that for what it's worth. In love for me as a horse, I'm going to try and uh, rule out of the exotics. At the very most, I would probably include that horse in my super effectus, uh, super sarks effectus, if you will. But uh, that's about it. I, I, I think it's, uh, I think this horse has certainly met his fill for 2021. We get to hit the road, the number eight in the Breeders' Cup mile, and another one whose pattern coming into this race with the third start off the bench should be set for a, a very big effort. He's local. He has some big races that maybe just a cut below the best of some of the other top contenders, but he's he's no real slouch. He, he, the problem is he's been behind Mo Forza in his last couple. I do think he had a a little bit of trouble, and I I, I think uh, Florent Giroux, as who is a fantastic rider, I prefer a little bit more on on front end horses on on speed, and I think Johnny V 
will actually give him a, a very good ride here. He got he was settled and he kind of got shuffled back a little bit. He was inside of Mo Forza, and then what ended up happening is he had to wait. Mo Forza went, he got shut off, and then you're not going to be able to come around Mo Forza and spot a horse like that a length or two. If he's got a chance to beat them, he's got to try to get the jump a little bit too. I don't think he wants to be dead last in here. He's one that I'm I'm not completely against here. I know he needs to improve, but t- tell us a little bit what you think about Hit the Road and his chances in this spot. You know, I, I agree. I'm not sure that, that Florent gave this horse the best ride. No. Last time. And no. I, I think that, um, you know, the fact that uh, Florent is is not back in the saddle today, I, I think speaks volumes. I mean, he had had uh, some success on this horse. And in fact, winning a grade one, uh, I, I think ideally for a trainer, Dan Blacker, if he could have had the opportunity to get Umberto Arispoli back aboard, mm-hmm. um, I, I would say that chances are, he would have preferred him, but to Johnny yep. Z, uh, a rider that how many Breeders' Cup race victories has he had? I mean, he's won this race multiple times. In fact, uh, dating all the way back to what 1998 with the, the Haas, so essentially would put him into um, the all-time winningest. He's won this race on three occasions. So you got the right man. Um, this one for me is a little bit of an enigma in a sense that when I look at the sheets, I'm like. I can't really like this horse. You know, he, he ran an 11, he ran a seven and a quarter off the bench, but yet again, did this horse uh, react some off of the hard effort in the Del Mar mile because he ran giant and yep. I thought ran better than look. If you like Mo Forza and you consider smooth, like straight a contender as I do, then hit the road has to be in every ounce of your exotics as much as I hate to say it. I mean, I almost come across as a homer here, but no, but the, he hangs around, right? He, he does. In, in in most cases, I com- I would agree with you, and I think we would fairly say that in some of these other Breeder Cup, Breeders' Cup races, I'm not as keen on the chances of some of the California-based runners because a lot of the distance turf divisions just aren't as strong. Heck, there aren't even any grade one distance turf races anymore. Like United doesn't even run in any grade ones because they're all grade twos. They've all been downgraded. But But right. these milers are where I think – the the speed for the for the US can still be used as a weapon or their tactical pace when you have to face some of the euros that's where i still feel like they can kind of meet and come together and in the sprints i i feel like it's it's kind of fair fair ball game for whoever once we get a little bit deeper and longer a lot of times the US based horses are at a little bit of a disadvantage just because the good horses that ship in in many cases face better competition Going longer on the grass all throughout the year, and I don't, I don't get that sense in here. I do think that these, these three in particular, the ones that you mentioned, because they're all the, the same that they've been, you know, beat like facing each other, and Mo Forza has been beating them. But if Mo Forza were to you know, get in a little bit of traffic trouble or not get an ideal trip here, I do not think that I, I think either hit the road or smooth like straight could have a huge opportunity to be right there. I agree. And I think that, you know, you kind of revert back to the fact that this turf course at Del Mar is, uh, you know, it's a bit indifferent in the sense that the turns are a bit tighter. Um, You look back at at the Breeders' Cup of 2017 at Del Mar. And once again, you pointing out the fact that, uh, you know, in these races that generally go a bit further, right, they go a bit further, they favor the, the Europeans. Uh, you look back at 2017 world approval who'd won that race for uh, trainer Mark Cassie, uh, a bit of an American flavor there. Lancaster bomber came rolling late to finish second. Stormy liberal won the sprint, 
So, yeah, I, I feel like in this case, uh, from an American standpoint, going back to Mo Forza, you know, is he my choice? Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But but I think hit the road. He's a curious horse. And as we were saying, he's definitely always seemingly in the hunt. And uh, shout out to Dan Blacker. He's done a really good job with this horse, too. And what's nice is he's, you know, he's going to be a big price. He will be 15 to 1 in here. He's not going to be a horse that takes a ton of money. And so you you will be reward him for use, uh, rewarded for using him in some of your exotics. As we move along to Mother Earth, horse who has a kind of some funny funny uh, history too. This was a horse who was in a race where they had uh, uh, misnamed. They had a horse that they thought was a different horse. They had misidentified a horse and ends up running there. She is wow. definitely uh, intriguing. She's a, a you know Group One winner. She comes out of the uh, race where she last time out was was facing the boys, and she is a three year old. So she's a three year old that's going to be facing the boys and going to be facing older. She is no doubt capable of some top, top-notch performances. What do you think about Mother Earth in here, Aiden O'Brien and more? I mean, some of the, the best connections in all of racing. Well, you say the best connections in all of racing are one of the best, but uh, if you remember Order Australia, who shocked the world last year, uh, put Aiden finally on, finally. Uh, on that. Exactly, finally on that uh, map of the, the Breeders' Cup mile. And how many horses did he had compete through the years? I mean, he was over, you know, an umptitude of a zillion, it seemed, coming in. So um, I respect the connections, and, and I'm a big fan of Ryan Moore, but uh, I am not a fan of the recent effort in the QE2. I, I granted, she did have trouble at the start at Ascot. Uh, she was 33 to 1. Again, I think she's a cut below when you look at sheet numbers. She's just not fast enough. I, I, I would play uh, against her. I would lay all day. She did run well here stateside last year, uh, ultra game in the uh, Raiders Cup Juvenile Turf. But I just don't get the impression that her career has ascended. Now, I granted, look, she's won multiple grade ones. And who am I to say that, uh, you know, she's a cut below? I just don't she, think now she I get the well. same. I completely agree with you. I get the same feel for her. She, the, the thing that just bothers me, it's, it's weird. It, it doesn't bother me when horses run well, but she was 33 to one last time out and then didn't run. Like she had a little bit of trouble early. She was just kind of flat late. I mean, it was a tough race, but if the fact that she was 33 to one in that race and now she's going to be in here. And I think because of those connections, because of Ryan Moore, whatever yeah. price that she is, it's probably a little lower than it should be. Well, you here's, know. The biggest, here's the biggest issue with her is style. And yeah. he just likes to, to kind of drop, set, and, and make one move. I, I just personally don't see, and you and I know better than anyone, you know, how this turf course plays here at Delmar. And I realize it's, you know, it's there's more precipitation in the air. It's not summertime. But it does, to me, it, it's going to, you know, favor horses that are – at least within, say, four to six lengths of the lead. Yes. I don't see yeah. her being up that close. And frankly, I, I don't see her getting the pace. You know, we talked no. about uh, blowout and, and mentioned smooth like straight. On paper, uh, those two are going to try and dictate terms, but hardly in my mind do I see them going 45 and some change here for the half. I, I don't she see just, it. She just ran on October the 16th, too. You know, that's, a, that's, right. that's, not, that's not a lot of time in between races to come on over. Obviously, they know what they're doing with these horses, but I just feel like she's going to be a little bit of an underlay. Not for me or Sarge in this particular spot. Tons of respect for her and for the connections, but not here in this tough one as that we get to blow out another very, very live 
a chance for the uh, U.S. base horses blowout just stole the first lady last time out over at Keeneland. She stole the distaff turf mile earlier on in the year. She has always been really good for a lot of her races, though. I think they would try to they would try to harness her speed a little bit too much. They would try to get her to rate on the front end and and it would end up keeping some of the stalkers and the closers in the race because they wouldn't be, you know, distance when she is let loose and she just lets rip as at the mile. That's when she can just, she can make a lot of horses uncomfortable trying to keep up. And and that's what we've, we've seen, um, you know, blowout do, I think. And, and that's, what's been to me, the difference in how she's been handled and how much more aggressively they've decided to handle her in I think it was sort of by accident in the distaff turf mile when she just kind of opened up and, and in the last three races to me, she just sort of seems like I didn't, I wouldn't have ever thought before she could win a race like this. And now I do, if she gets out front and for some reason, smooth, like straight takes a little too far back and everyone else is just loping along, expecting that they'll be able to push their buttons. She can steal this thing. Yeah. The only Caveat for me is whether or not Joel Rosario fits her as well as say Flavian. Very much agree. In in my opinion, but um, you know, again, she, she has one way to go. Chad obviously being represented by multiple horses uh, in this race. And I would agree from a numbers perspective, she's certainly in the zone. Uh, She earned a seven and a quarter rag last out. In fact, would be her, her co-top. And if my, Angle serves me right. She's certainly either A, going to pair, or she's going to run through. And the fact that uh, from a pace scenario, look, I think when it comes to blowout, ultimately, you look at the win in the first lady, that was one of the, the better bets I cashed at Keeneland during the meet. They disrespect her speed. And mm-hmm. I think the smooth like straight, if he concedes under Umbi uh, Reese Bully, uh, blowout's going to take him a long way. She yep. is going to be involved in every aspect of my exotics wagering. Yeah, I agree, because she just, for that reason, and with Smooth Like Straight, Rispoli has done that in particular with him in some cases where he's, you know, been content with sitting off a little bit and maybe right. wanting to try to save a little bit more, you know, right. to so you have a little left for the deeper closers. And I totally understand when you take that approach sometimes, but it can backfire on you if you, like you said, it's it's almost like a disrespect sometimes that they, they kind of let her get out there and think, ah, oh, yeah, she's going to come back to him. You better be careful because she you let her get out there like that and get brave. She's going to be pretty tough on the front end. And I agree very much in that Joel, I don't think of, and I don't necessarily put up with who is going to be the absolute best at being the gate rider and getting him out there. But if she is out there and going well, and you need someone to finish, well, then you're going to be in great shape there with uh, perhaps the absolute best finisher in the game of Joel Rosario. So a very uh, another very live one and you know I, again I don't think we're being homers and saying there are four or five legitimate US runners here who I think have a an absolute shot if they get the right kind of trip because they are capable on their best days of winning this race and uh, blowout is one of them. Uh, a mare who was definitely capable of winning a race like this before. She actually was second in this race back in 2019. She's she then tried the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint last year, and she didn't run all that poorly. She was only beaten a couple lengths. So when, when they were over at Keeneland, she was be, uh, she was fifth that day. She she's kind of had a weird last couple years where they they sort of turned her back. She was a miler before, and then they turned her back to to sprinting, and and it 
what fared pretty well for her. They've kind of gone back and forth, stretching her out, having her go back and forth from you know sprints to to miles. She hasn't been as consistent. She's still very capable of of jumping up and and popping up with a big one, but. I'm not sure how I feel about her in this spot, Starge. Tell us a little bit about God Stormy. Well, you know, again, being part of uh, my racehorse, it's been an incredible rise for uh, my racehorse over the past couple of years, uh, having one with Authentic in, in the Classic last year. Um, God Stormy, uh, I have to give credit to, to Mark Cassie. Done an incredible job with her. She's a 12-time winner, has earned an excess of $2.4 million. She's won on eight different racetracks. And I say services, but of course they've been all on turf. Uh, you look at her race in the turf sprint at Kentucky Downs, very disappointing, but understandable considering the fact that uh, she had ran her best huge number sustained dating back to uh, Sanity. In fact, March of uh, 2020 when she got beat a neck in the uh, in the kill row. So the biggest question for her: Does she bounce back? The one thing about God Stormy in this case. Her tactical speed is going to take her a, a very long way. Agree. She is going to have an opportunity to to stalk, pounce, and essentially kick. And whether or not she has enough in the end uh, remains to be seen. So I'm kind of uh, for her. She is one that I'm a little bit on the fence with, but I feel that uh, you know on her best day she can certainly win. Absolutely. But and the price feels. Is it's going to be her best day? I guess that's the that's, biggest question. She's a bit longer in the tooth now. She's a six-year-old mare. Um, to do what she had done in, in winning that four-star Dave, not to mention that she had run in consecutive years and two-time winning uh, daughter gets Stormy, it speaks volumes. But I do like the fact that she doesn't have to take her track with her. You give her the benefit of the doubt last out because maybe she just reacted off of that uh, mm-hmm. on-point performance in the, uh, the four-star Dave, and she beat Blowout that day who is at five to one. So uh, I guess if you like blow out a little bit, you'd have to consider got stormy. Uh, I'm going to have a hard time ruling her out of everything. I don't I like her on the mid end. And I, I'm not a big fan of the post position here because she may end up getting a wide trip. Yeah, you're right. There are the, the, the price seems right enough to include her in some spots, right? We're not, we're not going to be getting a short price. So if she was, you know, five to one going to be half of her price, then we would probably have some more knocks from a mutual end. Yeah, she's in that 10, 12 to 1 range, then we can we can already have the price built in for some of the concerns that we have. And she, for right. me, would at least be a use in some underneath spots because of the ability that she could, like you said, she could get hooked wide with the trip. She could also end up getting a nice kind of cozy trip, sitting maybe fourth or and then getting the, the jump on, you know, especially stretching out from the sprint race last time out. Maybe her just kind of her speed's just a little sharpened up from here. So she's a little closer up to uh, on the mile and you know, pattern-wise, third start, third start of her form cycle. If she bounces back, we will see. She's done some really, really great things, as you've said. And so, uh, uh, again, uh, awesome job by Mark Cassie, keeping her in such great form for such a long period of time. We'll see if she's got another big run in her. That has got Stormy as we move he's along. Trying win, he's trying to win this race uh, for the third time, which uh, would essentially put him in a tie with um, Freddie Head, who did that. Someone, uh, right. Someone who used to just be 
Well, he, he's just a Woodbine guy, right? That was kind of the thing for a while when he started to come down into the end. Oh, and it was funny. If you had watched those races uh, at Woodbine and, and covered them for a while, you knew that, that he was not going to have any problem transitioning over here. They, they run an incredible uh, operation there. Uh, actually, both of the Cassies. Norm does a great job now uh, out on his own after uh, years uh, working with Pops. As uh, we get to Pearls Galore. Who is uh, the French bread? And this one comes in off of a second in the uh, the Prix de la Forêt. Was a runner-up in the Group One prior to that. Group Three winner in back-to-back races before. It's been a really nice 2021 for this horse who has hasn't missed a, a top three finish in, in those five starts and multiple Group One place, multiple Group Stakes winner. Was actually close up right on the lead last time out. And the the, the major problem I have, she ran well. And I think she's got some tactical speed. She can sit close. That should very that should help her very much. She's never missed the board on turf. Her only poor races came when they tried synthetic. But Space Blues really did just run right by her. I like pretty easily kind of ran by, and it was a couple lengths, but it was like it's it was impressive. And Space Blues is the type of horse who wins by two, but it looks like about five or six and feels like it. I'm I'm a little worried she might be in maybe. In chase mode here trying to chase some of the quicker If she can relax and and use that speed to an advantage And not maybe a hindrance in her trying to chase some that are just faster I'm, I'm not exactly sure She was one of the harder reads for me in this race, Sarge What do you think about Pearls Galore? Uh, I believe what is her biggest issue here is the draw um, Not to mention the fact that, you know, when you look at the effort and Longchamp, the guitar, Pre de la Foray against Space Blues, she just simply couldn't keep up. I mean, she was in a good position here as far as uh, stalking, but I feel, based on pattern, that uh, she's a horse that is probably a cut below uh, these, and no disrespect to her record, she's been in the trifecta 8 of 11 with four victories, and Patty Twomey will be making his first stateside start uh, for the uh, Harris de Saint Pierre who bred this one. So this is a, you know, this is a momentous occasion for the uh, the connection. And interesting to note that uh, Frederick had had initially trained this one to begin the career. So some ties there with, um, you know, the head family. But in my eyes, uh, this is a horse that I will not be using and including. No disrespect to her form. I don't like her post. And I think that uh, the American speed is going to be her undoing. I think she's going to find it a whole different uh, kettle of fish here. Next door to her is Casa Creed, the five-year-old for Bill Mott. And Casa Creed is a very, very nice, honest runner. He has the big win in the Jiper earlier this year, that grade one. And he's, you know, he's capable of big throwing up big races with big numbers. Do you think that he is good enough to win a race like this? I don't. I've never got the sense that he was quite that good in a lot of the real true grade ones that are tough races. Like he won the the Jiper that day and he beat a, a bound for nowhere. Now that's a that, that's sprinting, so that's a little bit different than than the mile. In the mile races against the top top tier, he seemed a little bit below. That's my worry with him in here. Well, I, again, I think that when you calculate the fact that he's won 843,000. You looked at the multiple grade ones that he has seen, including the Breeders' Cup mile last year. Now, from a, a numbers perspective, when you consider at Keeneland, you know, that horse had gone in with an eight and three quarters and nine and a half 
uh, you kind of get excited at that point, thinking, oh, maybe this horse would be good enough to perhaps uh, put up a seven or an eight. In my opinion, uh, when it comes to grade one competition, it, it's kind of the story with Casa Creed that he's just not quite good enough. And, you know, once again, this horse is going to rally from the backfield. And uh, you have a situation here that uh, your rider and Junior Alvarado is going to have to get to get the perfect trip. Bill Mott, he won this race uh, back in 2016 with Tourist. That was uh, the, the game saver for me that day. It was good magic in 2017. But, uh, you know, no disrespect to a Hall of Famer and no disrespect to a Casa Creed. It's been an amazing career. Uh, for a horse that uh, has yet to get that coveted grade one victory. But considering he's been competing since being a two-year-old is tribute to his accomplishment. But yet another horse that if I use him at all, it uh, will be part of the all button in that super sard effect underneath. Yeah, I agree. As we get to uh, the final runner in the field, there are a couple AEs, but uh, which are Real Appeal and Queen Supreme. So keep an eye if there are any scratches. One of them will, uh, will draw in. But the final in the body of the field is Ivar, who... You know he's a he's a little interesting. I just the the post is what is is really disconcerting for him because he is one that is absolutely capable of running some monster races. He did it last year in the Shadowell Turf Mile, and then he came right back in the Breeders' Cup Mile and showed he can compete. And he was fourth. He was only beaten a couple lengths. He had a long, long layoff. He didn't run from November to May. Showed up in May at Churchill Downs in the Turf Classic and just didn't really fire. Then uh, was sent back to the bench, which you never like. You know, you figured you're getting ready to start your campaign. Then you're off from May to October. And you know what? His race last time out, it was sort of exactly how you'd project a horse who was going to be facing tough company, who was. Again, going to be you know coming off of a, a long layoff. He ran really well, and he ran like a horse who needed it a little bit. He he tired late. He could absolutely step forward off of that. He has races big enough to win. It's just the the post out wide. He really would have to work everything out perfect. I, I would agree, and I, I think the the fact that uh, you know the pattern, you know, racing in the Breeders' Cup Mile last year um, certainly. Ran a better than looked race. I mean, he got a big call there in the final yards and, and came mm-hmm. up just a length shy of, of meeting the, the trifecta. And what was a strange race? Uh, you look yeah. back at that Breeders' Cup mile last year, Order of Australia was 73 to 1. Uh, your your post time favorite, mind you, was uh, Kimiko, a, a tepid 5 to 1 favorite. So that kind of put into perspective the field last year versus this year. I think this is outright on sheets. A stronger race. So as you apply Ivar, is he better than he was last year? No. So in that regard, as much as I think this horse has a right to improve and his second start back off the layoff, and of course, uh, in combined with in love, the, the stable mate here, I find it um, I find it very difficult to use this horse. And you mentioned the post position. It's just a lack of consistency in recent running lines. I'm not a fan of a horse that's in a in a grade one that you don't see a trifecta finish this year. And I know this horse has only had a couple of tries, but you I mean, feel yeah. right five-year-old yeah. not for my These are the kind of races, the the Triple Crown races, the Derby, the, the Breeders' Cup races, where you don't have to win every race coming in. You can have a very nice serviceable prep or two, but – you, you got to kind of show you're you're able to compete with the top caliber horses in those prep races because if you're not it's very unlikely that you're going to compete when the when the waters get deeper in a spot like this so tons of respect for what this horse is capable of but 
you know, just not drawn way out there with some of that recent form. I think we're in agreement with Ivar. And yeah, it feels like a, a lot of this race we kind of s- felt pretty similarly. And um, from a, a wagering standpoint, this is a, a pretty pivotal race. If you're someone who likes to play those multi race exotics, this is one of those races that's going to be in all of the big wagers on. Breeders' Cup Saturday, so you'll need to be correct about this race because you'll have, uh, you know, your pick fours that'll take you from races nine, ten, eleven, twelve. This will be a part of the pick five. This will be a part of the pick six that a lot of people like to get involved. So a very, very key pivotal race to make sure you put the time in. Hopefully, Sarge and I were able to help lead you uh, maybe to a, a direction or two that you might not have uh, initially been. And uh, I thought we had a, a really good race to go through, Sarge and. I'm I'm uh, kind of curious. How do you how are you planning on betting? Kind of overall, what are some of the ways you play the Breeders' Cup, and and maybe how are you going to play this race? Well, I, I think what what I'm going to try to accomplish here, I'm going to try to beat Space Blues as much as I tend to be a a, a sheet proponent. And uh, when you look at, at pace dynamic, look if, if Space Blues can get the mile, then uh, chances are this horse can be very difficult to take down because you know his move is it, simply electric. And uh, you've got a connection here, as you and I had touched on to begin this segment. Charlie Appleby, uh, the man can train a racehorse. And I think that uh, he's proven that in, in Breeders' Cup uh, ilk and all facets. So he's been well represented here with uh, the Breeders' Cup. And uh, this certainly won't be the only opportunity that he'll have. Of course, he's got Modern Games, Albahar, and the contenders in the Friday's Juvenile Turf, Master of the Seas, of course, here with Space Blues. And then you've got to Walt Street and Yabir. Uh, in the turf, and they're big prices. So if Charlie Appleby were to win multiple races, I wouldn't be surprised. I am going to go with Mo Forza, uh, Gino. I just think that, you know, the man upstairs ha- has a, kind of a magical way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And I, when you, you take consideration what this horse has done at Del Mar, I think he's going to get the trip. The fact that he gets uh, – in my mind, and I'm sure in many, uh, the best turf rider in the country and a horse is going to try and rattle off five straight. And he's won a grade one over this turf course. So for me, I'm playing a, a win place bet on Moforza. I'm going to play uh, some exotics. And I, I think the horses that you have to include are horses that essentially had finished uh, around him. Uh, smooth like straight, the two. I would not rule out the three space blues, of course, in that equation. Blowout is a must use uh, at eight to one. That is the the 10 horse. And uh, I think from a, a long shot perspective, the horse that uh, might be able to sneak in uh, to the end result underneath would be uh, the one master of the seas. Although could be a step slow, but uh, at 12 to one or greater for that connection, uh, this is a horse that maybe I would consider underneath. But Mo Forza for me, Gino, I think you get every bit of that uh, five to one at the very least, nine to two, Peter Miller, Flavian Pratt. You've seen uh, as much in this business, Sarge, as any, and how fragile these animals are, and how unfortunate where you can have horses that things are going so great. They win a big race, or they win a big, a couple of big races, and they look like they're primed and heading into a, uh, you know, a, a big season, or they're gonna, you know, run well, and then something happens. Unfortunately, there's an issue. They get hurt, and some, so many times, most of the time. You don't ever get the opportunity to get back to where you were. It's pretty cool that Mo Forza has that this year, right now. You know, last year he's almost in the same. He's in the same spot where he was. He was coming into this race where he probably would have been in that eight to one sub range. And like you said, I actually think that that was a, a softer race last year. He made the form that he was in at that point. If he was a hundred percent, he would have been very, very live in there. And just 
to me it's really cool that he gets an opportunity to do it again You just you very rarely see that happen where you can come back Miss all that time again Having a couple really strong preps that set you back up to be right where you were last year Like a feeling of deja vu We couldn't do it last year For some reason it wasn't our time Maybe it is this year I agree with you I'm going to lean Mo Forza on top I'm going to use him uh, You know as my major key horse in, in a lot of the exotics And I'll throw in uh, many of the ones around him That you mentioned Tons of respect for Space Blues But I, I do think that he might just be A little bit better A, a little bit shorter Or a slightly different trip than this But I won't be completely tossing him in, in in some of the exotics And I think that this is a good spot For some of the US runners I'll give a, a little bit of a lean in some exotics Even to you know some of the, my pick fours and fives Will have a an in love and a, and a hit the road on there as well Giving uh, an opportunity for them to you know, Get the right kind of trip and really spice things up So I thought one of the more fascinating Races all weekend Sarge And you and I could sit here and uh, If we were going through the whole Breeders' Cup we, It'd be a 24 hour we, we could do like an all day live stream You and me talking about each of these Absolutely. races Huh? Right. <laughs> I think no, could... I, I think it's ironic. You and I you and I had no conversation None. regarding the race per horse as we've done. And uh, to end up in the same corner, I think is, is pretty pretty fantastic. Let's hope we're right. Let's do it. Let's get on the same page for the mile. Now, Sarge, tell us about what the week is like for you. You uh very, very uh, kindly helped me out early. So we are recording on Wednesday early in the uh, afternoon. What is the schedule going to be like for you? Where are you going to be taking the Breeders' Cup in? Um, and and what uh, and, and also what else has been going on for you lately in the in the world of bloodstock? Give us uh, some of the stuff that you'd like to to plug or promote. Well, obviously, as we covered uh, the Breeders' Cup Mile on a Wednesday, November third. Um, not taking into account potentially if there were any scratches. So keep that in mind. I want to wish yep. those the best of luck in their handicapping endeavors. Uh, I'll be down at, at Del Mar tomorrow through uh, Saturday, of course, uh, for championship Saturday. In reference to, uh, you know, what I'm up to, of course, still doing the work at uh, TVG. And I've been there. I'm proud to say that I've been there for 15 years plus now. And uh, it's it's been good. Uh, it's been a wonderful uh, opportunity for me at the sales, uh, having the capacity of the luxury of being able to go out to the sales recently concluded at Phasic Tipton. So doing the bloodstock work, uh, also working in with uh, my racehorse being represented by uh, going to Vegas in the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Turf, got stormy as we discussed in the Breeders' Cup Mile. So needless to say, along with my uh, my wonderful son Cash at 11 years of age, I've uh, got my hands full. The deck is uh, is loaded here. And um, all things horse racing, but to trying to keep life and family into perspective. Yep, and that's how you'd like it, right? And that's how uh, that's how you've always been, always uh, going uh, in hands in a bunch of different ways, wearing as many hats at the uh, at the track as anyone. Hopefully, you uh, and your family continue to do well. We've always been uh, along praying uh, for your wife and uh, and hoping everything's going well there. And Sarge, it, it's been too long, man. We we got to do this a lot more often, please. Uh, I, I want to bring you on uh, anytime you have something that you'd uh, you'd like to get out there too, or anytime you just want to chat some races. I'm going to be doing knock on wood. So far, things have been going really well with the show lately, San. Anita has uh, has jumped on board, so we're going to be covering a lot of Santa Anita races when they run back, uh, come back to Santa Anita and helping out. So if it's not before then, definitely when we get back for like a, a little opening Santa Anita day and uh, and uh, the opening early part of the meet, which is always that that sort of unofficial start to the racing year. I look forward to it, to Gina. Let's uh, let's make this a, a routine for us to uh, get in the ring and talk racing. And best of luck again. Uh, wager responsibly, and uh, if you're out at the track, I'll salute you. And if you're lucky. I'll buy you a cocktail. Oh, that sounds good. And you can give right. Nick uh, Hines a follow at Hindsight 
on Twitter. You can find uh, a lot of great information there from the Sarge. And uh, yeah, one of these days we'll get you on here when we do the old wrestling recaps with uh, with uh, Darren and Andrew, and you can you can pick uh, an old wrestling show for us to go back in time and talk about. We'll have some fun uh, going through some of the old stuff too. With a tear in my eye. This I'll be happy to be back. Greatest moment of my life, Sarge, the Sarge, Ura, helping us out. That was Ura. a great, great almost hour with the Sarge talking Breeders' Cup Mile. And uh, don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to continue on this Breeders' Cup train as we move along to race number 10 coming up next. Good luck all weekend long to the Sarge. And a big thank you to him for helping us out. That was uh, awesome stuff from Nick Hines there. Make sure to give him a follow and check out everything he's got going on. As uh, we're going to check out everything happening over at DRF Sports. All of that great information that many of you have come to know and love for years and years and years with daily racing form, right? We've used the DRF. We've gotten the form at the track. We've read the articles. We've looked at the past performances. It's helped us make so much money through the years. Well, now with sports wagering going to be legalized in in the U.S. and state by state. It is now being legalized. DRF is expanding, and at drf.com slash sports, you are going to get all that great information that you, you always get for horse racing now in the same sort of way for sports. Every sport, every game, every night, Right off the bat, when you look at the website, it sort of looks like a sports book. Right off the top, you get all the, uh, the the betting lines for all the games coming up, whatever games, NBA, NHL, baseball, World Series just ended, college football, NFL. They have articles with uh, betting previews. With uh, the, the things that I really like are the matchups. So for every game, if you click on the, the particular matchup across the top, you're going to have all these different tabs on the one page that gives you everything you could possibly want when you're handicapping. It'll give you all the normal statistics that, you, that you're that you going to get. It'll give you betting angles. And these are sort of insights that you'd only get from DRF Sports. They're kind of like angles that you could formulate using the formulator past performances. And they are not things that you're going to find in other places. They have the graphs that show you how the line has been moving against the spread and the total you get the key injury information results and uh, a look at how teams have been faring recently against the spread in their totals you get a look at head-to-head matchups all overall team statistics that you'd find in a lot of other places but what's great is it's all right here for you don't have to open up 15 or 20 different tabs it's on this one matchup page on drf.com slash sports they have podcasts that help you out every day videos uh videos that are helping you out uh with your uh your wagering check out drf.com slash sports jack fitzpatrick joined me on that's what g said last week the social media manager from over at drf sports he's going to join me again on the next episode and he's going to start joining me on some of the live streams that we're doing with uh, with better than vegas to give you uh, an idea of the sharp minds over at drf sports so just a little bit of a recap for me in the breeders cup mile the number eight the so the horses who I'm going to build a lot of the exotics around are so the three space blues I'm not trying to completely beat but the most important horses for me in this race are going to be 6, 7, 8 Mo Forza in love and hit the road I will use the three of them and kind of build a lot of around the three of them I will use space blues in almost all exotics I will have smooth like straight in some underneath spots and I will have the Let's see where else we're going. 
the uh, the oh, the twelve is a horse who I'll also be using a, a little bit underneath. Like blowout will be on a few tickets because of the likelihood of of stealing this race. Um, yeah, but as far as like the 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 major contenders to me, it's going to be a lot about six, seven, eight in the Breeders' Cup Mile. Best of luck, and again, a, a big thank you to Nick Hines for helping us out. We move from the Breeders' Cup Mile to Race 10 on Saturday over at Del Mar. It's the Breeders' Cup Distaff. Emily Gullickson is going to join us uh, for the last couple years. She's helped us out talking about the Distaff and about the Classic. So we're going to have her have double duty again this year. She'll uh, help us talk Distaff now. And then in uh, in a few segments, she'll join us again as I separated them and just kind of put the races in order for all of you if you want to follow along. So race number 10, the Breeders' Cup Distaff, up next with Emily Gullickson. It is time for race number 10 as we move along in this Breeders' Cup party. We're up to the Breeders' Cup distaff on Saturday, and uh, we're going to be talking about some of the best fillies and mares out there. They'll be going a mile and an eighth, and someone who you hear, uh, you've heard on this show many, many times. Anytime there's a big racing day, we're going to bring in Emily Gullickson from Optics EQ to help us out. So, Emily, uh, how are you doing? Uh, big week coming up. This is a fun time for us where we really get to, to, to shine. Horse racing gets to be in the spotlight for a couple days. Everybody's got an opinion on every race. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to this every year. I'm sure just like everybody does. And I know there was some chatter early on that like, oh, I'm not that excited for this year's Breeders' Cup. But I think these races came up strong. They're competitive. I think some favorites are vulnerable um, and just good competitive races, which is what you, you just hope for on these two big days. And the the two races that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the distaff here first, and then in a, in a separate conversation, we're going to talk about the the classic. We'll go through each of the horses in in, in each field. We have good fields, like from a two two conversations to be had. I think whenever we, we talk about racing, always just a, you know from a gambling standpoint, the most important conversation: how are we going to bet this race? And then sometimes we have that conversation so much that we just forget to do something like. Damn, Latruska deserves a lot of credit. This is a really nice animal that we're going to be talking about here in the distaff. And in a day and age when horses don't run all that much or they don't run in a lot of the biggest races against the other top competition, they kind of dodge each other. Sometimes horses will change tactics. We just don't see very many old school horses like Latruska, who's basically telling everybody all the time, hey, I'm fast. I'm going to go quick. Try to try to stop me if you want to And even if you do I'll still put you away And hold off a lot of the other closers She's been near perfect this year Maybe maybe it Could have been perfect with just the one race That maybe was a little bit of rider error I mean other than that uh, From a win or lose standpoint in this race And she's probably not someone who I'm going to be gambling A whole ton on She just deserves so much credit Because I, I love seeing horses Like her and the way she's been campaigned It just doesn't happen as much nowadays Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she, um, you know, just kind of digging right into it. I mean, to me, uh, I will be gambling a lot on this race, but not on her. I think she's extremely vulnerable in this race, extremely vulnerable. Um, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the near perfect record in the one race where it could have been rider error, where they didn't go to the front, which just kind of tells you, and it told me that day, looking at the note right here, there's that Oakland Park in the uh, grade two Azari, that she needs that aggressive ride. Mm-hmm. So she needs to be set. 
Yep. And the thing is, is, you know, her race this year, she's near perfect. You really can't knock her. I mean, she's done what has been asked of her to do, but she's been able to get away with very, very, very soft early paces. And that allows her class to just really finish up strong. Now, what's going to happen when she's going to get a fast pace? She's going to get a contentious pace, which she's going to get in here because there are other horses that could run fast. You have number seven, horologist. She dares the devil, private mission on the rail. Yep. Um, even as time goes by, needs to kind of be forwardly placed. Mm-hmm. And and Malifat has that tactical speed as well. So she's never she hasn't faced this, this type of pace pressure. Right. That's the difference. Season. And like and when she and time. when she has yeah, and when she has going back to you know some of her other races, she's come up short. And so coming into this race, you know, you love her, you love to see these types for all the reasons that you mentioned. But when you're handicapping horse races and not just horses, uh, this is a spot where you know she's really going to have to earn it. And she's you know especially as the favorite. Um, to me, she just looks vulnerable in this race. Completely agree. I wanted to give her credit for everything that she's done. If she beats me, I will 100% applaud the connections for an incredible season. But we we see this a oh, lot. I won't be. I'll be sad. I'll right, be sad. Right. Uh, no, I, I, I will be sad that I lost my money, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not as if uh, she's she's not a horse that I root against for the connections. Like maybe with some others that when they win, I feel like oh gosh, that horse won. Like it doesn't quite bother me as much. Um, with with her, and I think we've seen this with like you know Nick's go or some of the other horses that um we'll see in in races where. They get the the situations a lot of time where you look at the field and maybe they've scared people off or maybe it's just a short field and there's just no other speeds in the race. But I just I don't remember she's faced she airs the devil previously and we've seen her have to deal with like maybe one other horse in a race that looks like they have some other pace that could possibly, you know, press her. And then she breaks. Well, she kind of makes the other horse blink. And that's been that. This race, she might have to deal with three, like you said, three or four others, like she that have at the very least really, really good cruising speed that are going to want to be forwardly placed and pressing her. She just has never dealt with this much pressure that she is inevitably going to have to deal with in this race. And so, if she can withstand all of that at a very short price. And then kick on and win She's going to be doing it without my money Because I just think there are too many other intriguing horses In this spot that are going to trip out A little bit better than her Yeah, um, yeah. we talk about You know, talking about the pace scenario And she there's the devil Is a is a major player in this race Because of her presence uh, To push Latruska And I, I, you know, I think that She's actually had a little bit more of a test As far as being pushed on the lead And shown class, and she's you know, I've tried to beat her under those scenarios, so I know she can do it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I think that Latruska being in there kind of hurts. She dares the devil as well, even if, you know, she wins, wins the battle, loses the war type thing because of the nine furlong distance. And I know she dares the devil was able to get that winning the Kentucky Oaks. But that was at a time that it was just like her day. Brad Cox was sending out live like she just was not losing that day at all. I mean, and and she hasn't really run back to that effort, to be honest, in terms of speed figures. So I think that this isn't quite the ideal distance for her. And so not having the the ideal distance and the ideal pace, but I think she's coming in in this race, going to run her peak effort. 
And so I mentioned Nalitha, and I just think she gets the absolute right trip. I mean, she can stalk, she can finish. She's tons of class. She's tons of has plenty of speed to get the trip. She has plenty of foundation as far as this distance. Um, you know, to to stack up with some of these others taking on older. Um, and from that same conversation, a filly that I've just followed all along, and today looks to be our day, is Clarière, who's just been progressive. She's mm-hmm. one that hasn't been able to get the right pace, hasn't been able to get the right trip, and she should find that scenario here. She's moving forward. She was able to get some confidence last out with the win, and she really hasn't done anything wrong. It's no. really just kind of come down to trip and pace. Uh, I know there's probably some people that are concerned, you know, Santana, Cold. And I think that that's valid, but, um, you know, on the, on these big days and with these riders that have ability, I mean, this, the switch can flip almost instantly. I think he's a good fit for her. Um, I just, I, you know, her most recent work, I was impressed. She broke out in front of Max player who we'll talk about going into the classic. And I mean, obviously he's a quality horse. He's a multiple grade one winner and yeah. she held him off. And, and from out in front. And that's not really her run style, like, in the race. So, I mean, that just kind of told me she's doing really well coming into this race. And this is, you know, she's going to be a price in here with the other alternatives. So uh, those are the two I'm really keying on here is uh, Clarier, uh, Malathat, and, um, you know, really, I just, I, I think it's one of those two. So I'm kind of kind of bullish in here. The three-year-old's going to be taking on older. It's, when when we watched Clarier's races through the year, too, you were hitting on it. She just seemed in so many races that she was just a little up against it for whatever, you know, they were just going to to have to be too far back. You could just tell the race shape. They were just not going to set up all that well for her. It was going to be a small field where the major contenders just have a lot more tactical speed than her, and they always get the jump. This is going to be one of those, like, the the real true races that she's going to get to run. She's going to get an honest pace to run at in a big field where she's going to get the opportunity to probably do what she wants and just – Drop back a little bit, relax, not have to worry about maybe moving a little too early or trying to move into a slowish type pace. And I agree with you. Total concerns about like in any sport or in any game, someone who's just in a bad cold streak, right? It's always going to be a worry. But you, you know, with some with someone like this with Santana and with the Asmussen, like it's going to turn the other way. And when it does turn the other way, like right now, you'll probably end up getting. A lot of be- better value on some horses throughout the weekend because they're cold, and so maybe well, you're on, yeah, on the I right mean, way when they turn. That's that's kind of the point. Is like I would I would maybe put a little bit more stock into it if he was on Latruska. You know, then I would be like, okay, now I'm I'm oh, really worried, right? Yeah, because it's already built exactly, into a price. It's a short price, but Clarier, yep. you're going to get value compensation else elsewhere, and then like you mentioned, maybe even a little bit more because people that would have liked her. Or maybe upgraded or whatever will be like we'll be scared and i mean what we'll have the races to follow he's riding this week um the racing starts today at del mar recording on wednesday so you know we'll he'll be able to see you know if the change in scenery and you know these races too i mean as far as barns going hot and cold i think that's that's super important but also the braiders cup it's like you can kind of put a little star by it with cold barns because these horses have just been pointed to these particular races Absolutely. and they just kind of take a different path. It's different than the day to day, right? Exactly. These, these horse, this has been plans for all of them. And uh, I it's like anything too, like I'm a, I'm a Dodger fan. Some of the Dodgers this year that struggled the most, as soon as the playoffs hit, 
they had a good game or two, and then everything changes for you. Yeah, it's just yeah. like a different season. You don't have to look up and see that O for sixty anymore. You know, what? like you saw at Keeneland, and it's like, gosh, that's a you see that number, and it starts getting in your head. And um, they, they say about Del Mar and the 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 beach air for the horses and the sea salt air. Maybe it'll be the same thing for uh, for the struggling connections here with uh, with Clarier, who has a major major shot. In the distaff, you, you hit on a, a work, and I wanted I wanted to ask you about Latruska, and then maybe get like a little thought on it, on uh, on the rest of the field before uh, um, we uh, look at this group. So Latruska, the work in the morning, there was a lot that came down earlier in the week when she was sent out in the morning, and then she picked up some unwanted company in the morning, and that sort of it just seemed like it was wasn't something that she expected. What did you think? Because I know you mentioned you're someone who does. Pay attention a lot to works and you reference Them uh, quite a bit you'll go back and watch a lot Of them any ones that you can did did That bother you was it something that you I mean Did you take it as a negative really or No eh? no in fact in fact I You know I watched it uh, Earlier than I would because so many people Were talking about it and it was being shared Like it was the biggest story that Was happening in horse racing this week And I like watched it I'm like this is a total Non-issue like it just it, it made <laughs> It made no difference. I mean, sometimes horses hook up, they get a little, this one was like, it really didn't make a difference. I mean, the other worker probably could have, you know, done something different, but it it didn't impact her. And I took nothing one way, you know, it was a maintenance type move and it remained a maintenance type move. Didn't, didn't, I think because the, the trainer seemed a little bothered by it. That's what people kind of ran with, but of course you're going to be. Yeah, but but also too, I mean, the trainer's bothered by it because they're asking him, right? Like they might not have been, you know, giving an answer otherwise, unless, you know, they're reporting going like, oh my God, did you, you know, and they're like, well, yeah, I mean, we didn't want that to happen, but you know, what are you going to do? That wasn't the plan, right? Of course it wasn't the plan. So anything that goes off plan right now with your number one horse, you're going to feel a little bit like, hey, that wasn't exactly what we wanted, but I agree with you coming out, moving forward out of it. Like it didn't, it didn't bother me uh, at all. Uh, let, let's uh, get a thought or two on, uh, on everyone as we jump into private mission for Baffert. So she was supposed to go over to uh, run in the cotillion and they decided uh, not to send her and Medina spirit. They ended up staying for the local preps instead. Both of them end up winning those local preps. She just sat right off the pace in second. She moved to the lead. She opened up pretty easily she was she was good in the Tory Pines too, and I mean, you look at her form. She's done very little wrong. She's won four of her five starts in the lone race that she lost and was sent to the bench for a few months afterwards. Um, and she is a factor in this race, no doubt, because of her pace and exactly. the fact that yes. you have her and Flavian Pratt, who is not at all a patient rider. He he is someone who I feel very confident in. Making Latruska work I don't think he is someone that is going to be On a speed horse that's going to say Yeah let's just let another one of these Speed horses get out he's one of the best At getting aggressive in a, in an Era when very few do Yeah I mean that's that's the thing with her and, and especially with the you know when you're Doing like race design and trips and things like That she's drawn inside So and she has that early speed and in Those races where she's run on the Lead she's setting fast paces Or she's chasing fast paces When she's you know a length off at the first call You know those are fast paces That from the inside she's got To be forwardly placed if they were you know Drawn outside maybe they could kind of You know track or have some options But but on the inside when you have the speed On the outside on a day that You know horses are you know Put in races to win this is the big one 
um, you know, they're going to send. And because she's she has been running on those fast paces, she doesn't have as much finish late. So that's kind of the concern is getting the trip and being able to finish because she's, you know, taking on some some classy types that can run, you know, tactically sitting not too far off her that can out finish her. And then just in terms of class, she has run those fast uh, speed figures, but it's situational and they've been against, you know, a little bit softer. So I think that she, she has quality. She deserves to be in this race. I'm glad she's in this race. Um, you know, we like these type of horses that make the pace, you know, contentious, but, um, I just, I don't think she's quite, quite ready yet. And hopefully she stays in training and keeps it together, um, you know, and develops, but she's totally when you look at next year, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just hope she keeps it together until then, but yeah. She would run a good like third or fourth in here after flashing, you know, getting involved early and fading. You'd feel very good about like where she was heading, you know, moving into next year and um, private mission at the very least we're hoping is going to make this uh, an honest pace and, and put a little pressure on Latruska. That would help uh, the, the mayor right next to her Royal flag who wants to come, uh, come from behind and Royal flag is, it's going to continue to just kind of progress a little by little for Chad Brown. You dig into her overall form She's pretty honest. She she rarely doesn't run a, a decent race. She's just kind of been in some like a cut below some of the best races for the this division. And then she stepped up, uh, was behind Latruska in the personal ensign. That was a race where Latruska actually did have a little bit of pressure and she did get softened up a little. And there were a few coming at her. Royal Flag was one of them, and she kind of was in a little tight late and and maybe could have been second in there. Uh, what do you think about Royal Flag's chances to run him down? Um, I, you know, I mean, she's she's kind of had some some favorable setups just in terms of the way the race shape has kind of played out, and just the way that where she's sitting in in particular races, like in the Bell Dame, where she was, you know, had a free trip, so there's no stress. And if she's coming from, you know, well off of it, and let's say, you know, a horse like Malatha or you know Clarier has first run. Um, you know, she's going to be, she's going to be challenged to run them down. Mm -hmm. And again, that just, you know, that comes down to, to class as well. Just, you know, where she's very solid, you know, grade three, grade two overnight stakes types horse. Um, and then, you know, really putting it together in a grade one, um, just might be a little bit short. She's definitely one of those horses that, you know, you look at her record, you're definitely going to be using her in your exotics because, there's no reason not to, but as far as getting a win, I just kind of see the trip and the class siding with siding with some others in here. But um, for people, you know, especially just, you know, in terms of price could just be a little bit short in terms of connection. So, um, you know, I kind of see her more for underneath. And you had uh, mentioned that Malathat and Clarier are going to be a couple that you're keying around. Malathat's just been so good throughout. She's shown some multiple dimensions but she what the key for her at, like for me why i think she's a, a must play and a must use in a lot of your exotics is, is what you hit on she's got that positional kind of tracking speed where she can show some speed early to just get herself in a good spot and and maybe she ends up sitting fourth behind the three horses that we think may be a little bit faster or maybe she sits fit you know she can be Close and keep herself out of trouble If they go a little she can sit behind And she just shown us so many multiple Dimensions I like the fact that her In her first defeat she Bounces back right afterwards and Was pretty impressive she had a little Bit of a bobble at the start but she recovered Well they just 
kind of kept her, you know, like you would handle a horse that you think is just the best. Couple deep, clear in the middle. It was a nice sort of race to get you set up. She's fresh for this race. She's going to tackle older, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't seem to bother you either with this group of three-year-olds. I, I do think her and Clarier are are very very quality. So uh, Malathat in uh, in uh, most in all exotics for you. Yes. We get to blue stripe wild card, right? You some uh, a little more international flair this year in some of the other Breeders' Cup races too. We we've seen some horses coming in from uh, from Japan and maybe a, a few other places. We get a horse like Blue Stripe, who she is very very nice. She's won four of her six races. She is a Group One winner and a mile and a quarter. The problem is we haven't seen her since May. If we had a little more recency, I I would always be. I'm always interested in a wild card horse like this. I'd love going and checking their races out and digging into them a little bit and trying to build a case for why a horse that some other people may not give a chance to would have a shot. But this is a lot to ask off of of that kind of a layoff against this quality. Right. And then, you know, you look at you look at her work tab and she's been here for months. So there's really no reason why they couldn't have put her in a race. race. Right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, she she's been here. I've watched her works, and I mean, she she looks fine. You know, there's nothing that's like overly exciting. She definitely has that you know stamina type, grinding type. But yeah, you have the layoff, you have the class change. You know, coming over here, it's like yeah, she's she's you know been excellent. She has four wins and six starts and two third place finishes. I mean, you, you she's tough to knock, but that's you know. $40,000. And that's compared to, you know, these other horses that are, yeah. you know, millionaires. So, you know, this is, it's a class test. You have the layoff, um, all those factors that, you know, shows the wild card. If she, if she wins and just surprises, you're just like, it's, it's, you're, it's tough to predict, right? Yep. You're, you're yep. really trying to, to take a stab, which if you recognize you're going to take a stab, you know, that's and, fine. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just to me, it's like off those works. She's been training here. She's been training consistently. Um, Could have easily given her a race. I'm not against stabbing all the time, but Halloween was last week, Emily. You know, like we're, we're we're moving we're moving on to Thanksgiving. I know you're a Halloween fan, but now we're or, into the- <laughs> you know or in a scenario where it's like you know almost like when you play a first time starter because it's uh you know the lesser of evils because you just yes. don't like anybody else. Yeah, it's like well, then not- you're just kind of like well, I know what the other ones deliver, and I I'm not happy with that, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, let's go. And I did that with Mystery Train one year. You know, because it was just like I just can't, I can't get to anybody else. I just want this new face. You know, unknown variable that that yeah. just may have some upside that's not built into the the price. As uh, we get to Clarier, she was that that race last time was was night. Nice. It just felt like a perfect type prep for this. It was a good, big, wide swinging move and just went right on by a group that she was just better than. And that was one of those where it was sort of like a put it all together performance. And it's exactly the type that I like heading into this race because it's not like some it wasn't like she ran this incredibly fast, like the, the best by far race of her career where she may bounce back and she's had a lot of time. To, to recover from that race It was just a It was like an easy Nice prep That was good It wasn't a hard Taxing kind of prep And she got a nice number And, and nice figures Based on what you're looking And the shape of this race Just feels so much more Like I've been She has always been One of these types That I was waiting for Like the oaks And these kind of spots for For her 
She needs the big fields where she's going to get like an honest pace and just get an opportunity. Anytime she has to hook a horse like Matruska or a Malathat in a small field, she's got no shot because they're always going to have the tactical jump on her. And unless they're going to get softened up by other speed, they're just races that I think a lot of people will look at and think, oh, yeah, she's not as good as them. Whereas she just doesn't get the, she'll never beat them in spots like that. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely, uh, I mean, she she has as much quality, she has as much speed, it, it is, uh, you know, she's she's trip and pace dependent with her run and hasn't always had that just in terms of handling, in terms of pace, but again, there's there's really not a single race that she's run that is a bad race, or that no. you're gonna, you're like, I don't know what happened there. She just it wasn't good sense. enough, she just the, wasn't good enough yep. on the day, you know, those, those types of things, I mean, it's just she's she's always been you know she's always been for one of the best out there Emily Gullickson helping us out with the Breeders Cup distaff she'll be back in just a bit to talk uh, some Breeders Cup classic so just to recap for me yeah I'll play against Latruska just on the win end in here and I will look to use combinations of Royal Flag Clarier Malathat and Dunbar Road in exotics in yeah, um, I'll, I'll you know tons of respect for Latruska, but I think she's going to have to deal with a little bit more pace than she's had to, and we'll uh, we'll try to to beat her on the win end in some of the the multi exotics, and we'll use combinations of those that we mentioned. Best of luck in the distaff as we get set for the Breeders' Cup turf. Got to talk a little bit about Cindy Carava, full service realtor, one of the longtime sponsors of that's what G said podcast, and as a full service realtor, she can help you out in many different ways, like. Buying, selling, leasing. She can connect you with the right kind of vendors if you're just looking for home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, painters that she's used in her own homes. You know, if you need help with a, a loan, she can have you put in touch with the right type of lenders that will help you and take care of all of the things to get you pre approved. Maybe you're just kind of looking for uh, an idea of, of where you stack up. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value, covering all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County, Rancho Santa Fe. So we're talking all around Del Mar, all around Santa Anita. If you need any help, or maybe you're in an area where she doesn't particularly cover, but you just don't know anyone in your area that can help you, contact Cindy. She will help you out. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. CindyCarava dot com is the website. You can find out all of her listings. There are reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow. She is one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. I've known her for over a decade. She is going to make your life so much easier if you contact her to uh, to help you out in the field of real estate. CindyCarava dot com. Let's get to race number 11, Ed DeRosa. Ed DeRosa, we know for the uh, the last decade, has been working over at Twin Spires, but he is going to be making a, a shift in his, uh, in his work, and we're going to talk to Ed a little bit about that after we go horse by horse for the Breeders' Cup turf. Let's get you all set up for race number 11 for Saturday over at Del Mar. The big Breeders' Cup Saturday continues on. We are up to the Breeders' Cup turf now. Race number 11 on the Saturday card. Uh, Another very important one if you're someone who plays all those multi-race exotics. This is one of those races that you have to be right about. You're going to want to connect on this one to stay alive in those late pick fours, late pick fives, late pick sixes. All of the big 
multi-race wagers on Breeders' Cup weekend And to help us out He's always helping us out on Twitter with the grid He's always helping us out Doesn't matter if it's a, a big racetrack If it's a small racetrack If it's a big day or a small day Ed DeRosa is going to help us And Ed, these big days though Are the ones that we really uh, we live for uh, in, in horse racing And we have a, another awesome weekend Coming up with Friday and Saturday Breeders' Cup Absolutely uh, Yeah, as you noted Certainly don't mind playing small tracks Any day of the week um, you know, there it's kind of like, oh, maybe I have an edge over other handicappers. Know a circuit like Ohio well, where I'm from. With Breeders' Cup, it's not so much thinking I'm I'm smarter than the masses. A lot more players in the pool, which is nice. But the the pools are so big that when you do have a, a decent opinion, I mean, normally uh, a horse you really like might be even money in an eight horse stake on a regular day. But in Breeders' Cup, you get these 10, 12, 14 horse fields, and a horse you really like might be five to two or three to one. So uh, that, to me, is where the real opportunity is. Pick your spots and uh, go for gusto, because with these pools, it can really pay off. And in the particular race that we're going to be talking about, race number 11, which is the turf, we are literally getting to see, like, the best turf horses in the world, which is just cool. Like, it's, it's yeah. cool knowing that we've got the best of the best, the best of the U.S. contingent. And, in you know, in this spot, what's nice, too, with the, the way that, like, some of the... The weights are, we get to see some younger horses that come over also and that are facing older. Heck, we've even got uh, some younger fillies that are coming over and that are facing older. So it's just a good, gives you a little bit of a gauge too. Like We don't see it quite as much in American racing, but heck, over there in uh, some of the European races, like those fillies and those younger horses, they take on older right away. I think this weekend we're even seeing like a two-year-old in the stakes race taking on older over here because they get a weight break. So, hey, if they can get like some sort of advantage and get an opportunity for some black type or to hit the board, they're going to take a swing. Yeah, with these purses especially, and uh, I am a I'm a weight matters kind of handicapper. I definitely look at it, and that's something you know through the years, depending on which international race these horses are coming out of. Uh, the, the example I most remember is High Chaparral was carrying upper one thirties in his races in Europe, and then he you know got to come over here as a four year old in that incredible dead heat with Johar. Uh, you know, I think people sort of ignore that. So that's definitely uh, a wrinkle in these turf races for sure. They carry a lot more weight in Europe, especially the older males. So uh, a lighter load in our race here. And uh, I do think it makes a difference. We're going to get into race number 11. If you're following along, we're looking at the 11th race on Saturday's November 6th card over at the Breeders' Cup at Del Mar. And uh, we'll give a, a thought or two on each horse in this field as we, we kick things off with Rock Emperor. They'll be traveling the mile and a half in here. And Rock Emperor uh, last year got pretty good. He was a horse who was running really well in some of the the grade one events. And then this year he he tailed off for a little while. It's so much that he was a 15 to one for Chad Brown when he won the turf (laughs) classic. Something you just don't see in what was obviously the biggest win of his career so far. And he did it really impressively. Gufo kind of moved early and and that sort of. In a weird way, it was like a blessing in disguise for him. He got shuffled back a little bit, and then he waited, and he moved after Gafo, and he just went right by the whole field. Coming off of that type of effort, it was a big win, but it, for me, it's sort of hard to, to to kind of picture him replicating that again against a group like this. But, heck, nothing taking nothing away from that effort, it was a really good one. It was, and... 
and uh, there there were some signals that I didn't listen to. I didn't have them at fifteen to one, so this is just redboarding of more what I missed than what I noticed. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I heard. Uh, I'm trying to look at what work this would have been on the page. Yeah, that that work a week before, like around the dogs, I, I guess caught some people's attention. And I don't workout chatter at the Breeders' Cup or Derby Week is pretty much my limit for listening to that so I didn't really give much credence to it but it it, it just kind of had the vibe of okay Chad's doing something different with this horse he turned a corner and if you look at the Bristnet pace ratings uh which which are the pps I use but I'd guess that the pace ratings are pretty similar across for this horse and the Bowling Green and Sword Dancer he went much quicker early than he did in the Turf Classic so I kind of feel like between the chatter before the Turf Classic and then what we actually saw on the track Javier Castellano aboard for the first time, last out. Uh, that's the Frank Inks jockey angle. I sometimes write about that. He loves when a jockey comes right back off a win on the turf uh, after uh, a, a new rider, if they win, and then come right back in the next race. Frank loves that, so that's why I call it the Frank Inks jockey angle. But there's just a lot of signals. that Whatever went wrong, as you noted last year, Chad has figured out, and mm-hmm. I see Rock Emperor is a, is a major player here. And we'll get to this with his other horses in the race, but Chad is not shy that he strategizes when he has multiple horses in a race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think it goes so far as, okay, here's who I want to win, but he knows what it's going to take for each of his horses in a race to win to set him up. He's not, yeah. And he's not shy about discussing that with his riders and saying, Hey, here's where my stable mates, are, your stable mates are going to be, be aware. This is the plan. And for Rock Emperor, he's going to get first run on domestic spending. We'll see if it's enough, but he's a player here for sure. Rock Emperor coming off of uh, the biggest career win, and it's a great time to be getting good right now for the Breeders' Cup turf. As uh, United is a horse, and there are, this is what happens in the Breeders' Cup. There are so many times where you look at a horse and you look at a particular uh, spot and you go, wow, really nice animal. I, I don't even, you know, I probably didn't give this horse enough credit for the, the campaigns that they've had the last couple of years. Really, really good. Heck, United uh, in 2019 was 51 to 1 when he almost shocked <laughs> the world in the Breeders' Cup behind bricks and mortar. And then he comes back after that in 2020. He was four for five with a second coming into the Breeders' Cup. Uh, heck, he was only eight to one in the Breeders' Cup again last year, and he finished eighth. And it, to me, it seems like you know he was a little bit better last year. Not that I have any knocks on him this year whatsoever. He's had another pretty decent year. He can, he's come back and he's won two of his last three graded stakes. It just feels like these horses in the West Coast are a cut below some of the horses from the East Coast or some of the European runners. I've seen them many times out here, and the divisions are just a little bit weaker, and we see some of the same horses kind of beat up. So I respect the heck out of United. I don't think I would be shocked to see him hit the board in here, but I would be a little surprised, I think, to see him win, even though he's not the most absurd long shot. He's a little quirky. He kind of needs to get the right kind of trip and angle out and, and start to get churning a bit. So what do you think about United uh, in this spot? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm even less uh, enthusiastic than you, and it, it doesn't sound like you're a fan no. of the win end, so you can no. imagine what I think. Yeah. Um, I, I think you nailed it. This this horse, uh, and going off the rags and sheets, another thing I like to look at, uh, he's just not as fast as he was two years ago when no. he almost shocked the world. And as a better, I love to see that he's had a, a decent year. Uh, two out of his last three and beaten less than a length than that other one. Um, 
you know, there, there's too many good horses in here to get excited about United and thinking yeah. other others are going to bet him. Uh, but nevertheless, he has the look to me of a horse who should be 50 to one against these. So even yeah. at 20, that's a little of a of a takeout reducer. And he's not on any of my tickets. Just to give you an idea, too, like the I know sometimes a grade a grade can look a little misleading, right? A grade two can be stronger than a grade one or a grade three can be stronger than a grade two. But of course, there aren't even any more grade ones out here in Southern California for the races that he's in. They're all mm-hmm. grade twos. The only time he's even faced grade one company has been in the Breeders' Cup. Um, so wow. he just, yeah, that's incredible. You know, it's pretty crazy when you look back and see that it's just all a bunch of grade twos and grade three, cause they've all been gra- downgraded just cause they're not right. as deep. They're not as deep anymore. And, and sometimes, like we said, sometimes the grading or the downgrading, you can look back and go, ah, maybe they made a mistake there, but to be honest, they didn't. <laughs> These races in Southern California just aren't grade one quality anymore. And, uh, I think you can see when they go, we don't ship horse, like the turf horses from California don't ship. Very well or if they do it's very rare Maybe on like a derby undercard day You don't even see them head over to Belmont On Belmont undercard day for some of those stakes Races rarely so they kind of usually Just stay at home in SoCal he's got a A home court advantage so to speak But I just I, I don't see It at all I mean it, it probably doesn't make you feel Very good that the, the jockey who's brought him Forever feels like yeah you know yeah, I'm we, going to domestic we didn't even spending. get to that Right yeah, yeah it's uh, like yeah I'm heading to domestic spending anyways right next door Who uh, is the number three for Chad Brown And he was Early in the year he sort of stamped himself As the the very top tier Of of turf horses And and then he, he goes over to the Mr. D And he was fourth In that race about five off Behind just crawling fractions They went 52 and change He was just sitting a little bit too chilly It was just a little too patient of a ride He tried to I think he thought he at all times He was going to be able to get by two Emmys right. And he just, just couldn't quite get there late so you know you got really the top U.S. turf horse or one of them on the short list, and he he lost in a soft Beverly D this year. Now he has almost three months off, but I mean coming he was getting really really good earlier this year, and and he put together a string of some pretty impressive races. He did, and uh, he's my pick on top. Um, I came in you know pre-entry time thinking, okay, he's obviously a player. I mean that Manhattan. Uh, was one of the best turf races I, I've seen. I mean, it, it was obviously a miler versus more of a route horse, but it was wise Dan-esque to me and just how authoritative uh, he was in the stretch. And the the Ragazin number came back quick. The Brisnet number was was big, 109. Um, so the, the bet is, can he run back to that? And the questions are, well, a mile and a half, three turns, different setup, bigger field. And all those are, are fair concerns, but at four to one, and I think maybe even might drift off that given he lost in the layoff. I agree. Uh, I think the price is fair. I mean, Tarnawa, in my mind, is unquestionably going to be the favorite, as she should be. She's earned it. Um, but from a price standpoint, I, I think the value is there on domestic spending. I think it'll be there on Rock Emperor, too. Um, so I, I kind of feel sheepish taking the shorter price, especially since they're from the same barn. But I just can't get away from how quick that Manhattan is. He has the rabbit back. Pratt stays loyal. Uh, it's just all signs go. And lastly, yes, the layoff I don't love off a loss. But, I mean, you nailed it, Gino. Pratt. I think it was just a little rider error, honestly. Yeah, and even, I mean, Pratt probably thought, like, man, they're going slow. And he probably actually felt pretty good about himself. Like, man, they're going slow, but I'm just two lengths off. Yeah. You know, a lot of times. 
not to beat a dead horse on Zenyatta, but they're going slow and these closers still take all the way back. And it's like, well, you know, you're just, you're out of the race. Like, you know, even she couldn't make up all that ground. She's one of the best ever and just never got to blame. Pratt at least had domestic spending and shouting distance Mm -hmm. and probably just, you know, couldn't believe how, you know, at the end of the day, when he watched the race back was probably shocked at how slow they were actually going. And James Graham walked the dog on him. And that horse came back and ran okay in a mile and a half race, uh, finishing second uh, at Keeneland. So Chad's won from, from Arlington before he did it with sister Charlie, he did it with bricks and mortar. And uh, I'm going to bet him to do it again with domestic spending. Domestic spending is uh, and anything in that price range just feels like he's a must use in, in exotics. When even another little small thing, what's nice is he's got to win over this turf course. He, he's run over this turf course last year too, which is always a little bit of a positive domestic. Yeah. yeah kind of yeah. a surprise, but you know, to, to me that also speaks to probably Chad having this in mind. Sure. He, like you said, that it's no coincidence guys like Chad Brown, with the, the way they plan things out, the way they map it out. It's, it's not, Oh, well, we're just going to accidentally give our horses to him. <laughs> There's a, a well-run machine over there as uh, we move from domestic spending to astronaut. So a couple of the next uh, two of the next three horses we'll talk about are, again, from Southern California. And I, I, I kind of feel the same way with that I did with uh, with United. Like, astronaut, as a, as a horse, like, zero knocks on this horse. And since coming into the sheriff's barn recently, this guy has thrown together some pretty nice efforts. He was second in the San Juan Capistrano back in June and then returned in the Del Mar handicap at 24 to one and one and got a nice figure in doing so. But again, I don't know who he's beating uh, acclimate and act, you know, he's trading decisions with acclimate in the last couple. I just don't think that's the kind of company that you need to be, you know, prepping in order to be able to compete with this type of a group. Um, as a horse moving forward, he's a definite type of horse who I'm going to keep an eye on for next year and see, you know, maybe they figured this horse out with the bar and he could be a really nice horse who in Southern California beats up on some of the smaller fields and the, the little bit weaker competition. I don't know about in this group, but I do know there's some upside with him at least. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. And, you know, we'll probably sound like a broken record by the time we get through acclimate, but the, yep. these races just aren't fast enough. And no. I, I think if we were talking about, oh, they only have to be, you know, let's say it was just your run in the mill domestic grade one, 500,000 and domestic spending shipped in, you know, m- maybe you take a shot with United is, is the second choice for a change. Like if, if, like if it was a turf classic race, right. On right. Derby undercard that, that field where you've got right. smooth, like straight, you've got most of just the, the good U S horses, but then you throw the European contingent yeah. on top of that. And it just exactly. feels like they're going to be yeah. able to beat the best U S horses. And <laughs> then these three U- other European ones. I don't, I don't know why I would think that. No, and I don't think that, and I yeah. will certainly uh, bet that way. Now, the the flip side of that is okay. It's, it's a really strong opinion. We're talking about horses who are all going to be twenty to one plus. So, you know, it's not exactly a ledge to hang out on. But I mean, these horses, it's just you know, to be blunt, when talking about how to bet these races, I, I don't even like them for a slice. Like, no, because it just feels like it's a waste. It's just not fast enough. Yeah, there are. If you don't love a horse that's twenty or twenty-five to one, and you're just kind of throwing them in for reasons, you know, it. Why not wait for another race where you actually feel like that price horse has a better opportunity on top exactly. or underneath or wherever and you could. Breeders' you know, Cup. There's yeah, plenty of those. Plenty of plenty of uh, opportunities uh, throughout the card as we move from astronaut to Trebuvin, who you mentioned as uh, you know Chad Brown having a plan, and this is a Grade One winner who has. 
some speed right next door, but that's also his best weapon. So I'd imagine he's not going to let acclimate get out front and and cruise, and he's probably not going to be able to get out front and cruise. And so we'll we actually even have uh, one or two euros that should be forwardly placed in here. We'll probably get a pretty honest pace. I would think so, especially uh, you know having these drawn somewhat inside. So it, it's tough to see how. Certainly one of them is, is going to be on the lead, I would think. And and given what Chad has behind Trevi Venn, uh, you know, would have to think he's going to say, t- tell Jose, like, at some point you need to press the issue and, and be on the lead. I actually loved him in the Manhattan and, and got a big thrill at the eighth pole until domestic spending got shot out of a cannon. Uh, and it's like made up six lengths, basically, it was behind three. Lake of an eye, yeah. Three. Yeah, I mean, just electrifying. Um, but I mean, this is a good horse and, you know, yes, I I do feel like he's probably here mostly as a, as a rabbit for lack of a better term. And, you know, if acclimate weren't here and if some of the Europeans didn't have, as you noted, that forward style, I'd give this one an upset chance, but it it just feels like the instructions are going to be to go as, as far as you can, as long as you can, uh, to set it up for the other two. And that makes trip event tough, but. You know, the long shots we've talked about so far, maybe he's able to hold on for for a slice. The issue is I like the other Browns. And from a paramutual perspective, you know, I could see people boxing the Browns and things like that. So I'm just not sure the value is there to use this horse at all. Grade one winner. But yeah, he seems like he's got one way to go. And, and I'm not sure how much the uh, the race shape will benefit him here with Acclimate right next door. Who he, He's just got to go. Um, he'll get out front. He'll do as much as he can out there. He tried to steal it at a mile and a quarter in the John Henry last time out. He has one at a mile and three quarters, but for him, he's just one of those traditional distance horses that's going to try to, you know, steal the race. But with Trebuvin and with a couple others, I think uh, Walton Street has shown he doesn't want to be too, too far out of it. We, we've even seen, um, I think, uh, uh, Tiona, who, you know, maybe not going to be too far out of it. So there could be two or three of these horses as well as the main speeds that we've seen if they're a little bit fresh like that's just that's just going to be too much for me to deal with like i acclimate would have to be the very that the real type of situational horse that i'd play in a race where it just seemed like all of his competitors were much slower early than him right and uh i would say the the biggest positive for him is he has the winningest ricardo jockey of in october on him. <laughs> there we go there we go as we move to walton street who, gosh, he was impressive uh, at Woodbine in the Canadian, and the the figures and the numbers came back very, very big. And what I thought was was sort of intriguing is that he showed speed in his races in in Germany in Maidan, and then he come over, he came over to Woodbine, and there was a a, a runner who decided to to get loose and to run off, and he just sat really patiently behind him. He didn't try to get back, like caught up, didn't get rank. He just sat, let that horse go, and was just kind of running in his own race. And so that was sort of my question with the, some of these speed horses that, that come over internationally. What kind of pace are they used to compared to the pace they're going to see here in the American racing, in the North American racing? And you know what? They'll probably be going quicker early here with a horse like Acclimate, but I seem – I I think that Walton Street can sit off pretty nicely like he did, and 
you know what? This horse has kept some top, top notch company uh, b- before coming into the, the Woodbine race. In that race over at Germany, he was behind Alpinista, who we see come back to win a Group One next time out. The runner up in that race came back to win the Arc next time out, beating Tarn- Tarnawa uh, in the Dubai Shima Classic. He's fourth behind Mishrif. The runner-up, Chronogenesis, comes back to win a Group 1. The third-place finisher, Loves Only You, comes back to win a great a Group 1. And we're going to see this weekend. So, I mean, Walton Street has been facing the absolute best as of late. He has. Uh, my concern, and, you know, we, we've been doing this a while, and you get to talk to trainers and, and things like that. I, I guess my concern is Appleby, who's, Six for fourteen in America this year, so he is <laughs> he is shipped okay. well met horses, including Walton Street is one of those six wins. Uh, that, that's just an incredible record, and so hats off to that. But you know, I think part of that record is he knows how to win these races shipping in, and he has been so effusive in his praise of the other Europeans. Um, I'm just kind of worried about okay, eight to one. People are going to see the win in the Canadian that's international a big number. That's a big number. He got in a lot of figures. Yeah. No, he got a one Oh seven in the, the international on Brisnet. Um, you know, that was a race though. He finally found his friends because the class there, uh, it, was, it wasn't you know. strong at all. No. Right. And that's what, we, that's why I have a problem with him from, he was very classy before came over, but he dusted a group that I don't think much of. And the running style, like the, while he looked so good, I am just a little concerned if they're going maybe two seconds quicker early than they right. were there. I don't. They could just be a much different they type sure of pace. Will be. Yeah, I would say with, with his 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 best case is he get he is the one that makes first run on the leaders, and you know if they just completely drop anchor and it, it ends up tougher to close because all this you know Rock Emperor is going wide, domestic spending can't find the seam. Maybe he just ends up with with this uh, you know configuration being able to run away from him, run away from them. But just with Appleby's comments about his respect for Tarnawa from a win end, uh, I'm more against than I am for. But just one of those, you can't play them all, and you're cognizant that if if he wins, you'll kind of get it. The next one, Broom, uh, is a horse that. Uh... One of uh, my buddies, Andrew Champagne, was building a case for recently as uh, he was was talking about how if you cross out the arc, you know, the, the form looks a little better. And I do think um, that this is a horse that might have uh, another one of our, our friends, uh, someone that you've worked with, Darren Zocali, kind of mentioned to me, too. I think he might have caught Aiden off guard a little bit, this horse. Like, I think he just might have gotten a little bit better than Aiden was expecting based on where he started him early in the year and some of those races that were, like, at Nas and some of those lower levels. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. he just started to get really good. He wins a Group 3. He comes back and wins the Group 2 at the Curra. He's second beating a nose against Group 1 company. And then he just continues to throw up good race after good race. And they, they tried the arc with him last time out, but he was 50 to one and he just, you know, he showed some speed and then he packed it in. You come here after the arc. Hey, you're going to get Detori to jump aboard. And this is a horse whose better races are definitely good enough to compete with the best in here. Um, where do you stand on a horse like Broom who's coming in off that lackluster effort? Well, 20 to one certainly grabs your attention and Aiden mm-hmm. won uh, last year, the mile at a big, big price. So you know, if Aiden for the Lumsey kind of takes a how 
how much he's sometimes bet here and doesn't win a lot of races. He's in all the races that are toughest to win, and occasionally he does spring the upset. So that's worth its own look. My issue, Gino, I would say is, you know, I see a lot of soft and yielding ground. Um, the uh, the St. Clude was a, was a mile and a half, and that was on soft ground. I would argue probably his biggest win of the year earlier this year on July 4th, which doesn't mean anything to the French, but a date that kind of sticks out to us <laughs> and uh you know i i actually am, am i don't know surprised is the right word but i mean looking at this pedigree australia is a galileo stallion and and the the damn side I, i'm somewhat surprised uh you know they haven't looked at even going longer with him yeah. uh and, and i i, I get what you're kind of saying like australia it, with the with the so style that, of our turf courses it yeah, feels exactly. like the deeper the heavier the longer would suit him better where he could just kind of wear everybody else down And I don't know if that is going to be the type of turf course He's going to get at Del Mar this weekend No, nor the that type of trip around him Given these no. horses that do have some brilliance And yeah, uh, So I, I I can't begrudge anyone at 20 to 1 I mean Aiden O'Brien alone is is a reason to maybe look at that price And you know he's, he's won at a mile and a half So that's you know worth something But uh, for, for me, they're the 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 signals with the maybe wanting more distance and more uh, given the ground just make them tough to use in this spot. Got a very nice lightly raced three year old right next door to him named Sistafan who has raced recently over in Germany. And so sometimes you look at the races where maybe we don't know as much about the horses coming out of Germany as we might from some you know some of the European uh, uh, race tracks, but. This horse is is stacked up very well with those same horses that were in Walton Street's running lines and a lot of the other ones. In fact, he was right behind uh, Torquador Tasso, who came right back to win the the arc. Uh, he was right behind Alpinista last time out. This horse is going to get a weight break. And if you're just looking at the running lines and comparing the horses who he's been defeated by with everybody else, I mean, he stacks up pretty well. He His last race, it, it was a two-back race. When behind, uh, when only beaten a length, where he he was very nice. He moved right into contention. He was just a clear cut second that day, and lightly raced with some upside. What do you think about Sistafan in here? Yeah, I, I like. Uh, I think going in the right direction. Um, nothing to discourage firm wise. I mean, a, a lot of soft designations, uh, but does have a, a race. Uh, the career debut uh, came on synthetic. Uh, which to me is, you know, not necessarily saying that's anything like the turf course here. I just like, okay, th- there's some versatility here. Mm-hmm. Like this horse debuted, sure. finished second by a head, carried 128, is a is a two-year-old. Um, you know, so to me that says there's just some versatility there that, you know, hopefully will come into play. And at 12 to 1 for a three-year-old who figures to maybe still have a shot to improve, uh, you know, the, the ship's always a question as it is for any international, but uh, this is one that intrigues me for sure. Yeah, me too. Third start of the form cycle. He could be set for uh, his best effort coming in. Um, I'm going to use him in a, a lot of my exotics as we move to Ebir, who, man, he was the three-year-old who made like a wow type move at the top of the lane. I think it was track announcer Chris Griffin who was filling in that day over at Belmont. And uh, he was like, wow. It was almost like he was looking for Ybir and he went from the from, <laughs> from seventh to like right up at the lead at the top of the lane and just instantly flew right by. Um, again, we have no real clue what he was beating uh, because he 
the horses behind him are not this caliber, this quality, but that's how you're supposed to beat a group like that. Do it very impressively. That was his second consecutive win. He was coming off of group two win at York prior to that. And uh, now you're going to have to deal with, you know, some older and some very, very seasoned runners. What do you think about Yabir's chances in here? Uh, I like the win and I hope other people are excited by what they saw. Um, and he won with Jamie Spencer and, and that alone to me is worth, uh, extra credit. So, uh, certainly respect, but I, I would say this kind of falls into the bucket. I forget which horse you mentioned. Um, one of the, the California types like, yeah, let's, let's see what happens after this year. Yep. Uh, Br- yeah. Brisnet does something called class ratings, which is, somewhat similar to the European time form style. And it, it tries to just give a number to who you beat and by how many lengths. And then what those horses go on to do, um, just give you a sense of the, the class of the, the horse and the horses they're facing. And Ebear is, is pretty light in that category, whether it's the international races or the, uh, the jockey club, which, you know, for a million bucks was a pretty nice pot for, for three-year-olds on the turf and the speed rating came back light. I just think too much to do. Uh, being trained by Appleby, you probably haven't seen the last of him after the Breeders' Cup and he is a gelding. So look forward to next year, but I don't think this weekend's the time. I agree. As we move to Gufo, who uh, he moved early last time out and at the top of the lane when he moved that way with Joel, it looked like he was just going to go on and open up. And then he really hung and he ended up finishing third. His A game is really good. Like a, a, like a top level performance from him. He is, is, is it's like right on the line with domestic spending, who you've seen in his running lines a, a bunch. Like he's, he's not quite that good, but when he gets the trip, he angles out. He has a really strong turn of foot and he can get going. And Joel is one of the absolute best finishers, finishers. And it's funny, I don't, with the, with someone like Joel, with the, some of the really really top level riders, I think it's like any athlete in any sport. I think he probably looks at that last race and goes, "Okay, I made a mistake. I, I moved a little <laughs> too early." I, I think he's probably looking at this, going like, "Maybe I really want this one back, or may, I really want to to prove like I'm going to give this one a little bit better timed ride here." I think he's going to show up with a good performance, but with his style and how he's a little quirky, like. He's the type of horse who I get worried if he gets shuffled, he gets into some kind of trouble, or he, you know, and then he has to angle out and he'll come running for a second or third. Like I don't really have many knocks on him, his ability and his talent. If he's able to angle out with like dead aim, he's going to be really tough to hold off. He just, you know, he's not as like versatile or tactical as domestic spending. He seems right. a little bit more to like really just need things to go the way that he needs. Well, uh, I'm. I'm bearish on Gufo and and this is somewhat of a of a sheets play, but that sword dancer, uh, 112 bris, uh, lifetime top on Ragazin. And you know, my read in the turf classic is, you know, he was in position and it, you know, nine to five, you could argue that's, you know, you got a win from there and he didn't um definitely understand the argument he moved too soon. I'm going with the he's he just blew his wad in the sword dancer. Yeah. And uh, a little flat. I just see it. I see him moving backward again. Um, so for me, he's sort of one of those. that's going to take a little bit of money that I'm I'm going to play out of the number completely. Pure pattern read, as you noted, plenty of races that are good enough to be completely competitive here. Uh, but the cherry on top for me to to really just take a stand and say, 
you know, can't use them all, as I always say. And, and this is one I'm, I'm willing to let beat me because just the running lines, domestic spending is better than Gufo. Yeah, now, you're is. taking half the price. So that's no, you know, it's not like you're, you're getting a steal on domestic spending. But we know, in my mind, there's no debate domestic spending is better. So yep. when I think it's that clear cut and I'm a little worried about the direction Gufo's going, I'm tossing them. Not not a lot of goofo on my uh, tickets as well As we move to the three-year-old Philly Tiona, great group one winning three-year-old Philly Over at Longchamp last time out And she defeated Snowfall You also see uh, Desert Encounter Who was a runner in the, the running lines for Walton Street So Tiona's a, a bit interesting Because um, she's just another one who's really lightly raced She's got a ton of upside She's getting a, a major weight break I think if you're just looking at some things like, you know, time, some of the ratings and some of the numbers, she's she definitely has to improve on some of the better Europeans in here. But she's lightly raced and she has the room for upside. I don't know if I like her as much as the three year old Colt, but uh, I wouldn't really talk anyone off of her. I don't have many knocks on her. What do you think about Tiona? Yeah, I think I'm in in the same boat. Uh, first of all, anything named the Kazoo Oaks is is going to be uh, <laughs> on up your radar. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, she's another that she has a win on synthetic, so you know that always kind of grabs me. Like, okay, cool, I can handle different uh, types of surfaces. And and again, not suggesting synthetics like turf, but it's just when when you see that variety and and knowing that they've shipped halfway around the world to, to run three turns for the first time just gives you a, a little extra confidence. The other I would say is the York and Epsom races were on soft ground. She got firmer ground rated as good uh, in the two wins. So, you know, from that standpoint, I could definitely see the argument of, Hey, maybe this, this is her game and she gets the weight. My biggest issue is six to one, I think makes her the third choice on the line. That, that just kind of feels like that, I would me. probably want um, double. Well, like yeah. ten to twelve feels probably where I'd want to. I'd I'd be more excited to jump in. It, it, and and you know again, paramutual game, and you just see other opinions. And and she seems like the one I keep hearing much more than domestic spending. Like people that are want to take a shot against Tarnawa, uh, Tiona is the name they mentioned. So little worried about the the kind of underlay she'll be. Uh, that said, I, you know I would put her fourth on my tier. Um, two of them are the Browns, and and we'll get. To the, the third one we do uh, And and I am against Latruska So from a pick end standpoint If you beat the big favorite in the Distaff I don't really want to get Beat by Tiona here I, sure. I think she can win this race enough that um, You know she'll be in a stand Against a favorite you can use some of the shorter Prices here in a group uh, so that's Kind of my my strategy yeah. multi race wise I think we feel similar about her too She's she's definitely one that I don't want to get beat by I'm not going to be all in king Around her because she might be short But yeah that that's like she She's fair she's honest And she fits in this spot and uh, Tiona is uh, one of the Major players as we move along to The major player Tarnawa <laughs> who is uh, Yeah she is just a very Very nice mare last year's Breeders Cup Turf winner and Uh then this year so far in her three races She won a group three She came back and she finished second in the champion Stakes a group one and she finished second in The arc and what's funny is You know so you look initially at her form And last year coming into the breeders Cup she was three for three in her Three prep races before 
but she's actually run like better this year in, in some of them by some ratings and some metrics in her defeats right. in finishing second. It's not as if she's like lost a step at all. She's just as good at five. And um, she was uh, last time out, she was against the rails. Um, she kind of she does it really effortlessly too. You're you're like watching a race and she's sort of towards the back of the pack and then all of a sudden you're like looking around and she just moved up a few lengths and she's towards the middle without really even being asked. She just kind of knows what she's doing. She knows where to go. She was in the fourth flight. She ends up running just a really nice second in the arc. Um, yeah, she's to me, like you said, I'm I'm against I think Latruska in that spot too. There are a couple short of the short prices throughout the weekend that I'm going to take swings against, but she to me is a favorite that in pick fours and pick fives and stuff I'm not going to be playing against. I will be using her along with a few others. I know that's not always the best way to play multi race exotics, but because of the approach, like you said, in some of the other races, I'm not going to be married to the shorter priced horses. So I know that if I'm hitting this thing, it's not going to be a chalk 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 situation. She will be probably one of the one of the shorter priced horses that I think I feel pretty good about her running really, really well. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Like, it, it, just look at what she's done. Um, I mean, really, since the the champions as what was she then a three year old, um, which was soft ground, which I think is interesting because uh, she actually has a three turn win on firm going, which was the Breeders' Cup last year at Keeneland. Uh, my issue with the the short short price in terms of not picking on top, uh, not nine to five is, is too light for me from a value perspective. But again, you know, if I beat Latruska, um, you know, I think if you beat loves only you and warlike goddess and the Philly and mare turf, like you're, you're putting yourself in good shape and Tarnawa is not a, not a horse I want to get beat by. You don't, you don't want to be in this race with her turning for, you know what I mean? Turning for home and not have her, like, you're going to feel Especially after you caught a good one or two And you beat one of those favorites You're going to want her in this You're spot Because the, the only knock we have on her is I, I do is price Really price. And, and I would say like looking just at the number She got in the Breeders' Cup turf last year Which you know that's actually You know from an American standpoint Like trust those numbers better than No disrespect to Ragazin or Brisnet That do numbers internationally But you know The, yeah. the one at Keeneland is they're just they're better at making figures Absolutely. for Keeneland than they are Leopardstown. So uh, that race is slower than, you know, mm-hmm. domestic spending's three best races. So, yep. you know, there's other questions with domestic spending, but given the price, I'm definitely glad to be in his corner. You know, from like a, a stable duel or horse tourney standpoint, I would have zero interest in Tarnawa. Completely agree. Uh, g- given the nine to five price, but. You know, I, I think she's a more likely winner of this race than Latruska is of the Distaff. So, from a multi-race standpoint, you can beat a favorite elsewhere, and then you know, hopefully, give yourself a shot in the in the turf with a, a likely winner. We move from Tarnawa to Japan, who will round out the field. I I gotta say, I've probably been a little disappointed with him in his two starts. Um, in the Sword Dancer, he was good. It's not like Gufo was just. Huge that day as you mentioned and then so It's no real knocks on him for That race it was a fine effort Then last time out I thought just You know kind of a little bit wide I I didn't really think there Were that many excuses and this Is top top notch company we're talking Aiden O'Brien and more and he's going to be making His third start now in the US so You could see him Stepping forward off of that I I Just didn't get all that excited about him where do you Stack on with Japan Well if uh 
there were head to head on broom in Japan uh, and they were the same price, which based on the morning line, they would be, I would, I would take Japan for the max. Um, I don't think they'll be the same price. Uh, it's just hard to think that, you know, they'll let this horse who in my mind, you know, Ryan Moore easily, easily one of the best in the world. Absolutely. Even ever. Uh, that, that was a rare mistake from him in that race. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think Japan uh, should have won, uh, but maybe there's a similar issue with, I mean, that race came back quick, uh, you know, for Gufo and Japan, and then they were, they were both flat, but Japan, especially in the turf classic, that's just not the direction you, you kind of want to go in. It reminds no. me of, of Derby season, like, you know, the I, bad I don't prep want, right before, exactly. right? Exactly. I, I don't you want don't to have see to a win. sparkling risen star and then just lay a complete egg in the Louisiana Derby. Like that's just not how you win races. Everyone in the world wants to win. So no. that's my concern with Japan. Uh, but at twice the price of Gufo, at the same price as Broom, you know, I would I would say I'm a little bit interested in the slice, and and I would say he's probably going to be a, a B for me just because I I picked him both his starts this year in the U.S. I don't want to get snapped now and my money, especially two back at the the quarter pole, but um, hard to like them too much on top. So that is your field for the Breeders' Cup turf. You've mentioned a few times um, sort of a couple of horses that are going to be on on your uh, your top tier and sort of your A's. And uh, the one that um, I think is going to be your win wager was domestic spending it hopefully around a three and a half, four to one or so. Yeah, four to one uh, is probably my floor to like get really excited of. Oh, I just got to bet this horse to win. Sure. But three to one or better, I, I'd still say he's he's my key because my other horse is Rock Emperor, who you know I, I think twelve to one's a, a little bullish, maybe eight to one. Uh, but nevertheless, we're talking about the second and you know fourth or fifth choices in a field or fourteen. So I, I think there's something to be there. There's an opportunity in this race based on my handicapping. Ed, uh, you are someone that many folks have uh, followed along with for years over at Twin Spires and the work that you've done uh, with Briz and with Twin Spires and at Churchill. Um, and now uh, life's going to be taking you in a different direction. Uh, we've seen some of you, uh, some of us who follow along with you on social media. You've mentioned uh, that you have a, a new uh, a new job and, and some new work lined up. Tell us a little bit about where you're going to be headed. It's not like you're you're leaving the industry. You're just going to be making a move. No. We still can see and hear a lot from you out there uh, on Absolutely. social media and covering the races yes uh 10 years at, at churchill they've been great years uh gonna gonna miss working with people like joe Christopek and scott shapiro and uh we've had a lot of fun but uh, an opportunity at horse racing nation came up they're looking to hopefully grow and uh offered me an opportunity to to grow along with them and looking forward to developing a lot of uh fun content and product for horse players and uh just start right after Breeders' Cup, so stay tuned. We'll uh, we'll bring you on here, and uh, would love to hear more about it when you've uh, when you've got stuff uh, rolling along over there. Absolutely. And- I always appreciate your uh, helping out with me. I think I, I joke I, and I sent you a message a few uh, about a month or so back when I left TVG, which was a big deal for me in life. You know, that was like a dream job. I thought I'd stick there forever. And it was sort of frustrated. I actually had reached out to you a couple of times and you would you were always very helpful to me in trying to direct me to something or just very nice and like wishing me the best of luck when things popped up for me. So I always appreciate you, uh, you reaching out and uh, being very kind to me through good times and through bad times. And. <laughs> Um, and so like, that's what it's all about, right? Uh, I've right, always yeah. felt the support from you. Uh, and I really appreciate it. Very, uh, 
very good handicapper and you're just a really good ambassador for the sport of, of horse racing. You have you have a strong opinion. You have fun. Like that's what it's all about, right? We, we, that's we, right. We got to take we got to we take our handicapping seriously, but we can't take ourselves too seriously. Bingo. Yeah. I, right. You know, it's it's a humbling game, and uh, if, you know, if you're not willing to be humble, it'll do it for you. And lessons uh, we've learned the hard way sometimes, but uh, always happy to to share my experience uh, and my my encouragement with with fellow fans. So. Uh, yeah, I won't be a stranger, neither will you, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll get to work together again. Absolutely, give Ed a follow at ejxd2 on Twitter, and you can find out everything Ed's got going on coming up this weekend for Breeders' Cup stuff, and then what's going to be next for Ed moving forward to uh, Horse Racing Nation. And yeah, big thank you to you, your crew over at Twin Spires. You mentioned a lot of them. I've uh, I've been lucky. I've like I've milked all your crew for a long time between you and. <laughs> Scott and Emily who and uh, and Darren who helped me out all the time and Joe who's jumped on a few times with me so I've always been uh, very big fans of uh, of all of uh, your crew and the the people you put together and I look forward to poaching some of you and your crew in the over at Horse Racing Nation soon to help me out. No doubt. <laughs> Thank pleasure. you. Thank you so much, Ed. Good luck this weekend. We'll be following along with you. All right. That is Ed DeRosa, folks. Make sure to give him a follow as we continue on from the Breeders' Cup turf to the Breeders' Cup Classic. It's going to be main event time next. Don't go anywhere. Still plenty more to discuss. So you want to set the mood. You're looking for something all natural. Soy wax. Non-toxic, baby. Scents for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm-hmm. C-E-R-A candles.com, Candles.com. that promo code G-I-N-O will get you 10% off your purchase. These candles are healthier for you because of the traditional, uh, because of the, the soy wax and not the paraffin wax that you see from a lot of other leading candle brands. These candles are no toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. They will burn longer. They'll get you a better, healthier burn. You're going to get more of a bang for your buck because the the wax will actually burn better all the way through. The traditional cotton wicks help with that that really fresh scent. So you don't, you don't want to be breathing in something that's not healthy when you have your family, your friends, your kids, your animals around you. If you are someone that likes candles, check out sarahcandles.com. If one of your friends are are into them, let them know about Sarah Candles and the benefits of the soy wax. It's a small local business you're going to be helping. You get a little bonus with the promo code G-I-N-O. It'll save you 10%. And with the holidays coming up, these make a perfect gift for some of the, the folks, your your families and friends that you don't always know exactly what to get. Get them a couple candles, different scents for different uh, seasons throughout the year. All those great scents that you 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 know you've always loved. They have even more at Sarah Candles and some unique ones. Give them a look. C E R A Candles.com promo code G I N O gets you ten percent off the purchase. We jump into the Breeders' Cup Classic, our first of two discussions. Chris Larmy, who's going to be out at Del Mar playing in the, the big BCBC. Good luck to Chris. He's going to help us out and share some of his insights on the Breeders' Cup Classic. And then we'll get to Emily Gullickson talking Breeders' Cup Classic following that. So 
We have a ton of Breeders' Cup Classic. It's the main event, so we figured let's give you a bunch of analysis on that one. Here we go with Chris Larmy on the BC Classic. Okay, it's time to talk the main event. We're going to actually have a couple different opinions on this year's Breeders' Cup Classic. And the first one uh, coming from Chris Larmy, someone who you've heard on this show a couple different times, a very, very sharp handicapper, someone who has done very well through the contest through the years and is part of a, a podcast himself, the Sport of Kings podcast that I've actually been on before and is an excellent, excellent show that each and every week covers whatever, you know, the biggest races, uh, wherever the, the major stakes are or wherever there's a good opportunity to really sink your teeth into uh, and to make some money Chris uh, we'll, we'll focus on that we'll talk a little bit about that show we'll talk a little bit about the Breeders Cup and we're going to hit on the classic we're going to give a, a thought or two on each horse in the race and maybe how we're looking at playing this race to end out the uh, the big Breeders Cup weekend so Chris Larmy joins me again here on that's what G said Chris buddy how you doing great I'm pretty excited um, Breeders Cup right around the corner and uh, thanks again for all helping out. You always uh, are very flexible and uh, you're able to help me record this early in the week. So I always like to mention that because, as, you know, as information comes out, things can change. Uh, we, we know with with the we've already seen early on in the week as uh, you and I are recording now early on Tuesday. Some of these races in just the last couple of days, the entries have really kind of sh- shrunk a little in some of the fields. We're not used to seeing like six horse fields in the Breeders' Cup. but We, we got a couple of them this weekend. Yeah, there's a, a couple horses, I guess, that have been chasing away the competition. It's unfortunate, but hey, even the small fields have some really quality horses in them. So even if you're not betting them, they'll be fun to watch. And the way that we play, uh, always kind of looking for ways to defeat those short price favorites in ways that they may be a little bit vulnerable. So, um, Chris, what's your schedule going to be like for the week? Um, I, I saw that you have already, you guys have already had some sort of Breeders' Cup discussions on the, the sh- on the podcast. What's uh, what's your uh, podcast going to look like this week? And then for you personally, how are you going to be taking in the Breeders' Cup? I think uh, when we talked last week, you said you're going to be heading out, taking it in live, and uh, and playing in the big contest. Yes, I will be heading out uh, to California. I'm really looking forward to that. It's a busy week. Scott Carson and I on our Sport of Kings podcast, we've already done sort of a preview show that's out there right now. If anybody's interested in listening, we had Bruno DeJulio on there, the clocker. Um, So we got some insights from him, a little bit different perspective. And then we we're going to cover the all the Friday Breeders' Cup races um, on a um wednesday pod with duke matisse a really good uh uh player excellent player and handicapper and his brother paul matisse we're going to cover the um saturday races on a thursday podcast so we're pretty busy and then i head out and i'll be at del mar uh soaking in the sunshine (laughs) and uh, beach weather and uh the great racing and uh, participating in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. So, really looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, we wish you the best of luck there. And those um, those shows, I'd, I'd say, are must must listen. But I know Bruno very well. He's going to give you a. What's great about the guests that you've got lined up too is you're going to get very different perspectives uh, from Bruno. You'll get a lot of, of uh, you know workout stuff. He'll tell you about these horses that he's kind of seen develop and that he knows, and some of the barns and the trainers and how they can prep their horses. And then you'll get a completely different perspective from the Matisse guys who are just 
excellent gamblers just really they get it from the the hey how are we going to approach beating the favorite how are we going to extract some money out of this race so uh, the guests that you guys have lined up for those shows are great because sort of like what I try to do when when I bring in all these different people to talk each each race you I love getting the opportunity to hear how different people approach the puzzle right that that to me is I like to be able to listen then I can say oh I like what they did there I'm going to I'm going to take a little bit of that and put that in my tool bag too yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, at, this is one week where maybe you can get too much information, but typically, um, you know, listening to other people's opinions and being able to have a conversation with them, even like uh, Scott and I have on the pod and like you do with your guests on your pod, um, just really does help sharpen your thinking and your analysis. And I do think if you if you approach it right, really makes you a better player. Yeah, I agree. Because you can always learn something from everybody, even if it's a, uh, you know, something that maybe you you want to not use moving forward. Like something you hear and you go, you know what, that didn't, I didn't like that, or that didn't work as much for me, or you know what, I would I would try a different approach. So yeah, try to be a sponge and just absorb all, as much information as you can. Like you said, you got to be careful sometimes. You don't just want to uh, completely blindly like listen to everything. But um, in in weeks like this, I think in particular, you know, maybe maybe. Uh, Take heed when when someone maybe is talking about a, a price horse that wasn't on your radar, you know, or maybe maybe a horse that you weren't kind of looking at to begin with, and someone kind of said something that uh that you know strikes you as a little bit interesting. That's sort of how I like to take all this information, and uh, and maybe somebody can help lead me to maybe a ten or fifteen or twenty to one shot that I I might not have been thinking earlier. That's uh that's sort of the way I'm always kind of looking and approaching the game. And uh, Chris and I are going to do our best, folks, to help make you some money in this Breeders' Cup Classic. So what's kind of cool about this race, uh, Chris, is we'll uh, we'll jump in now and we're going to be talking about Del Mar's uh, 12th race for November the 6th for Saturday. So this is the, the big race, the final race of the weekend. And you you sort of have a couple of these really interesting speed horses in this race, Chris. First, I want to give you a little bit of a shout out because uh, one of your buddies, actually a couple of your buddies, you, you had some good success with both Medina Spirit and Hot Rod Charlie throughout the year. And uh, they're actually both going to be showing up in this race. So shout out to you because you called them out, uh, I think, earlier in the year on this podcast, both as some live horses heading into the Derby and Triple Crown races. And they both didn't disappoint you, I think, throughout the year with how they performed. Yeah, I do have to admit I'm a little biased because I I had been sort of tooting their horn early on in the year, and I put some early derby wagers on both and cashed a nice one on Medina Spirit. So I know he's sort of a polarizing horse, but mm-hmm. I have a fond spot in my heart because he, he cashed a five-figure five, five figure, uh, <laughs> early uh, you know future bet for me this year in the derby. Well, that's, that's an interesting point, too, because – you're right. He he sort of feels like the a horse that not a lot of people either are excited to bet or they want to tell you that they want to bet, you know, or and sometimes that can actually work in your favor in gambling. We we have to understand that no matter what, when you're playing a race, whether it's a particular horse that's beat you before, whether it's a particular trainer or a jockey that has or whatever the situation might be, you have to treat each entity as its own if you really want to make money. And you have to try to leave that what happened in the last race, you know, in the last race and move forward. And I think it's the same thing with some of these polarizing horses come Breeders' Cup weekend because there's this is sort of a different weekend and a different day than most racing days. Because to be honest, most days we don't really know m- Every horse or most horses as well as we know a lot of these So 
think sometimes that's something we could still use in our favor. And in this particular spot, he's going to be at least a major factor in this race because he's one of the the key pace factors. I mean, that's that's the the most interesting thing to me about this particular race. And we will go and, and mention a thought or two on each horse, but I think overall, from just okay, something that I, I think a lot of us will do and. Probably 99.9% of races or um, most of the time is what's the pace going to be like in this race? How is this race going to unfold in my head or on the page? Or if I'm looking at the time form U.S. projectors or whatever, and you've got obviously Nick's go, the horse who's really, really fast and he's tough to run down. You've got Medina Spirit, who's very, very fast, and we can't imagine he's going to be too far out of it. And you've got Art Collector, who... He has been now three for three for Bill Mott. He wants to be forwardly placed. They may have kind of tipped their hand that perhaps they try to sit off a little bit, but there are going to be three horses that do their best running very close to the front end. They don't, they don't want to be lengths behind. So at the very least, it feels like we should get a pretty honest pace in this race, Chris. Yeah, I think, and and I think that's a theme at uh, for all the dirt races this year. And even some of the turf races, I do mm-hmm. think, we're going to have an honest pace. Even some of the smaller least. fields, it feels like. Yeah. yeah. And that's good because then you get more of a truly run race where it really does sort of test the stamina and the, the grit of the horses. You don't have them sort of galloping for most of the race and then just sprinting late. Um, and that's what you want, really, especially in American dirt racing. It's supposed to be all about kind of sustained speed. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to that part of it. I think. You're going to see some fast times. It depends on the, how the, the track plays, but the speed figures, you're going to get some, some big figures out of this day, I think, just because these horses are going to be pushed to the limit and really be all out. Um, plus, it's a Breeders' Cup, so they're not really you know, saving anything for the next race. Okay, let's start from the inside. We'll uh, we'll give a thought or two on each of the horses, and then we'll uh, we'll let you know how we're going to approach playing this race in the Breeders' Cup Classic. The, the one-horse uh, Tripoli, he he got pretty good at Del Mar putting back-to-back wins together. He actually strung together or putting a back-to-back big efforts together. He was second in the San Diego, came right back and win the won the Pacific Classic, which was over this track, going a mile and a quarter. And then in the awesome again, he he got caught in um and who knows how how much it may have been the difference between him like winning the race or anything like that. But he he did get floated a little wide going into the first turn, which we've seen sometimes for some of the Baffert runners. Uh, it, it was the case with Medina Spirit in that race where it looked like Azul Coast, who was a stablemate, sort of was uh, doing a little blocking um, for uh, for Medina Spirit and made Tripoli float floated a little wide into the turn. Now Tripoli won't have to be as wide likely going into the turn this time he's going to be saving ground and he got you know sort of sharp in back-to-back races his his really good races came right here at del mar and you know maybe with a different kind of trip i'm just i'm, I'm a little concerned about a lot of that group that was here in southern california running in some of those you know southern california prep races and and if they are quite as strong as the the kind of the top tier horses and maybe even you know some of the three-year-olds yeah, I mean, they're, I think they're definitely a, a not at the top tier. Um, but Tripoli is an interesting horse because he really became a different horse when they switched him to the the dirt. And yep. he's really a you know turf horse bred for the turf. So it's sort of surprising that he would have such an affinity for the dirt. But he really has improved 
and he may still have some upside. I don't think we've seen his ceiling. Um, but, you know, he's definitely, I, I don't think, in the same league with some of the top horses in here. But he does have a few things going for him. You know, one is he drew the rail and he gets a big rider switch from a kind of a journeyman rider to, you know, arguably the best rider in the country, at least one of the top few on anybody's yep. book. And, mm-hmm. and I read RTs and he's going to have a hot pace in front of him. And, and I read loves to save ground. He'll settle this horse. And I think he's going to get a shot to run his best race. And he's going to get a race shape that will favor him and a trip that should be favorable. So for an underneath kind of long shot in here, to me, he's probably the play, you know, over I some of the others. completely agree. Of the value horses that are going to be in the 10 plus to one range, I think it's him. I guess we move to Express Train. Like, I prefer him much more than even the horse right now, like here, like Express Train, who I actually, I, I liked a little earlier in the year, and I, and, I thought he was starting to get really good. This is a horse who actually, you know, he threw together like five straight really nice races to start the year. He had a couple graded stakes wins, um, five straight top three tries. Um, he just missed in the grade one big cap going a mile and a quarter. But I've just never got the impression that he's really a mile and a quarter type horse. And and now he's coming out of a couple races where in both races – he did have a little bit of traffic and he got into some, you know, he, he was kind of in, in tight in between horses, but he just didn't run all that well. In the race at Del Mar, he looked like he was a, a bit washed out. You could kind of see some of the, the foam and and sweat on his neck. So I like I would much prefer Tripoli of, of a some like you said, I think this with him because he's still so lightly raced on the dirt. There, there feels like there's just a little bit more upside with him than some of these horses in Southern California that I, I think I might have seen what their ceiling is, and I kind of feel that way about Express Train. W- what do you think about him? Uh, I really don't have much to add. I pretty much agree with everything you said. I, I, not interested in him at all. We move to Hot Rod Charlie, who, um, he, he has just been so good this year, and he comes into this race, Chris, with. Uh, a nice victory last time out over at at Penn, uh, over at Parks in the Penn Derby, and he, he he got the lead that day. But we've seen he's definitely not a horse who needs the lead. He's got that nice cruising positional speed, who he can make you work a little bit and then sit off you if he has to. What I like a lot about Charlie in this spot too is, from a distance perspective, with a couple of the other top contenders and a couple of the other speedy horses. I don't really know if a mile and a quarter is their best or what they want to do. And I feel pretty confident that Hot Rod Charlie is going to run a big race and won't be distance limited. If he gets into, if he doesn't win, it, I don't think it's the distance that hurts him because we've seen him already with a win, which was one of the things that, you know, you kind of mentioned when we talked about him going into the Derby. What was nice is he already had that win at a mile and three sixteenths. Doesn't sound like a lot, but just gave him a little bit more of an advantage. Going a little farther than uh, than some of his foes had, and he ran really well in the Belmont when he just set the pace, where he was like setting the pace, and it was those wicked fractions, and he he still held well that day. He just he feels like he's trending in the right direction. He feels like he's coming into this race in a, in like in really nice form. Yeah, he hasn't really done anything wrong this year, other than you know some uh, some little bit goofiness at the head of the lane in his last yeah. few races. Yeah. Uh, you would hope that Flavian Pratt's a little smarter this time uh, when they turn for home, but we'll see how that works <laughs> he's gonna, out. He's because taken he, some chances a few times, yeah, so far. Yeah, 
uh, part of it's probably the horse and part of it's mm-hmm. the rider, but um, he's got a really good rider and he's got a good post and he's got, he gets some weight off as a three-year-old. I think he's, you know, still improving. He, what you love about him is they've really had a, a great campaign. I think they've spotted him in all the good races, but they space all his races really nicely. And he's coming into this race, you know, off similar spacing and, just a nice, you know, progressive three-year-old that just keeps getting better. And like you said, you can argue what's his preferred running position, but he's very versatile. He's got that tactical speed, but he doesn't have to have the lead. And I think they've already tipped their hand and just common sense would dictate there's plenty of other speed. Mm-hmm. There's no reason they need to gun him out of the gate. They'll, they'll want to get away alertly you know, so they don't give up position, but it looks like they'll have no problem getting over to the rail. Sitting third or fourth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sitting a perfect pocket trip in here behind the the front runners. You never know until the race goes off, but. And and what, but what's nice is you've kind of hit on it a few times of, of in particular, like Flavian Pratt is excellent. Like he's, in my opinion, I see him in the Southern, in Southern California so much. and, And I think I would probably stack him. Like him and Joel probably is the two I would maybe want on any horse right now if I could. And you mentioned Irad. He's obviously in that small, that short conversation too. He's so good, Flavian, in a situation like this with a horse who's got a little bit of speed not, and who can also sit. He just seems to know, okay, let's put that push that speed button if I have to. Or you know what? No, I'll sit third or fourth here. And he's got the really good clock. To kind of figure it out he's done that when he's gone to New York sometimes too and kind of stolen things Up front when some of the other riders are Sleeping I don't think that'll be the case in this kind Of a race because you know you're going to get that speed But he just seems to know uh, When to make the right moves I trust Him so much in a race like this and you Even uh, were pointing out the other day on uh, on Social media um, the rate That Penn Derby race is already starting To come back very live the third place finisher American Revolution came back to win a New York bred stakes race by uh, 11 and three quarters lengths. It was in the slop, but the horse earned 108 buyer speed figure. And uh, the sixth place finisher of that uh, Pennsylvania Derby, Speaker's Corner, who was coming into that race and was kind of a real hot, buzzy horse, it might have just been a little too much for him because it was just his second start off of a long layoff. Well, he came back and ran a huge one too. He won a second level allowance next out by six and three quarters with 109 buyer speed figure. So, two of the horses that come out of that race came back and ran a 108 and a 109 buyer in their next starts. So, you know, while he will have to step up and face older, he is coming out of a race that's been very productive so far. And um, I think, yeah, you. Doug and and the the crew have to feel really good about where he is right now trending in like I think for someone who's liked him all along you have and I've I've always sort of been a, a fan of his too I'm um, not quite as high uh, early on in the year but I have no reason to to, to think he's not going to run another big race here Chris yeah and that Penn Derby he beat you know he really dusted Midnight Bourbon just put him away mm-hmm. and and that prior race. Uh, Midnight Bourbon was only a neck off of Essential Quality. Who he made him went. work. It looked like two or three times I thought he had him beat there too in that one. You know, um, so I agree with you. Like as we get to Essential Quality, he's right next door, so that's a perfect segue to talk about him. Who, like, I, I think I'm just gonna try to beat him in this spot. Um, I really respect everything that he's done. You cannot take anything away from his uh, from uh, the resume and his lone defeat came. When he was uh, only beat a length in the Kentucky Derby in 
he's just always showed up, but he's not. He's never the type of horse who's going to overwhelm you and and beat you by like three or four lengths. And, and as you, we were mentioning, the strength of the the Pennsylvania Derby. I'm a little concerned about the last two races for essential quality in that the Jim Dandy I don't think was that strong, and then you come back again and you're all out in the Travers to beat Midnight Bourbon, who then you mentioned comes back in Hot Rod Charlie. Kind of handles pretty easily in the Pennsylvania Derby Third place finisher out of the Travers Comes back and, and wins But wins an, an allowance um, Next time out And uh, or and then with a small Stakes race So King Fury was also a small stakes winner Out of there I, I don't know how strong Some of those recent races are I feel a little bit better about the recent form For Hot Rod Charlie than I do for Essential Quality Yeah well I you know, I have a lot of respect for Central Quality, but I've been trying to beat him all year, and I've Me had too. Some, I, <laughs> so it's a little success, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I did have a pretty good uh, and that score was, in the Derby, so I'm that, ahead. That's all you year. need, right? One yeah, one but, time. <laughs> but I mean, I had him uh, the race prior to the Derby. I had highly motivated, and it looked like the horse had that race one, and somehow, you know, Central <laughs> Quality got the job done, and I had him a uh, Red Eye Bourbon the last race. Midnight Bourbon had everything his own way, and he looked like he was going to win, and somehow Essential Quality won. So this horse has grit, and he does seem to to run just fast enough to win. But, you know, I don't think he's progressed the same way that Hot Rod Charlie has. I I think Hot Rod Charlie now is a completely different horse than he was, you know, even three months ago or certainly at at the beginning of the year. Essential quality's gotten better. There's nothing wrong. He's a, you know done great, but I don't think he's improved quite at the same level. And I think maybe at one point they were about even. Maybe essential quality was a little better. You know, he certainly bested him in the Belmont. Although you could argue that Hot Rod Charlie might have run just as good a race, even though it was a losing effort with that kind of crazy fast early fractions going a mile and a half. But um, I think now. You can make a pretty good case, if especially if you're a speed figure person, that Hot Rod Charlie's the better horse, and yeah. you're going to get a better price. So between those two, and they're both definitely capable of winning. You know, I would definitely lean to hot towards Hot Rod Charlie, um, and I, it's hard for me to be totally objective because I've been a fan of this horse, but I really do think you know, it, just take objective things like speed figures. Hot Rod mm-hmm. Charlie's number he earned in that Penn Derby was better than anything essential qualities run and as good as anything Nick's goes run outside of prairie meadows so you know between those two i'm definitely leaning towards hot rod charlie and you get you know better price makes the decision easy between those two just little things for a horse too like we said we haven't seen him progress all that much and now he's gonna have to deal with two plus months off he's the only horse in the field who doesn't have a race in either september or october and he's going to be facing older for the first time those are little things that you may not want to take a shortish price on a horse for, where you have others that just look a little bit more appealing and a little bit more intriguing, a little bit more interesting to maybe bet at a better mutual. Uh, essential quality, though, could just complete an incredible year winning winning this race and uh, and beating older as uh, yeah his, his lone blemish came in the Kentucky Derby and it's it's rare it's pretty rare in this day and age in in particular horses that fit this template that are so good early that win the juvenile and that continue to go on for a while. There was that breeders cup juvenile curse where horses just kind of didn't even come back and run well after running, you know, in the juvenile. A lot of times they weren't even around a couple months later 
to come derby time So it is pretty it, It's really impressive how they've been able to keep this horse Really good at the top of his level for over a year now Coming up on almost a year and a half soon Oh, definitely. I mean, he's a really nice horse. And, you know, one other, I, I think it's even more than a, a little thing, is he has to ship to the West Coast, mm-hmm. which is great point. Which is, is a big deal. And, you know, Luis Saez is a great rider, but he doesn't ride out at Del Mar very often. I'm not sure how many times, if ever, he's ridden at Del Mar versus, you know, like a hot rod Charlie, who he's based in California. Flavian Pratt's been the leading, you know, rider at Del Mar, you know, for. I don't know how many times now. And um, so, you know, that that is something where Hot Rod Charlie's been shipping all over the country, taking people on on their home turf. And now he gets to stay stay out west um, where his connections are very comfortable. So I think, you know, even that is not, you know, not so subtle advantage um, in Hot Rod Charlie's favor. We move along to Nick's go the number five in here who is going to be up on the front end. You'd imagine with him, probably Medina Spirit, Art Collector, it's going to be combinations of those. Nick's go is really, really fast. And since he has come into the barn of Brad Cox, he's only, I don't think he's ever even been headed early in a race. He's lost a couple races, but I don't think early in any first calls he's ever been behind or he's ever even been sitting off of anyone. It's just absolutely go for him. He's a kind of interesting horse because he won his debut as a two-year-old, and then he had that big victory in the Breeders' Futurity at 70-1, to came back in, again, at a huge price, almost pulled an upset in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He was 40-1 to when he ran second, and then his form really tailed off for a while. He was a horse who would just sort of set the pace sometimes. Um, he just really wasn't able to put a couple of races together and consistent. Came over into the the Brad Cox barn and has just been awesome, a front runner. And he won the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile last year. And now he's, you know, he's at least going to be the one or one of the ones that they'll all have to catch in here and they'll all have to run down. Well, I think he's definitely the one they need to catch. And, you know, he's the, the quickest. Uh, he's just a, a you know natural, fast galloping horse that wants to be out front and and just has some stamina to keep going. I mean, he's definitely the one to beat. I think. Uh, I do feel like his last few races, he's had everything his own way. You know, nobody that could, you know, could or even wanted to try to challenge him early. And this time he does, you know, uh, as of some worthy foes, a particular Medina spirit um, who definitely has the speed to, you know, force the issue earlier. I don't think he, they want to get in a crazy duel, but I don't think they're going to let him get away and they're going to no. put some pressure on him, you know, before they turn for home. So that to me is, is a big deal. And the other thing is Nick's goes never even tried a mile and a quarter. I mm-hmm. mean, he's really, kind of the classic middle distance horse that doesn't mean he couldn't win there's been some horses that have done this before you know ran a mile and a quarter for the first time in the classic and won. but there's horses like ghost zapper who might have been one of the fastest horses i've ever seen you know i don't know if i put nick's go in that category but um so it's not impossible but it's a big ask for a favorite you know it's kind of thing you don't want to take a short price on a horse that's been getting easy leads going shorter Mm-hmm. Trying a mile and a quarter for the first time in a race where he's going to take pressure pretty much every step of the way. 
Um, to me, that makes him vulnerable. It doesn't mean he's going to lose. I just think it means he's an underlay and that when you've got two horses of the quality, uh, no pun intended, of essential quality <laughs> um, and Hot Rod Charlie um, that are going to be, um, you know, coming at him late and he's going to have to hold off, you know, going to have to put away a horse like Medina Spirit, maybe Art Collector early. That's a big ask. That's a lot. Um, for a horse, that's going to be a short price. And he's most of his races, like you say, we just, this isn't something that he's ever had to deal with. And he can he deal with it and win? Sure, we see horses do it all the time. But do you want to deal? Do you want to have a short price with a horse like you said, who may have to f- literally fight off three or four others in this race? The way the race could end up shaping up. So impressive, everything that he's done from a gambling standpoint for me, with the fact that he's. Pretty one-dimensional We haven't seen him go a mile and a quarter And he's going to have to deal with other speed in here I I like others a, a little more than him And uh, You know He he does come out of a race where he beat Independence Hall Independence Hall came back to win the Fayette By, uh, by 7 with a, a big uh, 105 buyer figure too So that's worth mentioning But he's going to have you know some pace to deal with And, and one of those uh, foes Might be right to his outside Although with the jockey switch now, Luis Saez, who had been aboard Art Collector in his last couple races, and Luis Saez, who had been aboard Essential Quality in every race since the Breeders' Futurity, he jumps on Essential Quality. So that means Mike Smith comes to Art Collector. Obviously, Mike Smith has won uh, a ton of Breeders' Cup races and a ton of big races throughout. But from just a pure tactic standpoint, I think a lot of people assume now with that switch that's going to tip the hand and that they may be trying to sit off the pace a little bit. You just don't think of Mike in this day and age is as much of an aggressive rider as someone like Luis. And maybe if they wanted to go a little more aggressive, they would have kind of put somebody else aboard. Yeah, I mean, just to wrap a ribbon around Nick's go before and kind of lead into our collector, it's almost like. Uh, Nick's go is facing the entire field. You know, he's going to go no, you're out right. there. Yes. He's going to have Medina Spirit. It's going to be a tag team. You know, Medina mm-hmm. Spirit's going to be pushing him. And then yep. Art Collector with Mike Smith. You know, Mike loves that middle move on the backside. Even when he's trying to, to sit off, you know, he's kind of impatient. And, you know, he's going to let that move horse early. Pull. Yeah, and then you got him, you know, him and Medina Spirit. And then you've got... Um, you know, when they as as they're going to the turn, you're probably gonna hot rod Charlie starts to make a move, and then you got mm-hmm. a sense of quality. I mean, it's like he's gonna have to hold off everybody as a tag well, team. And, and he, if he wins, it will be impressive and well earned. You know, yeah, and it really stamps him as as uh, you know, kind of a classic horse. Right now, he's uh, kind of a speedy middle distance horse, um, but he's not proven a mile and a quarter. But if he wins this race, he will have earned it against some good horses. And, and a race shape that really doesn't fit him. But, you know, so that's where I see our collector. To me, he's like, he's kind of like Nick's go, but not nearly as good. He's not as fast. He wants to be near the front. Um, he's never been a mile and a quarter. Um, and, and he, he does, you know, he has a, maybe a little bit more upside. But uh, to me, he's just like, I don't see how he wins this race. He can't go with Nick's go. I don't see him sitting off and then somehow getting past Nick's go and Medina spirit and then holding off out rod Charlie and central quality. I, mean, I agree. I just don't see to me, he's a notch below these and the I race agree. shape doesn't fit him. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Mike Smith. I've never have been. And, you know, to me, this, I don't, uh, he'll, if he can somehow work out a trip where this horse can win, or if the horse is good enough and works out a trip, 
Uh, he'll be surprising me. I think he's an underlay at eight to one in the morning line. I, I don't see him winning this, but uh, he's not a bad horse at all. And I've been a fan and I actually had a, uh, you know, I, I was kind of touting him last year before he mm-hmm. got hurt. Um, yeah, so he, I, he looked heading into the Preakness last year, right? I mean, this horse was uh, a horse who was less than five to two in the Preakness. He was coming off of like a really, really nice form, and then a lot of people, we, we, I was one of them, wanted him to bounce back and run well in the in the dirt mile, and he just didn't run well that day over that track, and just never really got in it. And he was chasing Nick's go, and that's the problem. It's right. It's it's the same type of horse. It's the same horse that he just sort of got run off the, his feet by last year, and I don't know yeah. why. He would have a different is he like you said, is he gonna sit the trip and then close into it better than someone like Hot Rod Charlie or even a horse like Tripoli who might be able to sit right behind and like close maybe a little better than I think Art Collector could wants to. Um yeah, I just he's sort of like an in-betweener in this race. Like you said, in in my head, whenever I every race, unless it's you know, and even even when when, but like unless it's like a bunch of first time starters or really young horses, you have to sort of Project it in your head how you see it Playing out and I just can't I can't really See it for him he's not as fast as some of the Others I don't think he's going to close as well As some of the others and like he's not proven It a mile and a quarter so I don't even think That yeah he's cutting back so you know It's not like a situation where yeah he's showing a little Speed he can cut back maybe he's fitter it's just There aren't enough things for me To want to jump in on him in this particular Spot yeah I mean Probably the worst one of the worst bets in Racing is to bet a horse that's chasing uh, A horse that's Gone much faster. Go, that will go much faster than this horse has been going recently. You know, you got a horse chasing a hot pace. It's just hard to envision him winning the race. We move along to uh, the long shot in the field. We've got to look at now uh, Stiletto Boy, the number seven, who. He comes off of the back-to-back runner-up efforts behind Medina Spirit. We'll also take a shot in here now uh, against older and. You know, I think in this race, you know, I thought you can make cases for and against many, but he does seem like he's really going to sort of have to improve to me. I like, you know, Tripoli, we were making a case for at, at a horse who might be in the 15 to, to 20 to 1 range. I just, I don't know if I could get there with Stiletto Boy. Yeah, I mean, I think his his ceiling in this race is a clunk up third or fourth. Yeah. Maybe. yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, 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 he doesn't belong in the race. I don't know why they have him in here. Other than maybe they're hoping they can clunk up for third or fourth, you know, it seems like he's a nice horse that could win, you know, some other races. But how how is he possibly going to win this race? I just don't see it. Me um, neither. So and that's about all I can say. Yeah. Although, you know, there's a chance maybe he clunks up for something, but there's no he's way he's not he wins like this race. so. Yeah, you're right. He's not like so slow that he's completely overmatched to where if he sat the right kind of trip, he could fall into picking up some pieces, but. I, there's just a lot of uh, the others in this race that I'm more excited about. Like you said, he just it doesn't feel like quite a good fit for him. They they kind of th- throw him in because he ended up running second last time out to a horse who's going to be you know one of the contenders in here. But I just yeah I don't really see it with him. He was behind the horse that we'll talk to next. Uh, we'll talk about next Medina Spirit who did step up and beat older in the Grade One. Awesome again. You're very polarizing runner. It's uh, that's the perfect word to describe him that you you hit on earlier. He won the Kentucky Derby earlier this year. Well, he crossed the wire first. We still don't know exactly if he's going to be disqualified from that for everything that happened with the ointment with uh you know the the the, the testing positive for a banned substance following the race. Um, but Medina Spirit had some time off. Uh, he come he came back in the Preakness. 
a couple weeks later and was third. And Baffert had sort of mentioned that he didn't really ever think that this was kind of one of those quick turnaround type horses that would be good in short turnarounds. Kind of needs a little bit of more time in between his races. And he was off for a few months, came back into shared belief. He won that day and then he stepped up in the awesome again. He did get the lead and that's just, you know, he's he's sort of workmanlike. He's a horse who uh, has treated you well and he's done you good so far this year and you know what you're going to get from him. He's not going to be too far out of it. Like you said, I don't I don't think they want to go head and head eyeball to eyeball with Nick's go, but I don't think they want to let Nick's go get too far away from him. Yeah, I mean, he's he is definitely a horse that prefers to be on the lead. So I think it would be a big mistake to try to sit him off. So I can't believe that's what they're going to do. And they did draw the eight post. So, you know, I think they're going to want to be right up there with Nick's go. And, you know, thing about Medina spirit that he has that Nick's go, we don't know. Maybe Nick's go has it, but Medina spirit can go a mile and a quarter. We know that, right? He won the Kentucky Derby. He is a fighter. I mean, if you watch this horse, other than that preakness where he was probably just over the top, right? Uh, nobody's passed him. You know, no. you just don't pass him in the stretch. He does not like to lose. So he is a gritty little horse. Um, and But, I mean, does that mean he can go eyeball to eyeball, Nick's go all the way around and then hold everybody off? Um you know, maybe I wouldn't th- say he has no chance, but uh, I think the presence of Nick's go really makes Medina yeah. Spirit's job very difficult, even if he runs his race. But, you know, I, if those two are nose to nose turn for home, my money would be on Medina Spirit. I agree with you ahead, to finish ahead of Nick's go. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if he holds the other horses we talked about off, but. I mean, he. We know he gets a distance. We know he's a fighter. I don't know if Nick's go what he does in a fight because I've never seen him, you know, in a in a stretch duel. Um, you know, he either has spit the bit late or he's off by himself. So, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And you know, the distance question. That, but the other big thing around Medina Spirit is this whole Bob Baffert special conditions for entering his horses thing extra extra special you know eyeballs on him or extra protocols that he's going to have to go through yeah it's even worse than that he has signed up to where he can't use any legal medications leading into the race so they're, they're testing i think his horses today and if they test positive for anything even legal medications he has to scratch the horse so you know i don't know what that'll do but it, uh, he's kind of on an unlevel playing field at least the, ru- the, the routine's the- off right and yeah with, with these with 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 any athlete we see it. when your routine is just we see it in baseball right now chris we're seeing it with a lot of these starting pitchers in the playoffs of the world series it's i i've been pulling my hair out sometimes with my dodgers when it's like you get these guys and their routines a little off i think it's even more so with these animals they're creatures of habit they get the same routine they know okay race day this happens before the race uh on Training day this has happened before training So yeah anything that's going to be a little off If these horses have to do a little bit extra Than some of the others you're right That And they're the thing about the Baffert horses too is they're always going to be Like very Live horses contenders and they're Always going to be pretty short prices so You know that's got to be built into the conversation Yeah and by now We'll know how the Baffert horses are running Right so if Gamine runs mm-hmm. off the screen and his yeah. two-year-olds run well, you know, I, I would just... You don't worry. Then you don't worry, worry about, about it. it. But if, 
you know, his two-year-olds get shut out. Gamin doesn't show up. Gamin doesn't show up. You know, uh, I would start to to fade all his horse. I'm going to kind of fade him to begin with, but, um, you know, by now we'll know one way or the other what to do with the Baffert horses. So I, you know, we'll know if that's a factor or not, but right now we don't. And I think you have to factor that in, but, you know, like at the relatively short price, because of the presence of Nick's go, I, I don't think Medina spirit is likely to win, but uh, you know, who knows Nick's go stumbles out of the gate or he just, you know, quits early or something. And Medina spirit somehow opens up a little bit, turning for home. You know, he's going to be a battler. Uh, he, that's the template gritty, for him. Horse. Yeah. yeah, let's sort of move in early into it, like we were saying, or just kind of winning the war of attrition and maybe getting the jump on uh, on some of the others who are right behind pressing. As uh, we get to the final horse in the Breeders' Cup Classic field, a horse who's kind of changed uh, who he is in his last couple races. Max Player was a horse who's always had ability. I mean, he won his he he won uh, the the Withers early on, and he was third in the Belmont. And third in the Travers and back-to-back races And then he changed barns He comes into the Asmussen barn He runs in the Derby Runs in the Preakness Fifth in, in both of them Goes over in, in the Saudi Cup Was just and also ran there Well defeated behind Mishriff In that Charlatan race Was actually in that race with uh, with Nick's go um, Back in February of 2021 And, and then he goes to the Pimlico Special Again doesn't really run well but the July 3rd race in the Suburban He he ends up showing a lot more Tactical tracking speed And when I see something That happens in a race That's in the slop To me it's always sort of like a hmm. I always want to see it happen like on a traditional Fast track afterwards Even if it's just something like just showing more speed Than normal So I wasn't quite sure if it was Okay maybe Max Player just loved that racetrack That day at Belmont Park So he showed a lot more tactical positional speed And he was up closer than normal But you know what in that race in the Suburban Mystic Guy got like a nice run through And he actually beat him on the square Then he came back in the Jockey Club Gold Cup On a, on a fast track He sat nicely again Pretty close up And he powered home And he just is He's a lot more of like a mature sort of versatile horse now. Um, I don't know if he's quite as good as some of the others, but he's definitely much improved in his last few. And just as you know, in this race and moving forward, he's a horse who I think has a much better opportunity to win races now with that kind of you know that kind of running style, that kind of tool to play that he has in at least in his toolbox. Yeah, and he's you know definitely a horse that likes a mile and a quarter. Um, you know, that's his sweet spot. So the distance is not an issue for him. And Asmussen, you know, he's just so good with these quality three-year-olds and four-year-olds. They just keep getting better and better, you know, their entire careers. I mean, Gunrunner was the poster child for that, but, you know, he just all his horses, they're just so good in that they just never run a bad race. And they all send Teams just get a little bit better with every start, and Max Player is a good example of that. So, a lot of respect for the trainer. I do think you know the fields that he beat in those two races weren't much. And, Agree. Happy Saver just hasn't taken the next step this year, yeah. you know, at all. He was someone. He was one that people were kind of high on, but he his claim to fame's always came in very short field situations. So I I just never know how good that that kind of group has been, you know. Well, his claim, yeah, his 
Clayton of Fame, I think, was when he beat Tacitus, who we in know like a four all... or five horse field. He's yeah. always been the bridesmaid, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think he's a notch below uh, quality wise. I do think, though, he gets the distance for sure. His rider, uh, if you follow social media at all, you know, Santana's on a real cold streak. In fact, he lost the mount in Echo Zulu for mm-hmm. Steve Asmussen, which really shocked me. You know, these two guys have been, they've won so many races together. So, you know, something's up. Um, and he draws an outside post with that newly discovered tactical speed. I think that actually hurts him because Hooked he's a little wide. Be, yeah, he's very likely to get hung a little wide here or have to drop back and run his old clunk up kind of style, which might be actually be better for him in here. So I'm not sure what they're going to do tactically. Um, but from that post, I think, you know, he wouldn't be a surprise at all to see him hit the board. No, I would. I'd be surprised if he wins. But, yeah, I, um, I have him under, too. And but, we, we seem like we're kind of sniffing this race out similarly, like the way, you know, I, I think I, I'm gravitating back towards as like my top selection and a horse that I would, you know, play to win if he is in the maybe seven to two range would be Hot Rod Charlie. It's just every version of this race I see run in my head. I feel like he has the best opportunity to work out the best trip. And if things go a little different, if something this horse goes to the lead or three horses end up going or one, I feel just the best about where if he needs to adapt to any kind of scenario, I feel better about Charlie than I think anybody else in this particular race. Yeah, I'm with you. I do think it's down to the three horses, you know, the three favorites. At least I think will be the favorites. Hot Rod, Charlie, Essential Quality, Nixco. I think they all three could win. It kind of depends on how the race goes. I think Nixco, from a race shape standpoint, has it the toughest. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he's a fast horse, and maybe he just gallops and keeps going. Um, I, But I think Hot Rod Charlie might really trip out in here. Um, you never know, but it seems like it should set up nicely for him. And essential quality won't have any excuses. I mean, no. He's going to have a setup in front of him, um, and he'll have his opportunity to run them down if he's good enough. So, but I think that's the way it goes. Those three, and from a value standpoint, I think Hot Rod Charlie is the play. And I actually, if I had just to pick a winner of the three, I would go with Hot Rod Charlie too. But I think they're all pretty close in ability. But I probably rank them, you know, Hot Rod Charlie, Essential Quality, Nick's Go in that order, but not a lot separating those three. Yeah, this it's it's a good group. It really is, and it, it's this is what the Breeders' Cup um, was, was sort of meant to be, right? You get the combination of some of the better older horses, and then you get some of these really good three-year-olds. And we're getting exactly that this year. We've got Essential Quality, Hot Rod Charlie, and uh, and Medina Spirit stepping up and facing the likes of Nick's Go, who has been that dominant speed type all year long, and then a couple of the other nice older horses who have been sort of at the top of their division. So I think a very good renewal of the Breeders' Cup Classic this year, and I'm excited for it. I like Hot Rod Charlie, and uh, yeah, it, pretty similar as to you. I do respect Essential Quality. I probably prefer him a little more than like Nick's Go if I was just betting the race, and I, so I think I would probably lean to the three-year-olds. They th- just feel like they have the opportunity to sit off a little more. And uh, if you're looking for maybe the crazy value play or uh, some horses to include underneath, I I do think Tripoli of, of the price horses could maybe get you a, a nice uh, nice little uh, uh, spice up trifecta or superfecta if you're looking uh, maybe even exacta if he gets the right kind of trip. And maybe Tripoli in the triple. 
Right. There we go. There we go. And, <laughs> and we'll we'll hope it we'll hope that Chris is uh doing really well heading into this race. And uh what whatever you need in this one, Chris, I hope you cash big time in that contest. And uh yeah, pretty exciting uh uh, with a big big money contest like that coming up for you, right? I'd imagine like anything for someone like you who's had good success in some of these contests, you you just you hope it's the day that uh, that's one of your good days because you know when it is you, you're gonna win, and when it's not, it's like anything you'll have a, you know it, it could be a, a rough couple of days and a rough weekend, but it's nice to know it's kind of it's really exciting heading into a few a few days like this as a, a contest player. Oh, definitely. I mean, if I um have a little success prior to this race that you know hot rod charlie could win the bcbc for me so um that's what i'm hoping for i hope i'm in a spot where i can key on hot rod charlie um to win the contest for me that's what i'll be hoping for heading into this race we uh spoke a little bit about it at the beginning of the show but uh chris has a podcast uh sport of kings.net podcast is where you can get all that information you could follow him on twitter at derby one five nine two, Chris. I love having these conversations with you. I always appreciate it. You're uh, you're always so uh, so easy to to set up a, a time and a schedule with, and you always make uh, make it very very fun and, and easy for me and the folks out there. Always appreciate hearing you. And anytime you need uh, you need me over on your show, I'm uh, happy to help. Well, definitely, we'll have you on again. And I, I, you know me, I love to talk about horse racing. You don't have to bend my arm at all. <laughs> no, no. Well. Good luck to you this weekend. Hope uh, you and the family are doing well. I love checking out the progress of your son uh, um, as you know when he's uh, just seeing the last few years how he's grown in the in the fighting uh, world. So good luck to you. Hope everything goes well with your family. And I want to hear some big stories about uh, success in the BCBC. Thanks, Gino. Thanks for having me on. That's uh, Chris Larmy. Make sure to give him a follow there and don't go anywhere, folks. We still have plenty more. We'll uh, we'll wrap this whole thing up and we'll get you one more opinion on the Breeders' Cup Classic. Thank you to Chris for helping out, and good luck, Chris, this weekend uh, playing over at Del Mar. Good luck to everyone playing in the Stable Duel Contest coming up. So uh, as of Thursday, when uh, when I had recorded this, actually Wednesday, but Thursday, some of you will probably start to hear it. There are a lot of different options for Stable Duel Contest, and I'm sure many of you have heard of the very, very sad and tragic news that uh, jockey Miguel Mena has passed away. Stable Duel which is a day it's very similar to daily fantasy in the format It is a horse racing contest website they have a game on thursday that is the miguel mena charity match it's a 25 dollar entry and all of the money is going to be donated to miguel mena's family so a very nice gesture from stable duel you've heard me talk about stable duel many times and uh, discuss the contest they're going to offer the charity match this thursday in the stable duel app for the Del Mar contest, all of the entries will be donated to Miguel's family to help them through this time. So horrible news there, but Stable Duel is going to have a very nice gesture and do everything they can to uh, to help out a little bit. The rest of the Stable Duel schedule for the weekend will include Charlestown, Woodbine, Gulfstream, and Penn National on Friday, so it'll give you a nice compliment to some of the Breeders' Cup races. Then on Saturday... You can play over at Charlestown, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, or Laurel. There's actually a free ride on Saturday. On Sunday, Gulfstream, Laurel, Woodbine, and Del Mar with a couple different options. Get those entries in and play, race, win as we head back 
to the Breeders' Cup Classic. Race number 12, the final race on the Saturday card. Emily Golickson back to help us out going horse by horse. So you get two different opinions. You get thoughts on every horse in the race from Chris. I recorded with Chris early on Tuesday. And then when I recorded with Emily early on Wednesday, you can tell that maybe things have somewhat changed a little bit. It's kind of how it changes. It, it goes when you're a handicapper, right? But my opinion was still pretty similar. There may have been a couple horses that I kind of got more warmed up to, and then maybe a few that I uh, I, I maybe uh, shied away from a little more. We'll give you some final thoughts afterwards. Now it's the Breeders' Cup Classic with Emily Gullickson. Race number 12. It is the feature. It is the Breeders' Cup Classic 12th race on Saturday at Del Mar, November the 6th, if you're following along in those past performances. And we've got some really, really nice horses who are very, very sharp. And as uh, we talked with Emily Gullickson about the distaff a little earlier on, she's joining us again to talk about the classic. And I did get a similar feel with this race as the sort of the template for the classic or for the distaff, Emily, where you have... Some really nice three-year-olds, Essential Quality and Hot Rod Charlie, who have just been like so good all throughout the year. Medina Spirit, all of them in here. And then you've got some of the older horses, um, like Nick's Go, who has been excellent and is really, really fast. And you know what you're going to get from him. You've got Art Collector, who's kind of been reborn a little bit, has been very good for Mod. And then the, a couple of the Southern California horses, who maybe they're not quite as good, but they maybe they have a little bit of that. A home court advantage and local experience. I thought the classic shaped up really, really well this year. Yeah, absolutely. And and kind of keying off the distaff, it's sort of the same thing where you have a lot of horses that are in top form that mm-hmm. are going to run their race, and you know pace comes into the play as far as yep. you know these horses that are certainly you know you could make a case for every single one of them as individuals. Maybe <laughs> some exceptions, Close. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, when it, when you look at it from a, a complete race, um, you know, where, where those horses stack up and can they win in that scenario? So yeah, it's a, it's a really good edition of the classic. So we'll go, uh, we'll go inside out to outside and talk a little bit about each runner in this field as uh, Tripoli draws the inside in here. And he, he is, was, you know, a turf horse who had been, you know, bred well for the turf and showing some success there and they flipped him over to the dirt and he was awesome in in his dirt form since and and then last time out in the in the awesome again he actually he got floated a little wide going into the turn i don't know if that cost him winning the race or not but we've seen this happen sometimes with some of the back baffert runners where uh medina spirit broke on top Azul Coast, I believe, who was a stable mate, sort of was uh was trying to make sure that that Tripoli wouldn't get right up close and get a very a very easy trip. Um, this is a horse who has some good races on the dirt and some good races at Del Mar. I don't know if he's quite at the top. Like I don't know if his A game is as good as the A game of some of the others in here. But his form on the dirt, his form at Del Mar, I think there are worse fifteen to one shots to use in underneath spots. Well, yeah, I mean, it, he's going to get the trip kind of similar where maybe not quite as similar, but similar enough in the Pacific Classic where he was mm-hmm. able to save ground. Yep. You know, he kind of has some tactical speed. He's able to save ground um, and then maybe, you know, just rides the rail kind of all the way through and is in the right place at the right time. That's his scenario. And he does have, you know, he does have upside. He has the win here. He has the win at the distance. It's not an overly flashy type race. He's going to have to, you know, 
deal with some of the others that maybe miss a step or not quite get the right trip or find some trouble or something. But, you know, in that scenario, I, I, I you know, I don't know if it did cost him the win, but it certainly kept him from running his top race that day. Sure. Getting yep. getting carried wide into the first turn, not being allowed to establish early position, you know, all those things factored, you know, coming back just in the uh, circuit change, you know, not, not circuit change, but, um, you know, from Del Mar to San Antonio to the ship. His, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, also, you know, there if they are looking at this race, which I'm sure they are because it's a, you know, Pacific Classic is a win and you're in, they're not necessarily looking to to you know, tax the horse too much in order to get the win, right? Mm -hmm. Just going like, well, things don't, you know, things don't work out, you know, don't beat this horse up because we got another race in 30 We're already days. in. You know, yep. yeah. So, uh, you know, I think there, I think there is some, some upside with, with Tripoli. Express train was getting really good earlier in the year. He, it, from, was it like January through July There were a string of five races With all top three tries And graded stakes Two of them were graded stakes wins And just in, missed in the grade one big cap Going the mile and a quarter And in his last couple In the Pacific Classic He had a fine start But then he got caught in some traffic He looked a bit washed out Like he just didn't really He just wasn't in it that day too You can see a lot of the sweat up on his neck He ended up kind of in between horses A couple lengths off I just never really seemed comfortable or in it I wanted I, I played him back last time and I, I thought That he was going to run a lot better He again had some sort of early traffic trouble He was like three deep behind horses He angled out four wide and around He was, it was, it was like a, He angled out too late It was again okay That race shape with Medina Spirit Wasn't ever going to be really to his liking I, He's run some good races At Del Mar and I, I Wanted to really start to like him Earlier in the year I don't know if this race going a mile and a quarter though is the spot for him. Yeah, I mean that's sort of the challenge with him is like where does this horse belong? Because yeah. he has quality, he has fast races, but it's like he doesn't want to go too long. He needs the right scenario if he's going too short. You know, he likes Delmar. It's like I don't mm -hmm. know, you know, it's like it's he's just and I'm sure connections kind of feel the same way where it's like he's he's tough to place and that sort of makes sense like why they run him here because where else are you going to go gonna do? like the yeah. you know the mile is probably would would have been tough maybe he i would have been a better fit i don't know but it would be almost kind of the same scenario as this spot is like where you know he's going to have to still get the right trip and run a fast race you know and it's sort of the same thing here it's like the 10 furlongs is probably not his ideal he has the class he has the speed figures he wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world but he just needs so many of those things to go absolutely right for him. And it would be another one of those scenarios where maybe you could make that kind of crazy case if you felt everybody else was vulnerable, but it just doesn't seem like the year to do that. We get to Hot Rod Charlie, who has uh, been just really sharp now, uh, basically all along. But you start looking at last year when he was the runner-up in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. His start, his first start to the year, he was right behind Medina Spirit um, in the Bob Lewis. Comes back and wins the Louisiana Derby. And what was nice about that race is it doesn't, it doesn't sound like much, but it was a mile and three sixteenths. So he was able to kind of get the benefit of the doubt moving into the Kentucky Derby, going a little bit longer than everybody else had before. And he's a horse who he has good speed. He can sit off and he can track. He is a horse who I'm not really concerned about the distance. And when I play this race out in my head a lot, 
he keeps like he keeps feeling like the horse who ends up sitting like third or fourth and getting the perfect trip. What do you think, Hot Rod Charlie, in here? Well, I think that they're um, uh, going back a little bit further. You know, to Hot Rod Charlie, if you go back to like the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, because I think this is maybe a race that everybody can kind of like remember in their head. But where you know he's stalking, he makes that big move, and you're like, oh, he's winning. And then he kind of like hangs a little bit. And mm-hmm. then he did the same thing in the Lewis. And then they're like, okay, we got to put him forwardly placed. Mm-hmm. And then he wins the Louisiana Derby. You know, and he ran he ran fine in, you know, the Kentucky Derby, had a little bit of traffic. Um, but it was kind of the same thing where it was like he's just not quite passing horses, right? So you got to keep him a little bit more forwardly placed. Does a good race in the Belmont. You know, Haskell, we obviously, you know, he hits the wire first. We'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, and, and in the pencil, and he's, but again, he's, you know, he's kind of forwardly placed in that, in that race and just trying to kind of find the right scenario where horses are sort, just sort of backing up. And then, um, in the Pennsylvania Derby, he's forwardly placed again. So the challenge with him is he needs to be close, like on or near that lead. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you're playing this race out in your head, you're like, well, the horse that's going to be on the lead is Nick's go. And, and Nick's go is not only going to just be on the lead. He's going to. He's going to try to clear. That's the only way he wins this race is that he just runs this field off their feet. So a horse like Hot Rod Charlie, if he's going to try to be a length off Nick's go and Nick's go is pedal to the metal, like I'm not letting you get a length off of me. Hot Rod Charlie could be in trouble because he's going to get caught. He's going to get caught chasing that horse. And, and, you know, he's not the only one that's going to have to kind of go on that trip. It's like Medina Spirits got is the same thing. Art you can't be far out the of it. Same, you know the same thing. It's like all these horses, if they want to sit a length off, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to run for it uh, with Nick's go in the field. And if they let Nick's go go, then they were in trouble. You know, maybe he's gone. Like he might be gone, and you know that type of thing. Um, so, just in terms of trip, you know, I just I think he that could be kind of the one the one factor for him is like he needs that kind of trip where he's up close, he's sitting right off the pace setter. And waits for them to back up and then, you know, has has some class and has some speed to to kind of get the win. It's just it's it's tough with Nick's go in this field to just sort of see that. What's what's nice about um, that scenario that you're playing out is I trust Flavian about as much in that scenario as anyone right now with breaking well. Pushing Nick's go a little bit or just trying to stay honest and, and make him work hard and then. Getting eat hot rod Charlie to be able to be kind of relaxed at a nice cruising speed. Not but, everybody can but, do that. But that's well. a thing. But that's, that's hard. Thing. No, no. That, with Nick's hard. go, with Nick's go, are you really going to get a nice cruising speed? No, no, no. No, way. no you're right. No you're way. right. And and I and I hope like I trust Flavian more in that situation than most. But you're absolutely right. And that's that's what makes if hot rod Charlie gets caught up with with Nick's go and Medina Spirit and 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 is very worried about. Keeping them honest And then he's going to get softened up And it's going to set up for somebody else to come from off the pace As uh, we kind of continue on With the horse that's going to want that sort of trip That's Essential Quality Who has been Hot Rod Charlie's big rival As a three year old And he, he's one of those horses who is like a gambler I, I generally played against Or tried to play against he, he wins but he's never like So dominant in doing so You can always sort of Maybe make a case that someone else had a little bit of trouble or something, but he just is a very good racehorse, and he he knows where the wire is. He knows what to do. A couple 
you know, I don't know, and, and I don't know if there are concerns, and maybe for you there are positives. The things that I I did notice with him, so he's coming into the, this race with two plus months off. He's actually the only horse in this field that didn't have a race in September or October, and he's going to be facing older for the first time, and he's going to have to ship out west. So I have a few concerns there. I also am a little bit worried about the str- just the strength of the last couple races in general, where you know Hot Rod Charlie was. Kind of beating Midnight Bourbon I just thought more impressively and a little more handily Than Essential Quality was um, and, and I don't know how strong the Jim Dandy necessarily was But again every time I've done this with him He's made me look pretty stupid over the last couple of years uh, Where do you uh, stand with Essential Quality? Yeah I mean I I think that he He is dominant over his competition But not in a way that You know he's drawing off by 10 But it's like he's just so much Work that he's mm-hmm. that he's winning in races that probably horses not as good as him would win. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and overcoming things, you know, in subtle ways. It's like obviously he can put himself in a race and get a perfect trip. He's done that. He's also had to run, you know, run wide. I mean, his Kentucky Derby is as good as you know Medina Spirit, Hot Rod Charlie. You know, there he's right. He's right there. Um. So he's had to deal with being wide. He has the stamina. He can he can race close to the pace. He can run from off. He can close into a slow pace. I mean, he just he really is to his name quality to where, you know, I think that you you bring up concerns which, you know, are fair and they're things that, you know, afterwards you could say, you know, maybe he was a little short. Okay, you know, just wasn't his day. He didn't handle California. But those are things that are just like they're tough to make the case for right now because it's like he's won off a layoff. He won the Southwest. He's overcome uh, off a, a lot of those you know, things uh, already. So why yeah, do we think that know, he, he wouldn't now? Everything that yeah. we've thrown at him, he's dealt with very well. I mean, the Jim Dandy, it was a, a 56-day layoff. Today's a 70. You know, you're like, mm, I guess there's a little bit of difference there. But yeah, not so much. You know, oh, two weeks. Yeah. Can make a difference, I guess, of a taxing effort. But I just think it was one of those, like, as far as, you know, the calendar, the 10 furlongs, knowing he can run, he can run well fresh. Uh, This is probably what they want to do. I mean, there's no, you know, real knocks as far as, you know, training, like gaps in the works and things like that, which would concern you off a layoff. That he just seems... He seems legit in the spot. I understand why maybe he's not, you know, the most exciting horse, but I, I have a hard time kind of playing against him because uh, of all the reasons that I mentioned. We get to Nick's go, the one who is going to be on the front end. And he, since coming into the Brad Cox barn, he hasn't been headed early. I don't think he's, there's been a situation where he wasn't clear on the lead. And he was your Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile winner last year. He went to Saudi and he finished fourth in that race where he just went way too fast. Mishrip and Charlatan were in there. And then he comes back in the Met and just throws in a clunker there. And who knows? It was needing the race uh, from the travel, coming back. Since then, he goes over to Prairie Meadows in a spot against much softer. And it was a really good spot for him to get back on track in the Whitney. Crushes, cruises up front Does the same thing last time out in the Lucas Classic The horse he beat, Independence Hall Comes back to win the Grade 2 Fayette by uh, 7 with like 105 buyer Speed figure We just have some Very simple questions with him, you know He's he's a speed horse, he's one dimensional He's not going to sit off the pace at all 
And he's a horse who's not been proven at a mile and a quarter. I think those are just the the real honest questions with him. But we know what we're going to get. I think this race comes down to what are the other horses that have speed going to do? What is Medina Spirit, Hot Rod Charlie, some of the others who we know can also show speed, Art Collector? What are they going to try to do? Because they aren't naturally as fast as Knicks go. And if they want to, like you said, if they want to try to go after him, that's going to put them in a really bad spot. That's going to very much soften them up. And why, when you treat the, each each one individually, like why for their chances do they think that's their best chance to win? Right? That might be the best chance for somebody else in the race to win. But if they're going to be the one to go and and have to do all the dirty work, it's probably not going to help them. So it's going to be a real interesting to see which of these, if anyone decides, hey, let's just really make this guy work, or let's do whatever we can. Because if if everyone's looking around and he pops the gate and opens up two, they, they could all be running for second here. Uh, yeah, I mean the you know for for Nick's go, I mean they're they're running in this spot because it just like why not at this point? It's like he's Where else you running the to? Breeders yeah. Cup, the Breeders Cup dirt mile, and maybe there's some other milers that at this point, you know, if he's got a face, life is good uh, with a similar running style. Then maybe not as easy for him to be as lone speed, which that's his that's his game right now. Is he's winning when he's lone speed, and so he's going to try to be lone speed in here. He wouldn't be in the in the mile, so it's kind of like why not at this point? We've run three races this year. You know the stud deal has already been reached. Let's take our shot in the classic. We'll send to the front if they let us go, and he gets the ten furlongs, and we win. Great, and if not, like. Oh well, you know, like that's that's fine as well. I'd rather exactly. lose in this race, rather mm-hmm. lose in this race than lose in the mile. You know, um, that that type of thing. But you know, his presence in here, I think, as I mentioned, it makes things difficult in terms of trip for some of these other horses that that could be contenders otherwise, right? Like if you remove, if Nixco wasn't in this race, then you're looking at a, at a scenario where you have Hot Rod Charlie. Uh, art collector and Medina spirit, all horses that, you know, like to be honored near the lead, but not doesn't necessarily have to be fast. Maybe Stiletto boy will try to send, but still like, he's not necessarily fast. It's like, you have a completely different pace scenario, even with similar running styles. And just the fact that Nick's go is a confirmed front runner who wants to go to the front um, and is going to go as far as he can, as fast as he can in this race. Um, it just, you know, it changes the dynamic in here. And 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 then it makes things even wilder because he's listed as a boarding line favorite. And you're just kind of like, well, if he's favored, then, you know, a horse like Essential Quality, who's probably the most likely winner in this race, maybe he's value all of a sudden. But I don't know if Nick's go is going to be favored. What are your thoughts on that? I think... I think it'll be close. But I there like, there's a lot of Essential Quality... Fans and backers and he's done He's just been a really good horse for a really Long time I think I'd Still probably lean two to one Nick's go like Five to two essential quality And then everybody else a little bit above The two of them but I don't I would not be shocked at all if essential quality was favored. I, I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, essential quality should be favored. I in, agree. In I this agree. Race. That. But yeah, yeah. I just you know, it's another thing where you're like, well, Will he? you know, I would make a case for Nick's go to maybe wire field if he's like ten to one, you know, in, the, in this in this race. But the fact that he's favored, it's like I just nothing. think he's yeah, yeah. He's a no thanks, and then he helps kind of not like some of these other horses. 
And uh, Art Collector is a horse who last year was getting very, very good. He was only five to two in the Preakness, and then didn't run well there. Came back in the Dirt Mile, threw in a clunker to start the year to another uh, race at, at Churchill in, in June, and then well, it wasn't very good. Did have some trouble there at the start of that race when he was favored, and then then he switches barns, comes into the Mott Barn, and he's won three in a row. And the problem is with him is in his last two races, it's either been Sitting just off the pace in a perfect trip or getting the lead in a race where there was not a lot of other speed getting a perfect trip and in here What kind of a trip is he going to get is he going to be in absolute chase mode is he going to try to take way back You have mike smith jumping aboard who you just doesn't tip the hand as they someone that you know They would want if they wanted to be very aggressive so I don't I don't really know what to do with our collector in here yeah, he's sort of the same. I mean, he's he's sort of the same thing where he's a quality horse. He could run fast races, but it just comes down comes down a trip, and you know he he's gonna have to kind of be forwardly placed in this race. And how fast you know they try to go to keep up with Nick's go um, could hurt him in the end because he has some he has some early speed. Like he could run fast race fast early or average early, I should say, and and stay on. But he might just have to go a little bit faster. And then when you combine that with now he's going to have to get an extra furlong, which that's always kind of been a concern for this horse. There just might be some distance and stamina limitations on him, even though he's run, you know, kind of well at nine. Um, You know, I just I think this is uh, he couldn't be cutting into the race better. This is the place where he, you know, he should run a good race. But um, I just have a hard time seeing this race kind of setting up for him. Same, same. As we get to Stiletto Boy, who comes in off of back-to-back uh, placings here, was third in the Shared Belief, then was second in the, the Awesome Again behind Medina Spirit in both of them. Stiletto Boy is a big long shot in here. What do you expect from him? Yeah, he's a he's a massive long shot. I mean, I you know they were they were smart. They gave Medina Spirit kind of help. I shouldn't say they gave him the win, but they certainly helped him because. Mm-hmm. DeSormo rode that race to finish second. He didn't ride that race to win. And I don't, he's not going to have a chance to ride for second in this race. He could last time out, which was successful, but it's hard to see sort of the same thing in here. And it, this horse's wins are when he's on the lead. So maybe they go back to that strategy today. Um, but yeah, he doesn't have a single race. That he's run so far that beats any of these other horses in here. We get so he could be just he could be another horse that's you know maybe goes to the front. You know I don't know I just don't even think he's fast enough to go. Me neither. I don't think he's fast enough to be a nuisance to Nick's go. (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna be chasing right. Yeah, Yeah, just kind of like chasing all the way around As we get to one of the more polarizing horses right now Out there, Medina Spirit Who crossed the wire first in the Kentucky Derby Um, Does does, Topic for a different uh, podcast Does feel definitely uh, strange That we're still waiting to find out if this horse is going to get Disqualified for the Kentucky Derby And he's run three times since and is going to be running In the Breeders' Cup here But he's in the race, we have to handicap him In this race as a, what he is He's a real quality horse However much you dislike what has happened with him and everything around him this year and the connections and the Kentucky Derby. This is a nice horse. This is a quality animal. He's out there. He's going to fight. He does not like to let horses pass him. And he came back with a big win against Older. So that's nice. He has a, a win at Del Mar. 
He has something that some of the other pace horses don't have local win um, and that win over older, which some of the other three year olds don't have. So he checks a lot of the boxes here. He's drawn towards the outside of a lot of the speed, which could help him if he wants to try to track off a little bit. That's just the concern with him that I have as we kind of have with a couple of the other speeds. Is he going to be okay sitting off a little bit? He feels more like one that he wants to be dictating things and he's really tough to pass. He'll dig in. I don't know if he's as as good trying to to sit third and come after you. Yeah, I mean, I think that that kind of breaks up. It's like he's he doesn't like to let horses pass, but does he like to pass? <laughs> I don't know. He hasn't quite mm-hmm. shown it. He's been able to mm-hmm. to pe- pass horses that are backing up, but he hasn't really passed horses that are forwardly placed. So you know, maybe maybe that's the strategy is that they're going to try to since Nix goes drawn to his inside is kind of sit like in a lone trip kind of behind him, hopefully, you know, some of those other horses and be there when he backs up. Yep. That would, that would be like the ideal scenario, right? Like if, if the tactics of art collector are, we're going to let those two horses go and we're going to take back and hot red, Charlie, Flavian Pratt does the same thing. We're going to take back. We're going to let those two horses go. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to run them down. That's our plan. And then Medina Spirit sits behind Nick's go. Nick's go goes as far as he can, as fast as he can, runs out of gas. And Medina Spirit is right there and doesn't let horses pass, maybe. But, um, you know, that's a lot. It's a lot of like what ifs type of type of scenario. And, you know, he's had and he's had those scenarios in his two most recent races. Like, he's you know, just kind of moderate paces and being in places where he's supposed to win. Um, to me, he's still a horse that... He he's you know he's beat me uh, in the Derby mm-hmm. and in most of those those races that he's won, um, and he's gonna have to try to do it again today. Yeah, what if good show on Disney Plus, but not as much as what I want with my my horses. You know, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm I'm fine with the Marvel universe and what if, but not as much with the uh, the kind of trip that they may get in the Breeders' Cup Classic as we round out the field with Max Player who. He has been really improved in his last couple races because he's shown a lot more speed, a lot more positional speed early on in his career. He was one that would like to to drop back and, and kind of make one late run. And in the Suburban, what what's, what's interesting about him is, and I think with most horses, when you do something and it sort of looks like an outlier and it's a race in the slop, I have a hard time believing it. Like So I saw Max Player in his race in the slop. On July the 3rd in the Suburban Was really good he showed a lot more Tactical speed he was right off Mystic Guide And actually Mystic Guide got a nice Opening on the inside and Max Player Was much wider and he he still was able to get The job done so I was I wanted to See if he could put another one together And on a on a fast track And he did he he ran a Really good race in the Jockey Club too he he Showed again that much more positional Speed a lot different than he had earlier on In his career and he was very good there. Now, is that improvement in those last two races, is that enough to make him competitive with this group, Emily? Uh, well, if we go back even further, those races to me, those recent races are not are not outliers. This is the horse from debut where he was green. He finished second, first couple race at Parks. He showed a lot of ability, just raw ability, and also just showed that he's got a ton of stamina. He won. He won the withers. 
Um, goes to the Belmont, which is tough because that's, you know, a big graded stakes test. It's first off a layoff. Still runs a solid race to finish third. Same thing in the Travers. Makes a wide move. And his speed figures in each of these races that I'm mentioning are just getting faster and faster. And they're not you know, far go- off the races. They're not that far off of his best races this year. He just seems like he's gotten a little bit more mature in showing Positional speed like you're hitting on He's always had the ability Like the number like he's been a good Quality horse it's just Maybe it's just a maturity maybe it's just Choosing different things different race style These races are as fast His race in the Travers and even his race In the Kentucky Derby which is Sneaky good I mean we're keeping in mind it's weird Being like he ran in the Belmont and then he ran In the the Travers but (laughs) you know Yeah but you know he took he took kickback. He ran in traffic, and he still ran a fast you know fast race. And those two races, you know, maybe it's a, a little bit over the top because 28 days later it's the Preakness. He backs up in that race, but then he's also off 148 days. They go to the Saudi Cup, you know, whatever happens there, you know, you, we can be forgiving. But he has another layoff after that. Comes back in the Pimlico Special. It's a wide trip. It's a super strong race, and then it's just like. You know, they they changed the running style, but it's also like that's just always been his class. And he's one of those horses that, you know, he's shown now he can run forwardly place, but he can also run from off the pace. He can mm-hmm. close. This is a classy, classy horse. He's a grade one winner against older. Nobody else in this field can say that. I don't think, uh, you know, and I guess now I can art collectors in there and whatever. But for like a classic type distance to 10 furlongs, he has that. Did it dominantly in the Jockey Club Gold Club. He just has so much foundation under him. And for this type of 10 furlong distance, I guess that's what I was trying to say. At this distance, first older at a grade one level. He's the only horse I could say that. He's, you know, strong speed figures. He's in good form. He's coming just into this race, you know, the right way. Uh, Even though Clary, I beat him in a workout. It was still, you know, still good. I don't know. He's one of those horses that, to me, is, is an A in this race. Because I just can't. I just really can't find a fault with him. What what trip would you like to see most for him in here? Um, I you know I just it, to me that's the thing that why why I like him so much is like I don't I don't really you don't care. feel like it matters. Yeah, I don't like, think yeah I don't think much. it matters. I don't think he mm-hmm. needs to be forwardly placed to run a fast race. And I don't necessarily think that would be uh, ideal in this scenario. But maybe if those other horses, like I mentioned, they all take back. And he decides, okay, well, I'll sit, sit right third. next to Medina Spirit. Let's see, sure. let's see who outkicks who. You know, it, let's. It's a nice let's draw, that, you know, too, maybe. to be able yeah. to make that choice. You know, right. um, kind of see what what stacks up inside of you, and then he's going to be in a lot of my exotics, um, and and probably most all of them for the reasons that you said. He he seems like the most versatile uh, in this race, and and I agree with you in that. I had always liked him and thought that his talent and ability. Was there I just I probably Wouldn't have used him in this spot Without seeing him just having The ability to show a little bit more positional speed Because that was just my concern I he, Like you said with classy horses Most of them probably can do It if you ask them to do it but Until you do a lot of times You're not going to change up a horse's running style that Has been decent like this was a horse who ran Third in the dirt or he ran third in the, the Travers third in the Belmont it wasn't as if He things were going poorly For him he just Kind of tailed off form a little bit It was a tough campaign And now this year they showed Okay, 
He can sit a little closer We know that he can come from off the pace We know that he's classy He's got the numbers and figures that stack up with this group There are just a lot of things to like about him And um, and you meant, I mentioned a little bit earlier Like Hot Rod Charlie I like him more than you do Because I'm, I'm hoping that he can maybe just sit a little bit better here But those two to me it, It's probably those two An essential quality That I just like And think might have the best opportunity To kind of adapt to this this race, whatever it is, maybe it ends up being Nick's go, and he, you know, he doesn't get a bunch of pr- pace pressure, but somebody else has to go after him early. I sort of like those horses in this spot that I think have multiple ways to win. Kind of just what you hit on with Max Player, where I don't really know what trip I'm I'm wanting, but I feel like they can get multiple trips to win, um, and. I just hope he doesn't get hooked wide. That's my only concern. If if they do stack up or a couple of the other speeds try to go, and then he he's looking and going, yeah, you know, showing a little more has worked so well for me lately. Let's continue to try to do that. I don't want him to be wide, chase, wide all the way around chasing here. And I also don't want him to be ten out of it. I'm hoping he could be maybe like four or five off, but he, yeah, he's in the roundabout way of saying he's on most of my tickets and most of my exotic tickets here. (laughs) I mean, also too, it is, you know, it is worth mentioning just kind of the configuration of this race because it is that long run into the first turn. So it's not, it's not like getting wide parked. You're not getting wide going into that first turn when you're right away on your left lead. Right. It's like, he's kind of has that, they have that long run to settle kind of gallop. Yeah, exactly. And they're on their stronger leg, which is, it's, it's a little bit different just as far as like energy distribution, but yeah, you never want to want a wide trip going a mile and a quarter, but at least, at least that configuration kind of sorts some of that out, at least in that Mm -hmm. early part. And he's not a, and even if he were to be hooked like a little wide, He's not a horse who we have distance concerns or limitations with And so if that trip is a little bit more beneficial for him Staying out of trouble, being a little wider Then, you know, I, I, some other horses If they were wide and losing ground You'd, oh, no shot Like, they're, they're not going to get the mile and a quarter Also losing ground He actually would be one that I, I could see doing that Still getting a sort of a wide-ish trip And, and running really well in here In a good, that's, that's a good a, Yeah, that's a, better, that's a better trip for him Because he doesn't take kickback Mm-hmm. So he needs to be he needs to be in the clear rather yep. than being kind of covered up uh, down inside. It's a good Breeders' Cup Classic. I mean, both the, the the Distaff and the Classic that we talked about. They're to me, they just feel exactly. It sound like a broken record. I said it a couple times, but this is what the Breeders' Cup I think was meant for. The the best of all all over the U.S. and North America, and uh, the best of horses who are you know the the younger horses facing the older horses, the horses who are really fast facing some of the better closers. Like you get that this is what we want. There are far too many races nowadays in horse racing that used to be like you know like kind of quarter quarter pole or quarterway midway checkpoints of these races. You know we get some look in looks in earlier in the year. And I mean, sometimes on Derby undercards or Belmont undercards, we will, but it's so rare that we get to see all of the best horses face each other in the biggest races nowadays that I do. The the fan in me gets really excited in weekends like this. And of course, the gambler in me is super pumped, but I just I want to see like really honest paces in a lot of these races. I hope that if it's Nick's go that wins, that he has to show us that he has to deal with a little bit and then he kicks on. I hope that if it's Latruska that wins, she is the best because she dealt with pressure from all the other ones. I want that one of them, it's a short field, but I hope Bella Sophia and Edgeway go after Gamine and and make her really, really work. 
that's what the fan in me and the gambler in me wants to see this weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I think it will be. I I just I kind of have that feeling. That's kind of how it was last time we were at uh, Del Mar for Breeders yeah. Cup. Um, yeah, I I, I I think it's good. I do. I think we're going to get a nice fun weekend coming up. And I'm sure, Emily, as we are recording this on Wednesday, you will have a a lot of stuff coming out this week. Tell us a little bit about what's happening with uh, Optics, Twin Spires, Briz, any of the the places that you're going to have content coming up this weekend. Yeah, so um, starting at Optics, so we're doing a a Breeders' Cup package special, which is really in terms of price is no different than what we run on the weekends, which is $50, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you have access to all the tracks, optics plot, optics notes, optics grid. But for the Breeders' Cup, we're going to throw in optics focus, which is um, sort of our our analyst, you know, kind of picks like tool. It's what I put up on um, Delmar and Santa Anita race of the day. So you guys can can see that where I'll put, um, you know, fair odds line and why horses, you know, get earn that that type of rating. Um, and then John's going to write up some uh, suggested tickets, you know, kind of an ABC type style matrix uh, of ticket play. So that'll all I'll include in the Breeders' Cup package, $50, OpticCQ.com. Um, and then I do daily selections for uh, Southern California. And so typically on these big days, they'll move me off daily selections to do the spotlight selections, which is like $20 for for the you know, daily selections for Breeders' Cup each day. But I'm staying on daily selections this time, and this was my choice. So um, those selections, daily selections at Brisna, it's $7. You can see all my selections Friday and Saturday. So, uh, yeah, so uh, you can pick those up. I mean, 7 bucks. you're going to get a ton of information on there. Um, Basically, the way I'm talking through the race right now, it's so much more because a lot of these races... I'm thinking in the way that if somebody's looking at this race, what do I do with this horse? And it might mm-hmm. not be a horse that I like, but I'm going to write at least a sentence and be like, here's what is going, you know, so yeah. just a little bit that can kind of help people that are a little bit on the fence, maybe on a horse, uh, maybe to go one way or another, or, you know, just completely reject everything I have to say, mm-hmm. which is fine too. <laughs> be like, this makes no sense to me. This girl's, you know, I don't, I, I think I see what she's saying, but I want to go a different direction. Then that's perfect too, because I like to hear that when I'm listening to other handicappers that, you know, totally I respect or don't respect, you know, totally I want to agree. hear their opinion and process that information. There is some, that's the one thing as I've, the last few years, a, a, a little while, when I was a little younger, I, I was a little, much more of, uh, it's all me. Everything I do is the greatest and I work so hard that nobody else is going to be right. And I'm right. And now I realize that, you can learn something from everyone, even if it's not like, even if it's something what not to do moving forward. And that's not to say that like somebody that I'm listening to is wrong all the time, but it's just, Hey, you know what? That doesn't work for me or that didn't work for me with this horse, but I can understand that's an angle that now I'm going to kind of not use as much myself moving forward. Like you can always learn something from somebody positive or negative. There are a few people that you want to mute, but other than that, for the most part, <laughs> you, you, can, you can always pick something up here and there. And uh, Emily, thank you so much. I just, I, I love these conversations. I look forward to it uh, each and every time. Um, so uh, we won't be uh, no skanking this weekend. Well, that was my little ska joke for let's <laughs> <laughs> so no, no. As I'm a big ska fan It does pain me to say But yes 
No ska this weekend for uh, for Emily. So thank you so much. We know we can uh, follow you on social media. Anything else that you want to mention before we get out of here? I think I hit on everything. I mean, Woodbine stuff, Woodbine.com, hashtag about Woodbine TV, running all weekend long. Uh, Indiana Grand, add another week. So uh, they'll run Monday through Thursday next week. And again, those daily selections are on Brisnet. I think I got everything. Uh, anybody else I forgot, I'm so sorry. And at Emily. Optics EQ is where you can follow her on Twitter and a lot of the stuff that she was talking about. She'll share there. You can, uh, it's kind of like command center, home central for a, a lot of her content there. So, Emily, good luck this weekend. I'll go back and forth with you and uh, hopefully we can make some money and uh, and beat some of these favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck to everybody. That was uh, Emily helping us out with, uh, with so much content this year for Breeders' Cup. Make sure to give her a follow. Do not go anywhere, folks. We're going to wrap up Breeders' Cup Saturday. Stay tuned. Thank you to Emily for helping us out. So for me, after talking with Chris and then talking with Emily, the opinion on Hot Rod Charlie stays the same. I very much like him, and I think he's going to still, I still think he's going to get the trip. Now, the two horses that I've warmed up a little bit more to after the conversation are Essential Quality and Max Player. Because the more I'm handicapping this race, I'm I'm just projecting the play against Nick's Go, Medina Spirit, and the Speeds. So I'm hoping that Hot Rod Charlie, Essential Quality, and Max Player will be horses that can benefit, not needing to be way, way out of it. Horses that can sit close. And the other one that's a, the longer price that I will include in, in the bottom of Exotics would be Tripoli. So that's the Breeders' Cup Classic for me. Best of luck. And uh, we're going to get a couple more opinions throughout the Breeders' Cup Saturday card. Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne, two of my best friends. You hear them on this show almost every single week talking about old wrestling rewatches, horse racing analysis, football stuff, anything and everything. Now they're going to share their best bets for Breeders' Cup Saturday. Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali with their best bets for Saturday. It's time to uh, to wrap up Saturday You've heard the race by race thoughts From all these different excellent handicappers And big shout out to everyone who helped us Along the way and now we get to bring in Some of the regulars, some of the good friends Of the show, Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne, they helped us out, they gave us a couple Plays for Friday, now we're going to get A couple for Saturday on the Breeders' Cup card and so as uh, We did for Friday, no Particular race restrictions We're not going to cover anyone That's, That sounded weird right No race restrictions It's like no this isn't any kind of a political talk I'm just like no particular race ah. There's no there, there's no race I'm talking about Do you know how number... many of these interviews have you taped I think your brain's starting getting to a become little, mush Getting a little loopy uh, Only 12 so far on Tuesday With uh, another 7 to come in the in, in, in Wednesday But we get to Saturday now And uh, Andrew you uh, you were second when we did the Friday, so we'll uh, we'll start here with you and uh, and have you give out one of your best bets for Saturday. I asked for a couple plays, a couple races, horses that you're going to be betting, maybe building some of your wagers around. Um, take it away, my friend. Where are we heading first? Sure. So I'm going to start with a reminder that while Saturday's Breeders' Cup races are going on, there are a couple of races before that. And those races pay just the same kinds of money. So you're not going to want to ignore those races. I'm going to focus first on the third race of the program. This is the grade two Goldicova. Older fillies and mares going one mile on the turf course. And there's a horse in here that I really, really like. Probably enough to be my best bet of the day across all of the races going on at Del Mar. 
and you don't have to wait too far in the program to get to this horse. It's number one, Zofel, who makes the first start off of a pretty long layoff. And I'm going to challenge you guys here. Cross out both of the races at Belmont and tell me how much better this horse's form looks once you do it. Oh, yeah. DZ was a big fan I, of Zofel. I'm, I've always been a fan. Always of been. For some reason, yeah. she yep. just doesn't like Belmont. But, yeah, I mean, you know, listen, she's – She's faced some of the best. She should have beat God Stormy three back. That cost me a ton of money. I me too, me, me too. Believe me, Andrew. Tipped out a I little will, too late. Yeah, oh. I will. I will be jumping on top of the pile of cash you send in as well here. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's a good spot for her. So, so continue yeah. on, Andrew. Good spot for a number of different reasons. For starters, maybe the grade one level is just a little bit too deep for her, but. You look at her record in races like this, the grade two, the grade three level, going two turns on turf, and here's what you have. You have a third in the Mint Julep last year at Churchill. You have a win in the Marshua's River at Gulfstream. You have that terrible, awful, no good, very bad beat in the Honey Fox at Gulfstream. That actually made me uh, channel someone none of us particularly like too much and uh, quit horse racing for the day. Um, <laughs> then you get the race she ran two back in the distaff turf mile at Churchill Downs, where there was no pace. She was nine and a half lengths back at the second point of call. She rallies and she's beaten a half length by blowout who would go on to win a grade one last time out at Keeneland. And that horse is going to the breeders cup mile. So there's a lot of back class here with Zofel. I think there's some pace signed on. I think she's going to get the trip that she wants. And I think she's going to come flying late. She's six to one on the morning line. I really, really hope we get that price. She shouldn't go favored. And I respect Princess Grace, the horse that breaks to her outside. That's a very nice horse trained by Michael Stidham. And I wouldn't be surprised if Princess Grace is just better than this field. But at Zofel's likely price, with the last race such an obvious throwout, I need to back her here. Six to one. I really hope we get that price as I've mentioned. And Zofel to me hits me as extremely well men in this spot. This is a good this is a good spot for her. The Princess yep. Grace is quality. Um, but there aren't any there's no monsters in here. She just needs the she just needs to get the right kind of trip and where she saves ground. She shouldn't have to be wide. She shouldn't have to give up um some ground and she should have enough late. DZ, yeah, I think. Trying to remember when it was. I guess it was. Yeah, it was a Gulfstream. It was in that race uh, with against Scott Stormy when we previewed previewed that yeah, day. So we've that relived the- about ten times now in this little talk set. And my so God, that, I'm yeah. just bashing my head against a wall every time that we do of, it. That Fountain of Youth Day must have been on February. Sounds 27th, about right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, she. Yeah. This is this is another great opportunity for her to get us in that five to one uh, mutual or so, and maybe get us a little payback for that one. Huh, DZ. It would be a nice way to start Breeders' Cup Saturday. I could definitely use some bankroll to get me going. But, yeah, she's a key to my day as well for all the reasons that Andrew said. She fits in the field. And the race against Blowout, you know, you, you take a look at the at the ride. You look at the two different rides that she got in her last two starts. In, in the Distaff Turf Mile against Blowout, she was too far behind. She had to do so much to make up all that ground. It only got beat a half length. And then in the just the game, they took her out of her element and they made her chase the pace at Belmont Park. Way too up, way too way close, too up. close. Going so, quick. It was so like-, it's like they overreacted to what happened mm-hmm. in the distaff turf mile. So I, I really think they've screwed her up the last couple of races. I'm hoping Gaff Leon learned from that and gives her a better ride here because she's a very talented mare. And I would love to see her get a big win on, on a day like this. And uh, DZ, we'll head over to you for uh, one of your first plays for Saturday. Where are we headed? 
we're going to go to the Breeders' Cup mile for an old friend uh, who's made us a lot of money in the last two times that he's run. Um, I think In Love is going to win the Breeders' Cup mile. I really do. I, I think this is a horse for a trainer that when he gets them good, they get really good and they stay there. And whatever it was with this horse after the wise Dan, they figured it out. They moved him up through the ranks. Alex Ashard gets along with this horse splendidly. Um, you take a look back at that TVG stake race. He earned a seven raggers and sheep that day. It was a new top by over three and a half points. You worry about the bounce. You worry what direction he's going to go in. He comes back in about four and a half weeks, and he runs the exact same raggers and sheep figure again. And when you pair up tops in back-to-back -back stakes races like that, you have my attention. Uh, I think this horse is not over the top. I think he's peaking. I think, if anything, he has a right to even take one more step forward. Um, he's got a perfect post in the middle of the pack. I know Ashard's going to put a great ride on him. I think In Love has a monster shot to win the Breeders' Cup mile. He was so impressive last yep. time out. He was. And it was, it was one of those things where he got a great ride, but he... The same kind of trip another horse would have gotten in trouble mm -hmm. Like he 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 took advantage of that trip Because he's just a really neat sort of tactical Pretty maneuverable horse And just and like a, a shark, nice a shark knows that too If you watch the yeah. way he rides him He's patient because he knows the kick he has and he, he doesn't waiting, He doesn't get panicked when he's inside nope. He doesn't like nope. oh start to tip out a little early And now I'm stuck And then I get caught in between horses or any of that He was just nope. It was such a patient ride Like you said, he knows this horse like it's his own animal You know, that And uh, in love well, uh, We got a lot of love this weekend In the British I Cup. know, we have in love, love, loves only you My yeah, goodness a lot of them, I got news for you, a lot of them have big, big shots They do oh, Love, yeah. love, love That's like the Indeed. fourth time I've, I've done that that in uh, one of my previews Throughout the day uh, So did, people, did you, people are going to be a little are People you starting are to at least hit the note, though? A I little, mean, that, that a sounded little, a little shaky. Yeah, I was gonna say they're gonna be a little annoyed with me by the end of the day. But uh, this is this is a, a, a fun, uh, fun race in yep. love, trying to get the job done and put four in a row together. A couple of them that DZ has been on at really nice prices. You're gonna get a nice price again on in love for uh, Saturday in the Breeders' Cup Mile. That is race number nine on the Saturday card. We head back to Andrew for another one of his plays. Andrew, where are you going to take us? Well, before we move on to that, In Love is a horse I'm using in the Breeders' Cup Mile. That's a spread race for me. There's a lot of horses that could potentially win that race. Charles Appleby has a couple of very good horses going in there. Aiden oh, O'Brien's got Blues. a runner. Space Blues is legit. Really, yeah. really yeah. legit. It's yeah. a fun race. It's one of those races where you can go five or six deep and not feel at all confident. But you got to take a stand somewhere in order to justify a ticket. Well, guess what? This, that's what we call a segue, kids. I'm going to take a stand in race number 10, the Breeders' Cup Distaff. And much like my colleague, I'm going to back a Chad Brown runner. But it's not the one that he's going to give you in a little while. My top selection in the Breeders' Cup Distaff is Royal Flag, who comes in off of a smashing win in the Bell Dam last time out at Belmont. Now, the final time is not all that fast, but... I love the way that she did it. This is a horse that had been a very deep closer in several of her past races. They kept her a little closer in this particular spot, and it's a good thing they did because the early fractions were very, very slow. You see 48 and 2, you see 113 for a mile and an eighth, you think, oh, that's moderate. 
at Belmont, that's walking. You're not supposed to be able to make up ground and pull away like Royal Flag did in order to win that race. Now, you look at Royal Flag's past performances, you see a couple of very narrow losses to Latruska. I respect Latruska and everything she's done. I'm going to try to beat her in this particular spot, and there's every chance that I look like a fool if she runs back to her last couple of races. But I see Horologist in this race. She's got one way of going. I see She Dares the Devil. I don't think she's going to be too far off. I see as time goes by who has some early speed. There are a couple others in here that I don't think are going to be too far off. Private Mission's probably going to go early. Malathat won't be too far off the pace. I think it's going to be a very lively early pace that sets things up for Royal Flag to come flying from well off of it and get the money at a nice price. So Royal Flag for me in the Breeders' Cup Distaff is going to be a pretty heavy lean. Of the front runners, I most prefer She Dares the Devil. This is a horse that beat Latruska earlier on in the season. And I just think this two-turn route is exactly what she wants. And I like the fact that two back, she showed she didn't necessarily need the lead in order to run well. She may need that dimension if Horologist or Latruska prove a little quicker out of the gate. But Royal Flag, a big lean for me. Eight to one on the morning line, and I think we'll get it. Andrew's going to be singing, you're a grand old flag, you're a high-flying flag as royal flag. I will flag. be saying that Chad Brown is my favorite <laughs> trainer of all time. Storms home. Uh, so nice. Another awesome middle-priced horse that's going to be a non-obvious horse. That and that's what of, Breeders' Cup is that's made exactly, for. Horses that's exactly like that. This is what I was exactly what I was hoping for. You guys, you did your homework. This is exactly the kind of stuff we were looking because these are the type of horses that people might go, you know what? Okay, that's a horse I'm going to throw in on my ticket. I that was a good, uh, good sell job. And you know what? That's a horse who I think can get the kind of trip that Andrew was mentioning that she would need to win. Royal flag for Andrew in the distaff. We head back to DZ. Where are we going next, Darren? Might as well stay right here. I'll give you my pick, right? Uh, Andrew, Let's do it. You- Andrew gave you Royal Flag, who I am—I I absolutely agree—is a key use for me as well. I think I think Chad Brown has a big shot to pull an upset here. Uh, I think Dunbar Road is really, really interesting here at a big number. Um, Dunbar Road making her third try here in the Breeders' Cup Distaff. She went into the Spinster as a three-year-old as one of the hot commodities and tailed off towards the end of the season. She came back at four with back-to-back strong wins. She went into the Bell Dame last year as a four-year-old as being looked at as possibly the one that could threaten Monomoy Girl. And then she ran a bad race in the Bell Dame and came back with an improved race in the Distaff. Then she started off slower this year. You notice the first, the last two years started off hot and sort of regressed. I think there's been a change to Dunbar Road. Maybe it's come with age, but she started off a bit slower in the La Troyenne. The Shoe was not a good effort. Then all of a sudden the personal ends and things started to come together a little bit. And we saw a little bit of that, you know, late kick that we got accustomed to seeing with Dunbar Road and that finish earlier in her career. She ran a, a 12 and a half third, uh, sheet in April, eight and three quarters in July, eight and a quarter, eight and a half the last two. She's paired up good numbers. I think she's going to move forward to pair up the top that she put up in the distaff last year when she ran third. I think Brown's got her peaking. She's got a bullet workout on October 29th in preparation for this. My post doesn't bother me going a mile and an eighth. She's going to be a big number here, guys. I think you're going to get, I'm not guaranteeing a win again by any stretch of the imagination, but she's going to be close to 20 to one. 
and I don't need him to win at 20 to one. I just needed to hit the board here to possibly, you know, cash some good tickets. But Dunbar Road for me is going to be a key exotics use, and I think she's got a chance to pull off the upset. Really nice outside the box horses in the Breeders' Cup distaff. Some of you who are saying, yeah, we're just going to single the truce and move on. Yeah, that's not what you're getting on this show Not whatsoever Some uh, very very good insight On a couple runners in the distaff From both Darren and from Andrew uh, Andrew do you have uh, one more for Saturday? I do yes And we're going to go to the very next race on the card The Breeders' Cup Turf Now this race features the return Of an old friend I loved Tarnawa last year I thought Tarnawa had a big shot she ran big. She keyed a very nice score for me in the latter part of Breeders' Cup weekend. The first one and three quarters days of the Breeders' Cup last year were an unmitigated disaster for me. But Tarnawa and Authentic really helped turn things around and stop the bleeding. Tarnawa could absolutely win. But I'm reminded of one of my very few unbreakable handicapping axioms. You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. And you never, ever, 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 ever bet against Frankie DeTori in the Breeders' Cup turf. <laughs> I am referring to horse number eight, Broom. Okay, I'm going to have an interactive exercise here again. Do me a favor. Toss the arc and tell me how much better this horse's form looks. And you're talking about a, a race that is as competitive as any race in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this horse went early over a very heavy track that he may well have not cared for and stopped. Well, he goes to America. Riders are a little less aggressive over on this side of the Atlantic. And if you look at the time form ratings, now, speed figures are what they are. I don't think they should be the only tool in your toolbox, but they are a tool. This horse has been running yeah. in the low 120s in time form figures. Go look at the ones Tarnawa's been running. It's the same range. Broom does not need to improve a lot in order to win this race. You've got Frankie DeTori. You've got Aiden O'Brien, who has won this race not once, not twice, not three, not four, not five, six times. And you're getting 20 to one on the morning line? Okay. Broom is a must-use for me in the Breeders' Cup turf. I respect the heck out of Tarnawa. Tarnawa will be a backup use for me on a couple of tickets. If Royal Flag wins the distaff, I'll be live in everything regardless. And if Tarnawa wins, it's not the end of the world. But if Broom wins the Breeders' Cup turf, regardless of anything else that happens over the weekend, it's going to be a very good weekend. 20 so, to 1 on the morning line. I got to use that horse. And I'd advise everybody out there to use the horse as well. I, I have one concern with him. And I wanted to like, I, I am using him. But I wanted to like him at the level that you like him. And here's my concern. I think this horse caught Aiden O'Brien off guard. I th Aiden O'Brien does not bring Breeders' Cup turf contenders out to Nas and the Kara in March and April of their five-year-old season. I think he had no idea the kind of year this horse was going to have. He's now making his 10th start of the year. And his speed figures, from a, from a Ragazin standpoint, have come back the last couple, even the race two back, even the race three back. They're not as fast as they were in the middle of the year where he was running at Ascot and St. Cloud. And I'm a little bit concerned that in start number 10 of his year, he might be a little bit over the top here. Now, you could alleviate that concern 
with a 22 to one paramutual price. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. And that's yes. the, exactly. And, and, but and that's my, very, that's yeah. my one concern with this horse. And, and that's very, very capable valid. pilot. Yep. If yeah. this horse, if this horse was eight to one, would I like the horse as much? Almost certainly not. But mm-hmm. if you're telling me that, look, even if I don't get 20 to one, I can't see a scenario in which this horse goes off lower than 15. That's more than fair for me. And that's a case where if this horse wins and I don't have him on the ticket, I quit gambling. There you go. And that is Broom, uh, another big mutual. So how about this from Andrew Champagne? Don't ever let anybody tell you that Andrew is uh, is someone who doesn't go looking for prices. The the horses he dished out here, you've got Armor, 6-1 to one on the morning line, Bubble Rock, who's 8-1 to one on the morning line, Zofel, who's 6-1 to one on the morning line, Royal Flag, who's 8-1 to one on the morning line, and you've got Broom here, who is 20-1 to one on the morning line. Some big, big prices throughout the two-day cards. Darren with the big prices uh, all throughout as well. How are we going get, to uh, get to your final play for Saturday, DZ? Well, we have to make mention of the Breeders' Cup Classic. It'd be against Absolutely. the law not to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> have to. Um, look, here's the play. Everybody knows that I use the Ragas and Sheet figures. You've heard me reference them a few times here. I'm going to give you the Ragas and Sheet figures on Medina Spirit, who's considered one of the major players in this race. He's 4-1 to one on the morning line. Medina Spirit, from his most recent race back, is an 8-3-4, and 9-1-8. Those are his last three races. Now I'll do Hot Rod Charlie, four and a half, four and three quarters, five and three quarters. These two horses are the same price in the morning line. Hot Rod Charlie is a better horse than Medina Spirit. And one of them is a lot more, just seems versatile, tactical. The ability to sit, but can go if they need be. Don't really worry as much about the distance with them as much either, you know? He ran arguably in defeat, one of the greatest races you'll ever see in the Belmont Mm -hmm. Stakes this year. He won the Haskell, like you just said, showing versatility, coming from fourth off the pace in a field of seven. I know he was disqualified and yada, yada, yada. He got to the wire first, and from a betting standpoint, that's all I care about. And in the Pennsylvania Derby, yeah, maybe he did float Midnight Bourbon out a little bit wide off the turn. They could have gone around the racetrack seven times. Midnight Bourbon was never going by Hot Rod Charlie. In my opinion, this is an extremely talented horse. He's got a little bit more tactical speed to him than the essential qualities of the world. I think when you take a look at how this race shapes up on paper, you have to figure that Nick's go is going. Medina Spirit is going. Art Collector, I would think, is going. But with Mike Smith on board, it might change things. I think Hot Rod Charlie is going to sit right there, fourth or fifth mid-pack, work out a great trip here with Flavion Pratt, who's had a sensational season, winning at 28% on the year. He's going to be peaking second race back off the layoff here. Uh, I think Hot Rod Charlie is going to win the Breeders' Cup Classic and in the process uh, lock up three-year-old honors. So the only concern I have with Hot Rod Charlie, this is literally it. Where he hits at the top of the stretch, I think is where he finishes. Here's my question. Do you think he beats Nick's go to the quarter pole? Depends on what Medina Spirit does. Depends on what art collector does. Do they it's let a go? fascinating race. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. and if Hot Rod Charlie's able to put his head in front of the quarter pole, I like his chances. The only thing that scares me is what if Nick's go does a holy bull impression and just runs them off their feet? He could. He could. And 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 he could, but at a short price with a mile and a quarter, with the likelihood yeah. of of like Medina Spirit has to at least go. 
Right, they're not. They got like they they know that their chances are going to be really close to it. And I think, like you said, Art Collector probably ends up tracking a little bit. But it's not as if Hot Rod can't do just what he did in most of his races recently, where it's I'm going to break, I'm going to make you work for the lead a little bit more, and then I can sit right behind you because I made you go a little bit faster than you want to go, and I'll relax like right behind you. That that's sort of exactly what you kind of hope for from him. And I. You know, if Nick's, Nick's goes the kind of horse who I, he, Maybe it's just the way that I play He's never done it for me You know, he win like, I, I don't know how great of a horse he is I think he just is How many times has he we've, have we looked at him and went Oh yeah, Nick's go has other pace to deal with in this race This is actually a legitimate race Where on paper there are Two to three others We don't know what Art Collector is going to do But if they wanted to go he, he's got enough speed to at least make Nick's go work hard and so does Hot Rod Charlie for that for that matter but if you I mean if you but if you have the connections of art collector you take a look I mean I know what the race looks like but you look at what your horse has done you look at where how his races have been when he's close to the pace and and, and how he's done when you've taken him off the pace with the exception of some of those races those allowance races early on in his career at two and three where he was just he's better better than horses but, yeah you have to look at this horse and say, well, we can't get away seventh here. Exactly. We have no shot. You can't know? be that far behind. We don't necessarily, but he, the, the problem is that he just sort of, to me, feels so much like he's going to be in chase mode. Oh, I agree with you. You know, just in between. Like, yeah. I don't think he's going to be, like you said, he doesn't want to settle five lengths behind. I don't think he's going to be able to settle just nicely two back and, between. And by the way, same thing with Max Player. Max yeah. Player's last two races, and I want they're to great. Tell, I, they're I, much I wanted, improved. I want to, and I wanted to like Max Player here, but here's the problem with Max Player: the last two races got good when all of a sudden he found the new dimension of speed, and they put him in play early. Mm-hmm. You can't, he can't do that here. What's if he's he going to do? Mean, get floated wide. He's going to. Yeah. He's not fast enough to keep up with Nick's go if they use him aggressively, and he gets hooked in, in Medina Spirits in the middle pressing, and maybe even Arkley. Now all of a sudden he's hooked three or four wide all the way around. And if yep. you take him back like he, the old Max player, well, we've kind of seen what happens there. Yeah, maybe he could kind of plot up for a piece, but and he's he's better where he's able to show more tactical speed. Unfortunately, that's probably not the trip you really want here based on where he is. And I'm taking uh, – listen, I'm taking a contrarian approach to Nick's go than I did with Gunrunner because when, when I bet Gunrunner, a lot of people said to me, uh, he can't get a mile and a quarter. And I said, well, he ran third in the Kentucky Derby and he ran second to Arrogate in the Dubai World Cup. So I'm not really sure where you're getting the idea that he can't get a mile and a quarter from. Now, I'm not saying Nick's go can't get a mile and a quarter, but I've heard the argument when you look at his last three races and, and the argument has been, well, you're telling me if you added another eighth of a mile there that Nick's go was going to fall apart. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is controlling a tempo pace in the corn husker against horses like last judgment and rated R superstar mm. or being out by five in a 110 six furlong race going a mile and an eighth in front of Maxfield or being out by two in front of Independence Hall in the Lucas Classic in 47 and 111. That is much, much different than being in a race with Medina Spirit and Art Collector and Hot Rod Charlie essential quality. It's yep. just different. And when you add the extra eighth of a mile, I'm not saying he can't get a mile and a quarter. I'm saying it's going to be a lot harder to get a mile and a quarter in this field than if you just added an extra furlong onto his last three races. If I, I may I, jump in. Please, please. 
as long as we're talking about the classic, I need to ask the question that none of us want to answer. If Medina Spirit wins this race, I what know. the hell do we do? I don't think he's going to, but I know. Gosh. But what if he does? I know. I know. That's 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 why it was so frustrating with it, with any investigation. We've all discussed this times through and through. Is that in in most industries and when things are being investigated, a lot of times until there's a decision one way or the other. Even if we're just talking about this specific horse running, not even Gamine and all the other Baffert horses, but just this particular horse. Like, how can he be running in other races where we still don't know what happens in the Derby? Like, you know, it's funny. Like, you look at the trainers in this race. There's two. There's two great things that could happen in this race. It's if either Art Collector wins for Bill Mott or Express Train wins for John Sheriffs. (laughs) No, you're right. Other than that, there aren't aren't that many that like the 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 general folk will get. All that enthused about, uh, like the good guy, feel good, small barn yeah, stories. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that everybody else is on par with the no, you know. But listen, no. let's be honest. There's, all, there's trainers all in some... this race that have some history with positive tests. It's Absolutely, that's yeah. just that's it's just now, information. Now, one thing really quick. Look, I, I'm not even so much saying that because of anything that may have happened at the Kentucky Derby. Whatever happened, happened. Uh, as a better of Medina spirit, I was thrilled when they came onto the wire, not so much 24 hours later, but I'm not giving my money back and you can't make me. Um, hmm. Having said that, it's a case where if that happens on horse racing's championship day on the biggest stage that there is, who's going to be the person to properly answer the questions that get asked from the Tim Ladens of the world, the people that casual horse racing fans may actually read the work of and understand. Casual sports fans will read Tim Ladens stuff. Mm-hmm. Who's going to answer the question, what does this mean? And what is the answer? The fact that we don't know anything about that question should terrify you. Well, you know, you know how they're going to answer it? They're going to answer it with reciting the information that was presented to the public about the scrutiny that Bob Baffert is under this week. Yeah. And they're going to answer it by saying extra, extra precautions. They're going to say, we tested this. We did this. We had these cameras. We did this. We did this. The horse was under the most scrutiny a racehorse has ever been under in the history of horse racing. And the horse still won. That's what they're going to say. That's what it's going to be. For me, there are two things I want this Breeders' Cup weekend. I'm, I'm and, and and I'm not even being selfish in that. Like, obviously, I want to make money. Right? I was going to say is number one's not win. Right? Like, <laughs> we all want to make money. There are two races where I just want to see some some small semblance of an honest pace in this race and with Gamin. That's yeah. all I. There's five horses in that race, and I, mean, I and I and I honestly think that with the Bella Sophia drawn to the outside and the other Edgeway horse who actually was. Broke really poorly in the only other race that she faced, Gamine, and she was like on the inside at Losal and kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit. I think those two and the connections of those horses kind of want to puff their chest out a little bit. I think they kind of think that they can stack up and and they're going to go after her. And so if they do and Gamine wins, okay. And I, I feel sort of the same in this race. I want to see Knicks go. I want to see Medina Spirit. They don't have to be going battling head and head, but I want to see them. Both 
Doing what they're supposed to do Showing speed I want to see an honest pace And then if Nick's go keeps going And he wins and he's the best That's fine I don't want to see him clear out by two lengths And us have to ask the same question again Like what? where was Medina Spirit Why wasn't somebody pushing him Three or four horses decided not That's in these those two particular races, because of everything that's built into them too, with the Gamine and with the Medina Spirit, I just, for my own fan of horse racing, I hope we get honest paces in both of them. Yeah, I, 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 the the Philly Mare Sprint really, like I, I my a, son has a, my a son has a, yeah. it's, it's, it's like it's, it's sad. hard. Yeah, it's we, like that. That's, give, yeah. give you an idea. I did a full recording of the interview of it was one of my first interviews I did on Tuesday with Dave Handelin. We talked all about it. And he mentioned that the horse he thought he was going to play in like some across the board stuff, Stelio Talentoso, because he thought seven furlongs if right. Gamin gets beat. And then 20 minutes later, that horse is scratched. So the yeah. whole thing we recorded was just, it's like, that's oh, harsh. that's just brutal. As if there were, there's only six horses to begin. Now we're down to five. It's just yeah. leaves such a bad taste in your mouth, right? Well, yeah, but it's, I mean, this is not, this is not what a Breeders' Cup race should look like. I don't know. I mean, but but I'll be honest with you, and and not to try to tie in like my own world into this, but if you notice, like with our ownership group, we claim a lot of fillies and mares, and this is the reason why. Not at this level, but you see this in regular races. If you can get a filly and mare sprinter that can that can routinely run seventy buyer speed figures, the horse is going to run in twenty five thirty thousand dollar claiming races. There's just not a lot of quality in this division, and it's shown at the top right here where. Maybe everyone's afraid of Gamine, but you're telling me that for a million dollars in a grade one Breeders' Cup race, you're not taking a shot? You've never seen horses like this lose before? I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a little bit of a bummer. We'll see. She She's going to be the first Breeders' Cup race on Saturday. It's going to go as race number four. And uh, we are finishing up here with the Breeders' Cup Classic and Hot Rod Charlie as the final of Darren's plays for Saturday. Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali, they helped me out big time again with a couple plays each for Friday and a couple for Saturday. So, DZ, let's start with you, and then we'll head over to Andrew. Well, we're recording this early on Tuesday. What's uh, what's the rest of your week look like? Uh, most people will probably end up hearing this late Wednesday into early Thursday. So, as far as uh, any content that you have, any stuff going on over at Twin Inspires and uh, how are you going to be hanging out and, and taking in the Breeders' Cup? Yeah, so Twin Spires, we're definitely putting out content. We have a lot of uh, a lot of chefs in the kitchen, so basically whatever they ask me to do in the next few days, I'll do. Uh, aside from that, on my own, I'll definitely be putting out plenty of content, some video clips and stuff in terms of what I like. We'll see how it comes together. If I've seen anything worth, you know, repeating from from race replays, I'll call it out in some video clips on Twitter as well. Um, but I'll be taking it in. In the best way possible is a better. I will be sitting in my office in my house watching these races with my feet up the way that, uh, you know, betters are meant to do it. I do have to coach my son's basketball game on Saturday at 2 o'clock Eastern time, but that's okay because the first Breeders' Cup race is at 3, and there's five horses in it, and I'll be home for the rest of the race. Perfect. It's going to say if there was going to be any one race to have to worry about missing and catching up on, right? It's not going to – it won't take you hours to uh, to recap that one. Absolutely not. Exactly. So we'll see. I know Andrew likes likes a Philly there, although he's not going to get the the price that he originally wanted. So uh, I'll definitely quietly be rooting for 
uh, as Howard Stern used to say in, in the movie Private Parts, WCCC on CCC. <laughs> Let's go. CCC. Yeah, uh, um, that's a hell of a segue. But yeah, <laughs> initially I was going to talk about CC as one of my plays because I do think that at a minimum there will be a solid pace in this particular race. But four to one on the morning line before the scratch of Estilla Talentoso, CC is going to be five to two even as the third choice, it's a bummer. There's no way around it. And it's just one of those things that as it came together, it, 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 this entire last couple of weeks, as far as the Philly and their sprint is concerned, is just, it's come together horribly. Uh, Bell's the one did not ship for a variety of reasons. The trainer being conservative and also Tex Sutton is not running their usual operations right now. So yeah. there were a number of reasons that Bell's the one didn't ship which is a real shame because I would have really liked Bell's the one in this particular spot. But I think CeCe is going to get the pace that she needs. She's getting the trip. Yeah. She's the only one that can get the trip now. Yep. Right. Like brings a mild upset. I think. Yeah. She, you look at how it's going to shape up. I, and maybe I'm just being starry eyed and gullible right now, but I, I do get the sense that that Edgeway is at least going to say, I'm going to make things hard on you. Gamine. And Gamine hasn't been as good this year. She just and hasn't. Sophia is not going to just sit and, back either. She's and she's gonna go. right to her outside. She's going to make it difficult on her too. So I'm just worried that if any, if I'm trying to beat Gamine, I'm worried about the three of them all hurting each other's chances. And you look at who else is left in that race. It's got to be CC, who is kind of rounding back into form nicely right now. So maybe, maybe a horse that you won't get the the type of price on, but. If you can zig in a race where a lot of other people are going to just be going, ah, I'll take Gamine and move on, then that could definitely help the early pick five. Or if you're playing us, uh, you know, whatever, uh, whatever exotic rolling wagers you're playing in uh, beating Gamine, even with a five to two shot, would pay a lot more than a five to two shot, I think, in some of the rolling exotics. That's for sure. And one reminder before we sign off here that early pick five races one through five, 14% takeout. So if you're a takeout hawk, do not ignore the early races on the Saturday program from a takeout perspective. That's probably the best wager of the day. And if you haven't, we were laughing about uh, the Baffert horses in here and stuff. If you haven't taken a look at Friday's undercard race, well, races, well, in race number one, you won't have to go far to find the, the half brother to American Pharaoh, who's going to debut and get us all kicked off with the triple tap. Who's a nice one. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be a tough spot for him. The race is, is I like the closers in that race. Yeah, me too. There's a lot of going to go really, really fast, but it's funny. That's one of those races that it's like the, one of those, like, Hey, look, this is the horse that we, we like race. They always have a few of those races on the undercards on Derby day on breeders cup days where some of the barns will save their big maiden special weight and allowance races. Darren, we were talking just about this, right? Where, you, where you look at the races sometimes when you're trying to run your horses there, and you got to take into account that they're going to be really loaded because three or four horses from big barns show up that those barns are trying to signal, hey, this might be one of my next really nice ones. It kind of feels like that might be the case to start yeah, things well, off. Thank, thank God that I mean, I, I, I mean, we, I'll put it to you this way: like the the race that we were looking at with Freedom Bound, the non-winners of one other than which is being run on Wednesday. So by the time people listen to this, it would have been over. She she fit fairly well overall in the race from a speed, speed figure standpoint. But there's two fillies in this race with Feathers and Nizuna for Chad Brown and Peter Miller. 
that both have run in grade one races this year, <laughs> and it's a non-winners of one other than. So that speaks to that point of, mm-hmm. yeah, when Breeders' Cup comes to town, you're not probably going to send the filly you claim from a $10,000 maiden race there. No. <laughs> Where's your sense of adventure? I don't know. If you want to write a check for the cost of the shipping fees, I'll get very adventurous. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else we need to plug, Andrew, uh, before we get out of here? Uh, Yeah, at Andrew Champagne on Twitter, andrewchampagne.com for a lot of written stuff. I'll have a bunch of stuff going online later this week that I'm really excited about. Recording Champagne and JD tomorrow night. Uh, My co-host is jet-setting at the moment, so uh, it's going to be interesting, but it's going to be a lot of fun. These are the types of weekends that, as a horse player, you live for. And one of the things that I really do want to stress, you only need to be right once or twice throughout these two cards in order to have a really good weekend. So don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. Practice the handicapping axioms that every successful better will tell you about. You don't have to bet every race. You don't have to let everything ride and bet above your head. Be smart, and you're going to walk away with every chance at a nice score. Fellas, got to give you both one more thank you because the, the last couple months... Uh, this show has really, really knock on wood been doing very well um, with responses from people that are listening with some new sponsors and some new partners moving forward. And you two gentlemen have been along from pretty much the very beginning, helping me in just all like any way possible. I, whatever I need help with, you guys Add have always one said more share. No problem. 90. Add another <laughs> share. I don't, I can say, I don't ever like getting into numbers. Cause what's like a million for someone is a thousand is for 500. It's it's irrelevant, but just from like a percentages standpoint to give everybody idea over the last 30 days, well, we're up like 60% of plays people listening, which is like, Every time I'm tuning in, just more and more people. We've gotten some really big sponsors, Santa Anita, DRF, DRF Sports, another uh, meet coming up with Sam Houston. And what's nice is with everything going at Better Than Vegas and Stable Duel, those sponsors have helped share the content. The content is always really good. It speaks for itself. And I think people, when they look, when they listen in and they take the time, they appreciate it. And they've been going back, and our old wrestling rewatches do a really good job because – People will realize that out and I can see the numbers someone will watch will listen to one and then they'll go and catch like four or five old wrestling rewatches in a row. Um, So it's really cool that I can see a lot of those things and um, I can never thank both of you enough for the Uh, hours. Most common common response from a Gino Bacolo listener. I want to see what he'll say next. Yeah, there we go, right? Is that another Howard, Howard Stern? Stern? You got it! <laughs> Damn it! So you're telling me they watch longer? That they well, what, about, what about the guys that hate him? Very good what? question. Most common response from a hater. I want to see what he'll say next. God, I got to go watch that again. That's a good freaking movie. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. You might have just inspired me. Although, honestly, my first order of business is going to be rewatching the first Daniel Craig Bond movies because I saw the most recent one. Folks out there, if you have not seen it yet, don't. I don't know what it is. It's not a Bond movie. And it's a whole other podcast to explain all of my issues with that movie. Save yourself the three hours. You're welcome. Okay, so one day we will do this. I am not kidding. I've never watched one Bond movie ever. Gino, any Bond movie? And it's funny. It's funny because, like, I. It's not that I don't like them. It's not that I have anything against them. I know I've I've caught 
little clips and scenes and I, you know, and I know some of the names and the characters and hell growing up everybody was playing Golden Eye, you know, on a, and What a great games, game. Right? But yeah. I've never sat down, but but for me, I'm the type of maniac that when I do, I'm going to have all of them ready and I'm going to go from the very beginning in order. I'm going to go through all the old ones and then into all the new ones. So at one point, they'll, they'll, we'll have a, a pod or a couple pods about it and you guys can join me. We can start talking some, uh, some James Bond through the years. But that's definitely one of my projects on the bucket list at some point. And uh, I'll throw that on. Fellas, again, thank you so much. Make sure to give Darren a follow and you can check everything he's got coming up this week. Andrew, a follow, uh, two of my best buds in the world. And uh, I really appreciate it. They've, uh, they've helped so much through the years here on That's What G Said. Good luck to everyone on Breeders' Cup weekend. And we'll, uh, we'll finish up talking uh, uh, the little last bit of Saturday right now. Don't go anywhere. And we made it all the way through three Breeders' Cup preview shows. We had one for Friday that we filled all the way up, and there was so much for Saturday, we literally couldn't put it all into one. We had to split it up into two, and we almost filled up both of those episodes. So these are the shows that I really look forward to each and every year because I get to hang out with so many of my friends. I get to reconnect with so many people that I just don't get to talk to day in and day out that I I would love to. You know how it goes, folks. We get so busy and so caught up into everything going on in our own lives that sometimes you, you realize that, dang, I haven't talked to that very good friend in a couple weeks, couple months, sometimes a year, and I was able to catch up with so many people I learned and I have learned from so many of these guests that I was able to bring on and uh, and I'm glad that I was able to highlight them and show you how talented so many of these handicappers and gamblers are so thank you all for listening in to uh, all three of the shows if you just listen to this one or one of the two or one minute for one race or one segment or anything at all there's so much great content out there when it comes to to horse racing in general like this for breeders cup leading up but just great content great podcast everybody's watching stuff on netflix and hulu and hbo max and disney plus and all over the place so time is precious we are all busy we've got so much happening Anytime you spend a second with me over here on That's What G Said, I really appreciate it. And a big thank you to all of the the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast who continue to give us the opportunity to pump out all this stuff for free. I, I love having free content. I love making sure that nobody has to pay for all of this great information that we're able to give you. And I will always work hard. In these particular shows, it was just horse racing, but that same effort that I put in and that you've always seen me put in win or lose I'm not saying we're going to win all the time but win or lose I'm always going to do my best we're always going to have watched every replay looked at every chart at least feel like we've done as much possible work as we can and then some days are great and some days aren't I'm going to do that same thing for every football game every basketball segment baseball segment every time we do a deep dive on a Marvel TV show or on a Star Wars movie that's the kind of prep work myself and all of the guests and everybody who comes on this show provides just because I want everyone uh, that listens to this show to know that they are going to get a quality and a quantity of coverage in sports and pop culture unlike anywhere else thank you so much folks good luck this weekend and we'll have another if you're a big sports fan and if you're into um, other non-horse racing stuff we have another episode coming out that's going to talk about NFL, 
I'll preview all the games coming up for week nine. Oh my goodness, week nine. We'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about what happened in the World Series, and we are uh, we have our weekly wrestling segment with Chad Cooper, where we recap everything that happened on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Friday Night SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Rampage, and Dynamite. We'll give you all the news and everything in wrestling on uh, our next episode of That's What G Said podcast. Joey, buddy, close us out.